I love Mr. Lugosi, the Invisible Ray. You were great as Karloff's sidekick. Karloff? Sidekick? Fuck you! Karloff does not deserve to smell my shit. That limey cocksucker can rot in hell for all I care. What happened? How dare that asshole bring up Karloff? You think it takes talent to play Frankenstein? It's all on makeup and then grunting. Bella, I agree 100%. Now, Dracula, that's a role that requires talent. Of course. Dracula requires presence. It, it's all in the eyes and the voice and the head. That's right. That's right. You seem a little agitated. You want to go outside and get some air? Bullshit. I'm ready now. Roll the camera. And welcome back. Rusty in New York, New York. Hey, Rusty, what's up? Oh, thank you. Well, unfortunately, well, you had me in hold for so long, I kind of almost forgot what I was going to say. It says you're about, still paying off your student loans. Oh, yeah, that's what it was, I think. Well, but then you started talking about Texas, though, too. Yeah. What were you saying about that? You played that video that. Yeah. What, what were you saying about that again, too? Because then I kind of got off on the tangent with that, and I was going to talk to you something about that. Okay, well, pick a tangent, Rusty, because i got a whole bunch of other people who would like to get in here, too. So uh, pick a well, topic and go for it. Well, I mean, uh, it depends on what you think is more important right now. I, I don't know. So on the student loan well, thing, your, your, your opinion on student loans. You're still paying off your student loans after 10 years? Uh, yeah, but I had a point I was going to make okay. about it, um, okay. because I'm having trouble paying them, but, uh, it's he, because of some, there's some law. I think, okay. The I law, think the know. law was the bankruptcy reform act. Oh yeah. What was I going to say about that? Uh, no, don't think so. We're out of here. If you don't know what I'm looking about, lo talking about, look it up. Nikki Glazer, and on today's Howard Stern Show, it is Alec Baldwin. Oh. Hey now, call me everything you need. Hey, hey Mr. Hey Robert Zombie. Hey All right. Hey now. Hey now. Hey now. Hey now. Hey now. Hey now. So much hey now. to talk hey about. I don't even know what to do. Everyone's telling me to watch that movie. Um, uh, it's like in Chinese or something. Where? Oh, uh, about the first, oh, the one child only policy. No, no, no. The, it's one? called. Um, 
Gary, what's the name of that film? Parasite. The Parasite. Oh, that one that was being nominated and talked about. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm a member of the Screen Actors Guild, so I get the screeners and they send Parasite. Beth said to me, let's watch it. This was over the weekend. And I was like, yeah, okay, what is that? I didn't even know anything about it. She said, oh, it's supposed to be really good. Everyone's telling me to watch it. It's real good. Yeah, I don't know what that one's about. So I Googled it and started watching the trailer and you know i, I put it on it's like ching chong ching chong chong ching chong 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 a whole bunch of the subtitles and i said honey there's subtitles she goes what i go yeah so you know i see she goes on i said google it she goes on she puts on the trailer it's like ching chong chong ching chong 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 ching chong 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 and she's like i'm not watching this i said yeah me neither so i never got to see it but gary's telling me it's fantastic but i don't like subtitles I'm not a big fan either. Yeah, I I don't like to read. I like to see. I'll even put up with when they dub in the voices into English. But I'm not big on that either. I'll take that over a subtitle because you know what? I don't know. I I feel like I'm just reading the whole time and I can't really take in the movie. Yeah, I'm not watching the movie. I'm reading. Yeah. In this one, I swear, Howard, you can get over it quickly. I really, I hate to go out on a limb with you because then if you if I waste your two hours, you hate me for a year. But yeah. I really do think you'll like this. What's you, it about? It's it's supposed to be the the rap I heard. Was supposed to be like, you know, that movie Get Out. Yeah, it's like that. A horror film. Okay. Yeah. Well, I might put up with it if it's a horror film. Yeah, I know you like that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of films. It's weird with me. Like, just give me The Bachelor. Well, I um, uh, you know, the movie that won for best movie was this 1917. So uh, I watched a trailer of that yesterday. I do want to see that because I like war movies. You do. Yeah. It's, it's like a Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, that I, I can. Think. I guess I, I. You know what though? Am I really going to sit there and watch it? And, and a friend of mine who's a director. He's an actual real director. Um, he was telling who, me who are the fake directors you've been talking. Well, about? you know, you meet people who say they're a director, and you find out like they 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 videoed their cat. Oh, you know, no, but director. <laughs> you know, everybody's a director until you find out their credits. But this guy's a real deal. You know who he is. And uh, he was telling me, yeah, nineteen seventeen is a movie to watch. I go, why is that? He goes, well, from an artistic standpoint, they they did everything in like one take, like it's like a stream of consciousness of the camera. And I said, listen. That's all bullshit to me. Right. Just tell me the story. Yeah, I don't care I don't if the guy shot it. it. Yeah, I don't care if he shot it on a big stage where everything was going on. Just, is it good? He goes, yeah, it's good. It's good. He goes, but from an artistic standpoint, it's really something. I said, okay, art smart. I don't care how he gets it done. I don't care how the guy makes my pizza as long as the pizza is good. And then, um, and then my buddy, uh, Pat told me the same thing you did. Robin, that Star Wars, he says, it's unbelievable. He said, I wasn't expecting much and that it was the best Star Wars next to the original. I, I, I'm telling you, it's really, really good. Yeah, but he motivated me too between the two of you carrying on. I, I figured maybe I'll go see that. <laughs> and there's no Darth Nihilus or that puppet, right? No, yeah. no, no Yoda, no, none right. of that. The baby but, you Yoda. You know, they have a lot of the aliens that uh, they sprinkle in the movie. And I Yoda, like. I mean, uh, Baby Chewbacca's Yoda. There. They got Baby Yoda. No, Baby Yoda's in one of the. Oh, other things. Other, other See, that's, things. Yeah. That's why I kind of zoned out of the whole Star Wars franchise. I can't follow. You know, there's Baby Yoda, but it's in some TV show somewhere. Right. And, you know, it got a little too complex. Well, there are too many universes. Yeah, and it's kind of like Superman comics and all that stuff. So I stopped reading comics when. It was like 50 different alternate realities. And I just said, fuck this. Yeah, I was just watching something last night. About, uh, and it was about all these different Earths. 
Yeah, yeah. You, you don't want that. Oh, I, no, I, I was enjoying it. No, I, I don't like that. It was more like a comic <laughs> book than it was like a TV show. I only There's only one Earth. <laughs> I don't like when they have multiple Earths. And all the superheroes were together. It was great. Howard. Yeah. So the Mandalorian is on Disney Plus. Right. That's got Baby Yoda in it. It's excellent. I would highly recommend watching that series. The Star Wars movie. I, I do have Disney Plus because I'm a, I think I'm a Verizon or one of these. Yeah, you, you bought something new. Yeah, Verizon yeah. gets you a free year. Fa John Favreau wrote it, directed some of the episodes. I'm not kidding. It's, I like him. It's very good. The new Star Wars movie. I'm not on board like you guys are, but definitely well, worth seeing. You like things that you can't see. I'm afraid you could see this one. Oh, it's 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 a fun adventure, but don't compare it to the originals. Like it's not even close. I said, oh, the look, two of those originals weren't that great. Yeah. What do you mean two? The the first Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back are great. No, they are not. The first Star the first Wars two. was great. No, the first two Star Wars were great. <laughs> that it was okay. I hate Ewoks. Ewoks no. were in the third one. The second one is yeah. Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back was really good, Robin. Let me go back and look at it again. Don't, I don't bother. Basically, stay in the moment. Pissed off after the listening, third one. I, listening to you and John Hine argue about Star Wars, forget it. I don't want to hear. I'm it not anymore. arguing with him. Don't argue with him. I'm right. He's wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I, you know, I, I I laid in bed last night and watched the Golden Globes because I I had to go to bed early the night it was on, and I actually really enjoyed it. After putting it down, what what's yeah. wrong with you? I, well, I hadn't seen it when I was putting it down. I was, <laughs> okay. Uh... The part I saw, well, I was listening to it. You know, I was listening to it from JD's clips, but I got to lay in bed and watch it. And you know, well, as far as real, as far as uh, 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 you know, award shows go, I thought they did a pretty good job with it. I mean, you didn't miss Ricky Gervais when he disappeared. Well, listen, I like Ricky Gervais. I thought he was really funny. I think he's an excellent host. So that was a home run. I actually was quite moved by Tom Hanks's speech. I, I you know, everyone said it was long and boring. I. I no, it was just that bit about the gate. I don't know, I but, but 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 he was pretty interesting. I I don't know, and then I kind of enjoyed seeing the people looking at him with uh, respect. And then I liked, um, well, there was a couple of movies too. Like, like I, I thought Marriage Story would have gotten more awards. I thought Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver were really good in that. But I like seeing them there and getting sort of recognized and. The Joker, when uh, Joaquin Phoenix got up, I thought he was really good. I, I like that guy. You know, he's edgy and kind of quirky, and I liked what he had to say. And He's kind of unfathomable. What does that mean? You can't get him. Right. Yeah, you can't pin him down to, yeah. to one sort of person. Like, you don't know. You don't, like, you he, don't know what category to put you him You don't in. know if he's fucking crazy or not. That's right. In fact, I said to my buddy the other day, he used to work out at my gym, and I, and I said, do you when when he worked out at the gym he seemed pretty normal. I said, but do you think he's crazy, or is that an act, or is he and like you just don't know, you know. <sighs> but uh, I don't, as far as awards shows go, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. Actually. Well, it's a shame that you did such a good job of trashing it yesterday. Yeah, well, that's what's great about this show. You can tune in and now hear a different point of view. It's like you're getting a show with two different guys. <laughs> Well, I like that Tom Hanks was, you know, I, I could relate to this because I actually got to make a movie in my life. And um, 
it, Tom Hanks said, every actor who's ever worked on a film has heard, if you don't do your job, there's no movie. Like, you better get your shit together. And sure enough, I said, well, that is absolutely true in my experience because the first two days I was on the set of Private Parts, Ivan Reitman dragged me into a room and said, you better get your shit together because if you don't figure this out, we don't have a movie. And he shook my ass up. <laughs> and then Betty Thomas kind of said, all right, Ivan, you leave now and let me work with Howard a bit. And she calmed me down. She made me feel relaxed. They were doing good cop, bad cop. They did good. Yeah, they rope and doped me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you don't know. Like right now, I hate Parasite. I haven't seen it yet. And once I see it, you might tune in and hear <laughs> how I love it. Movie you've ever seen. It might be the greatest movie I've ever seen. But right now, it's like ching chong, ching chong, chong, chong. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't know if the patience to go through. Well, this. I can't listen to you anymore. If you're going to be yeah. this mercurial, <laughs> I know, I know. What are you going to do? I mean, uh, you know, a lot of times, Robin, you need an opinion from me before I see anything. <laughs> it's a big problem on this show. You got to give me a couple of days. Well, don't give an yep. opinion but, when uh, you haven't seen something. And I liked seeing like those guys all from the Irishman. Uh, Pesci wasn't there, but, um. De Niro was sitting next to Scorsese. Yeah, I like that. And then like people were giving kudos to, uh, Scorsese and Sc Yo, Scorsese looks like Baby Yoda there. now, not cause, <laughs> cause, uh, what's his name made a joke about it said that Pesci looked like Baby Yoda, but it's really um, Scorsese. It's, it's, it's kind of sweet. You know, he's like, he's like a little old man. Like you see, he might hang out with my parents. And, uh, I don't know. It was kind of, and it was great seeing like De Niro just sitting there and it, he looked angry with everybody. Like no matter who but he, making... he smiles for, uh, Mar Martin Scorsese. Yeah. 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 Anything Martin Scorsese he smiles, but everyone else, he seems to be just like, <laughs> fuck you. You're not yeah, a real he's actor. He's bored to tears with yeah. everybody else. Yeah. Like who was, but when Joaquin Phoenix was making his speech, they shot a, an audience reaction from De Niro and De Niro looked like he wanted to go up and bop him over the head with a bat. <laughs> I don't know why. He just seems pissed off at everyone and it's funny to me. So yesterday, but that's the beauty of the Golden Globes is that you see people sitting there interacting with each other. That was always the great thing about it, that yeah. they they aren't sitting in chairs. They're at tables. But I have to say, in all honesty, when I was laying there in bed last night, I didn't fast forward. I like watched everybody and watched their speeches and it seemed to have good pacing and. I did enjoy it. So, okay. But you didn't, you know, there was a lot of things written about Gervais disappearing as the show yeah. went on. Well, that's because the show gets so long and they, you know, they only have three hours because we have to get to local news because nobody else does that. <laughs> you never see that anywhere else. It's local news. Oh, my God. I was just in the elevator coming up here and the guy who operates the elevator, this guy, Keith, he says to me, uh, oh, man, you should hear him do the weather. He just went. Yeah, we're going to get some snow on Wednesday. And by the way, he goes, um, it, it's going to be 58 degrees on Friday and Saturday is going to be like 61 degrees. I said, you know, you're a fucking better weatherman. I put on this local news. The weather is so complex and like, you're never really sure what's going to happen. They keep it purposely vague, but they well, talk a lot. Well, they're saying, see this right here? And I'm like, what are you looking at? Yeah, what do you mean see this? I'm not a meteorologist. <laughs> but Keith, I don't know what that blue field is. So I said to Ronnie on the ride after the elevator, I said, we should get Keith in here to do the weather every morning. Yeah. Because he does it very simply. He's just like, yeah, it's probably going to snow tomorrow night. And and it's uh, going to be unusually warm this weekend. It's like, well, okay, thank you. Thank you for the weather forecast. I don't even care if he's right or wrong. It's just condensed. It's simple. It's simple. 
Give it to me simple. Well, da- uh, Captain Dennis does that for me. He he yeah. called me when I was traveling. He said, you're going to be traveling in rain the next couple yeah. of days. There you go. Thank you, Captain. <laughs> Captain Dennis. I used to get my weather from Captain Kangaroo. But he's not around anymore. I don't need to know the barometric, pre- barometric pe- pressure because I don't know what that is. Uh, this is a low system and this is a high. Yeah, well, I've been low my whole life. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Finishing up on the Golden Globes, I thought it was good, and I like the Joker, and I like Marriage Story. Have you seen Marriage Story? It's really yes, good. I have. Really I good. I loved it. Yeah. I'm a big Adam Driver fan. He's good. I mean, I always root for him because he was in the military. I like that. You know, like, he was in the military, and then he got out and became an actor. Very masculine. I like that. You like a guy who served, and then he gets popular, and you, you got nothing bad to say about him. Like if he was in a war movie, you'd believe it because yeah. he'd be happy that he was. He wouldn't have it. done it for a week. It wouldn't have. He wouldn't have gone camping and said he was right. Uh, you know. Yeah. In training. Right. But yeah, I watched the entire show and it was good. And I, I, I said to myself, I have to make sure I go on the air and say that because I'm very rarely positive about it. Yeah, you were so harsh yesterday. Like I thought uh, Quentin Tarantino's speech was fucking great. Yeah, man, I wrote this whole thing myself. Well, that was the best. I was reading about his response. He says, you know, this is kind of weird winning for writing because who do you think? I did it myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. The only thing that's really suffered is the Joan Rivers started the red carpet commentary on E or on TV Guide Network, wherever she started it. And we used to be really good. I don't know. When Joan did it, it was kind of fun. He kind of didn't know what Joan was going to ask, and and she was up on all the gossip and the fashion and the fashion. She just had she such a charm and and, yeah. and a wit. And uh, I, again, I don't mean to be in a position to knock Ryan Seacrest or uh, you know, it's fine. Listen, the guy's got a career, whatever. Who cares? You know, I don't give a shit anymore. You want to go do that kind of fucking television and radio it's, look he's raking it in that's right he's you know You're always what? saying don't give up your job that's he's right not giving up anyone but the but the red carpet thing has become very tedious and not fun and a friend of mine came out to me and said howard you should do it because you you know you in the vein of joan rivers love all that shit and i said yeah i said but i can't do everything right robin i, I you know just doing this show is hard enough for me well, that would be a whole preparation thing, right. too. It would be ridiculous for, you know, one night. Yeah. But my friend's in show business, and he said um, that I would be the one to take it over. But I don't know. I don't have time. And I don't think they're looking for me. I think everyone's kind of bought into the um, the, really the Ryan Seacrest Ryan, style. Ryan Seacrest and, and that very skinny woman. Who I, 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 I the Ranchick woman is she back? Juliana Rancid. She's uh, <laughs> what? What is her name? I don't Ranchick. mean Ranchick. Ranchick. Rancic. Rancic. Yeah, I don't know that it's sick. It's yeah. chick. Sick. <laughs> I think it's sick. I really. I'm not. You know, it's Juliana Rancic. I mean, it's fine. I mean, whatever. They have, they just have a whole posse of people that. I don't know. They, it just it gets long and tedious, and I don't. I'm not interested in watching any of the interviews. Once I see what the woman is wearing, and by the way, the outfits that all the women were wearing, almost with no exception, maybe there were two or three exceptions, 
They all look horrible. I don't know what these professional outfitters are doing, these these dressers. I don't know what you call them, stylists. But the, the people look terrible in their dresses. And these are women who have good bodies. you got to stop. First of all, they all pull their hair back super tight. You can't even see they, they, beautiful hair. They hide it. And then even in the titty dresses seem like they're not flattering. It makes them look flat. They look like Jeez. armor. Yeah. It, it's J-Lo, you know. I bust JLo's balls, but she is a beautiful woman. She had on a dress, but she looked like, 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 like it was so much material. Yeah, and there a big were so, bow there and, were these huge bows. And you go, well, what the fuck are they doing? Where's to these, JLo? What are they doing to these beautiful women? Like, it's like, it's almost like the emperor has new clothes. They, these stylists have like made these women into clowns. But I think it's to get somebody to say something, you know, for your <laughs> picture to show up. Oh. On, you know, these magazines and in the newspaper, because if you're just beautiful, you know, sometimes they go for those bizarre outfits that don't make you look so good. So they were saying J-Lo was the worst dress, but they were talking about her. Right. Yeah, when I was on, so I went on vacation and uh, I told you yesterday, my wife and I were in Mexico. We left early. And, you know, we were with Jimmy and Molly and a few other people as well. Do you think that yeah. makes you endearing or... Endearing to who? I'm endearing to no one. Well, I just don't know why you agree to these things and then run out on people. No, 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 no. Listen, they ended up leaving a day early. It's like They stayed longer than we did, but I heard they like, well, they went back a day early, too, because... It's not like that. It wasn't like we were all vacationing together and having all these big plans. It was like, hey, we'll come by for a few days. And my wife and I were in a separate house from everyone else. You know, a separate room. And uh You so, don't think it's like, oh, we were so boring, Howard left. No, I, I God, I hope not. I don't think you know what it was? It was just like Beth and I had been away for a long time and I mean, I, Mexico's fun. I don't know what's going on with me, but I don't understand why people enjoy traveling. I love my home, and I love being home with my stuff. Like, it was nice enough and everything, but the second I get there, it like, was a beach, and it was hot, and second I get there, fucking, I felt my arm being bitten by a mosquito, and I was, these mosquitoes in Mexico are super slow. They're arrogant. And, like, they just kind of, they just wait to be killed. I think their lives are so miserable, these mosquitoes. <laughs> Mexican Me mosquitoes don't want to live. Yeah, I think just they're <laughs> pissed off that the government is uh not functioning well. There's lawlessness, and they just want to die, all these mosquitoes, because... Are they also trying to get to America? I swear, this one was trying to hitch a ride with me back to the States. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I get there, and, and the second, the, the woman's explaining, like, how the... You know, where everything is, you know, the woman who works there, she's the concierge type person. And uh, we had just, like, dropped our bags off. I'd just been in a car, took an hour from the airport to get to the fucking place. And I get there, and the second I get there, boom, I feel the mosquito. I, I swat him like that. Boom. Now there's blood all over my hands because I got the fucker. How big was this mosquito? Huge. <laughs> and I mean, my like, like, two of my fingers are covered in blood. And you know me with germs. And I'm like... You know, this is like sharing a needle with somebody. Like, I, Let's I, I, hope this uh, mosquito isn't a drug addict. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was weird. And everything, you know, I was just like, I don't lay in the sun anymore because my dermatologist told me that I better not get any sun on me. Uh -huh. Meanwhile, I went for my yearly physical. Doctor said, 
You have no vitamin D in your system. Um, <laughs> because you're so covered up? He says, you need to get a little sun. I go, well, the dermatologist told me not. My dermatologist told me to wear sunscreen indoors. <laughs> you should see this guy. He's as white as a vampire. And he told me to do that. And I'm listening to him. But by listening to him, now I'm low on vitamin D. I don't have vitamin D. You always take it to the extreme. No. Well, listen, I listen to people. <laughs> Someone tells me not to get in the sun, I, I do it. So now I'm supposed to get 15 minutes of sun. So I'm like, but I don't want to lay in the sun. So, you know. So how are you going to get your vitamin D? I don't know. And then, like, I go to take a shower in Mexico, and the shower wasn't great. My shower at home is so much better. I'm like, well, I'm on vacation. I'm supposed to be experiencing a better situation, not a worse one. You know, I mean, and then and then the room was like kind of I blasted the air conditioning because the room was like kind of damp, like my clothes felt muggy and the uh, the like I get into bed at night and the, the sheets felt wet like it was muggy, like like I can't explain it. it was it's like humid. Damp. Yeah, it was like damp, like humid. It was like humid. <laughs> Inside, but inside the room, there was weather. And I even said, I even said to the uh, Mexican people, I said, "Hey, you know, you guys got all the windows open, and the mosquitoes are flying in. How about closing the windows and putting on the air conditioning?" They were looking at me like I was crazy. (laughs) I'm like, "Like, why is that such a weird concept?" They're like, "Oh, fresh air, fresh air." I go, "Fresh air, nothing." Do they have screens or all those mosquitoes? They just keep the doors open and the windows open, like it's. And I'm like. Are you guys just pretending there's no mosquitoes biting the shit out of us? <laughs> like, where, where, like, where's reality here? And then when I said to him, hey, I want all the windows shut and everything, they looked at me like I was this fucking crazy American. Like, how do you not want the, how do you not want this open air experience, you know? Right. So I don't know. I, I'm not good on vacation. But I like being with Jimmy and Molly, and we don't get to see them enough. Like, I really like them a lot. So you should say I'm coming overnight. You should not say. Yeah, that. well, we now we had a couple of good. We had we had three dinners together. Uh-huh. One in town, and I went to town. I did that for Jimmy. I don't like going to town. Was it better in town? Better than what? Than being at well, the resort or no. wherever you were eating? No, I mean it was. I mean, we drove a fucking hour to get to this town because Jimmy had been to the town, and and said, "You're not going to believe this. We first we're going to get a drink." At a house that Pablo Escobar used to own, and they turned it into some kind of bar. And I hear bar and drinks. I don't drink. And I'm just like, oh, these people don't eat till like eight o'clock at night. So now we got to go first to this Pablo Escobar house. So we're driving into town. It it's takes the Pablo Escobar bar. I don't know what it is. There's something with Pablo Escobar. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God. And then we start driving and there's so much traffic because every, it's just one road in and one road out. And it's all tourists. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're not going to eat till like 8.39. I know it. I'm hungry now. And then I could, I want to go to bed. Maybe the day will be over soon. So we went to Pablo, at Pablo Escobar's house. And Pablo Escobar's house was real nice. We're having a drink. And I was like, oh, let's just eat dinner here. But no, the, like Jimmy wanted to go to a different place to have dinner. And I'm like, well, now we got to get back in the car and. It was three cars because we had a caravan of people. And I was I was like, oh. This- Why didn't you just rent a bus? But I decided I was going to be fun, Howard. Okay. And like, I, yeah, right. I, I was just like, uh, no. Beth and I brought our own car because I knew I'd want to leave before everyone else. 
And I said, I don't, I don't want to be stuck waiting for everybody. Yeah. And then we had to get back in the car and drive 15 minutes now to the restaurant, which was, it was tons of traffic. And then you get there and you sit down and, and you know, the food was good. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I live in New York. We got the best food in the world here. You know, we have better Mexican food than Mexicans have. I don't know about that. Well, pretty close. <laughs> close enough for me. You know, like everyone's like, oh, the guacamole so fresh. I'm like, yeah, it is in America, too. <laughs> <laughs> and the fish is so fresh. I think they think they're coming right out of the sea in Mexico. You know, whatever sea they Right, have. like somebody grabbed it with their hand. Right, yeah, and they <laughs> threw it on the table. <laughs> But uh, but I got to talk to Jimmy, which was good. And I, and I love his wife, Molly. It was fun. And Beth loves Molly. And the other people who were there, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to mention their names or not. I don't want to get in trouble. You know. But there were some other people there who were very nice, too. So it was fine, you know. And, I, and by the way, I was a good sport. I sat there and, like, acted like I was having fun. That's the problem. You think anybody's buying your act. And plus, I don't drink, and everybody else is drinking, and I, I don't miss drinking, but it's like kind of like, you know, everyone's sitting and drinking, I'm like ready to eat, because I don't drink. <laughs> cocktail, cocktail. But there were two Where's other guys, dinner? there were two other guys there who don't drink, uh. for various reasons, and, um, and that was good. And then there was one other guy there who was completely paranoid about germs like me, so we were, um, every time we touched something, we were gelling. Putting that um, hand sanitizer on. Sounds like a great time. Yeah, it was, it was great. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> but it really was great. I mean, anytime I'm with Jimmy and Molly, I'm happy. I like them. I get along with them. You know, they understand me and I understand them, I think. But then, like, and then I'm walking on the beach with Beth and, and, I, and I really want to be, you know, fun. I want to be fun, you know. Yeah. So I try to imitate a guy who's having fun. That's how I figured out how to have fun. And then Beth goes, hey, take a picture of me. Because Beth looked good in her bathing suit. And she was sitting in this chair. And I took a picture of her. And we put it right up on the internet. And it caused kind of like a sensation in a way. The Daily Mail picked it up. And the um, it was weird because she's posted bikini pictures before. And nobody gives a shit. Well, what was so special about this? I, don't, I guess she just looked really good. and. You know, it was right off my iPhone. I took it with my iPhone while we were on vacation. And and, and we just put it up there. And Because Beth is always looking for stuff to put up for her Instagram. Because uh-huh. uh, she uses it for cat adoption. So she goes, you think I should put up a bikini picture every once in a while? Uh, you know, and I said, yeah, why not? Who cares? If you, if you like the picture, go ahead. I'm sure it's like some dudes, they don't want to see just cats. They want to see some bikini pictures. So I put it up, and uh, the Daily Mail picked it up. And Did they pay you? The, no. I mean, it, it's off our Instagram. And then it was like Yahoo News picked it up, and Google News. Fred even beat off to it, he told me. <laughs> See, this is what I don't understand. You know, back in the day when a photographer took a picture, yeah. you had to pay him. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. I, I didn't want, even want any credit. I just took the picture. And so, uh, but, and Beth looked great. And then I end up getting bashed because... I never read the comments underneath, you know, but on the Daily Mail, I figured, wow, she looks so good. They must be saying wonderful things. 
And I scroll down, and it's like, hey, she looks really good, but she's married to that ugly fuck. And then it was like, how the fuck? Is she she must have married him for his money. And then it was like, <laughs> he is so fucking ugly. Like, how could he get a girl like that? Oh, my goodness. You know, it was like the, the headline was a monster captures hot chick. <laughs> and I was like, I said to Beth, you decided to put up a bikini picture and I'm getting hit over the head with a hammer. So, you know, <laughs> like, like there was like a, a 10 marries a negative three. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, why am I getting beaten up? You got a picture of a beautiful woman. They're right away bashing me. Right? Like, I, this is what human nature is. It's become terrible out well, there. Well, look at you and Oprah. Oprah isn't doing that so you can tell her how horrible she is and she's making all the wrong moves. I know. But, but you can't help yourself. Gary follows Oprah, too, and he says he, he follows her for the same reason. <laughs> he can't believe what she's up to. He can't believe, like, how she shows off her opulence and wealth. Howard, my, my favorite thing that she ever done was her and Stedman were in Tuscany with the tr uh, pigs, and they were truffle hunting. Yeah, I know. I mean, and, and she goes, I love me some truffles. And I'm like, honey, most people can't afford a fucking can of soup. <laughs> Don't start talking about how you love you some truffles. I mean, it's like, stop it. I don't know. You're supposed to be embarrassed a little bit. And why should you be embarrassed about anything you've done? I Hey. Unless it was wrong. <laughs> What's wrong with you when there's embarrassment? I don't know. She's it's supposed just, to pretend you, she's not you, rich. Yeah, you try to sort of not show off like that, I would think. She wasn't showing off. She goes truffle hunting. I mean, and everything with her is the food. First of all, she shouldn't be eating truffles if she's on Weight Watchers. Truffles don't have very many calories. I don't it's know. It's a mushroom. Anything that can knock off calories... She 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 doesn't need truffles. That's all I'm <laughs> it's saying. It's everything you put the truffles on. That's right. You're not kidding. All I know, everything she seems to be eating doesn't seem to be on Weight Watchers. That's all I know. I don't think she's card counting. I don't think she's doing anything. It's all bullshit. So. But you put it out there, people get the comment. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I got I don't mind if they comment on Beth. Why are they commenting on me? What did I well, do? Well, you happened to be the guy who took the picture. Right. Well, they didn't know that. They assumed <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, give me a break. Uh, I probably should stay on time here. I know I don't even like breaking. I don't like uh, breaking for commercials. I don't like breaks. I don't. I don't <laughs> like breaks. I'd rather just talk because I'm kind of in a groove now and I know what I want to do. All right, I'll take a break. Oh, look, white truffles are $168 an ounce. You know what I mean? Of course they're expensive. That's not the issue. That's the issue for me. She she brings her own truffles to restaurants. Whatever. Just stick. Just be miserable. All right, King, you quick. King of all blacks in New Jersey. Then I'll take a break. Yo, you, you are so spoiled, man. Huh? <laughs> When you go, I said you're spoiled. Where is he? You're spoiled. I don't know. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Hold I always on, pick up on him and I'm like the connection. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 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 Hold I like that it's never bad. It's not bad. It's fine. Wait, okay, go ahead. I know. All right. Just finish up. Yeah, I'm spoiled and what's the problem? 
Okay, now is this better? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Okay. You, I mean, you can't expect to go to a place like Mexico. Yeah, I had a great time. Yeah, but I'm saying like the shower. You got your own design shower, the measurements and all that. It's not going to be like that. Right, I know. I know. that. But listen, I'm a married man. I like to make my wife happy. She wanted to go away. And so I go. And I make the best of it. I understand. I'm just sharing yeah, with you how annoyed I am by everything. I understand, but doesn't she sense that you're annoyed too? Yeah, but you know, you know so she came home a day early. <laughs> nah, I like all, right, all right, enough with him. <laughs> She's attracted me because this is part of my charm. You know, but Beth has said to me though, it's very hard for me to go away with you because I worry about you the whole time. I go, right? Me? I'm like Mister Relaxed. What are you talking about? But that's what I'm saying. You think people are buying this act. They're not. <laughs> Everybody's worried about you. Hey, I went to a trunk show on vacation with my wife in Mexico. And <laughs> and you know what? I was like, hey, I, I was like, she goes, you better not go because you're going to be miserable. I go, I am not going to be miserable. I went over with Jimmy and we sat on this couch and we were bullshitting for a while. And when we ran out of shit to talk about, we went on our phones like real men and looked over our various things on the phone and I sat on the couch and I waited for my wife and she bought something and that was it. I was great. I don't know what all this carrying on is. I I'm terrific. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I had the Mexican people board up the windows at my room <laughs> doesn't mean I don't know what doesn't mean I wasn't relaxed. <laughs> all right, listen, I got to take a break, and when we get back, I got a shitload of things to talk to, and also Alec Baldwin is stopping by, so yeah. I got to I got to buzz through a bunch of things. You got to be ready for Alec. Yeah, I'm ready for him. I'm ready. I got a bunch of things to ask him. No, I meant do you know you have to have the time right. You don't want him sitting in there while you play commercials because you were late to get to your breaks. See, look at that. Now I'm looking at the phone calls. Now I can't break it. This person claims to be Imus's sidekick. Who? What Car- Is this for real or is it fake? Real. You- Hello? Hi. You worked with Imus? Yes. yes this is real, You Howard. had me on. Oh, yeah. I-, I had you on, right? Yeah. What's your name again? You did? Kareth. Kareth. Yeah. What happened? Then he fired yeah. you, right? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the nicest way to put it. <laughs> he didn't want to pay me anymore. So, yeah. yeah what, were you supposed to hang around for free? Yeah. Uh, am uh, I yeah. fired or are you just not going to pay me? I just was going uh, back to slavery, I think. I think that's you a better... You just work here. We don't pay. <laughs> you were the, you were the, you were the black woman who was hired to make him seem less racist, right? I, that, well, yeah. Yeah. Apparently... <laughs> <laughs> they thought that would work. They wanted to ver- diversify. You know, he had to yeah. diversify his staff. Yeah, well, he'd so gotten into like on. a shitload of trouble, and then all of a sudden he was like, hey, I'm not racist. Yeah, this was on the way back but. into radio after he had left for a while. Even though, you know, yeah. even though he had made some questionable comments and uh, and called my Robin the N-word. Well, see, that's the thing. The whole Rutgers situation, I still to this day don't think was intentional because he said way worse stuff. That just got the most wind, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, 
I know, like, being on the radio four hours a day and you try and entertain people, you can say shit like, you know, that you think is funny at the time and then maybe if you'd had an opportunity to edit it, you would or whatever. But this dude, we off the air, we saw him doing weird shit. But, you know, yesterday I went home and I felt weird talking about Imus again because, you know, the guy's dead. Fuck it. Who cares? Right. You know, like, let go. But... um I don't know, but it, it must have been weird for you because all of a sudden now they had to bring in a black woman to work with him. Well, that's I'm as I'm as always thought I was here so you could talk about black people. Yeah, and you know what's I, so, not that I had any talent at all. Yeah, you know what's funny about that too, which really pisses me off because the origin of Robin and I getting together was this: uh, I was working in Detroit. And I pretty much worked alone. I did have a newswoman and there were other people at the radio station, but like, like we didn't really work together. The newswoman came in and read the news. Uh, and, and so when I went to Washington, the program director, I said to her, Hey, I'm coming in, but I, I need someone to work with that I can talk to and have a dialogue with and really, right. you know, right. really, you know, really vibe with. So she said, you. yeah. So she says to me, I think I know of someone who's really good. I said, oh, who? She said, I know this woman who's really good. So she put us on the phone together because I was living in Detroit and Robin was in Baltimore. I didn't know anything about Robin other than she was a woman. I didn't know she was black. I didn't know if she was green. I didn't know anything. I just got on the phone with her and we started talking effortlessly. And it sounded to me like a radio show, like the... Like, wow, this is interesting. Like, Robin was coming in, knew when to come in, knew when to say something, knew when not, and I knew when to say, you know, it just kind of vibed. And I, and afterwards, Denise called me back. She goes, how did you feel about Robin? I said, I'm in. She's great. I said, D -d -d you know, perfect. 100%. I'll be there in, you know, two weeks or whatever. I had to give notice. And uh, I showed up. And Robin and I, you know, I, I didn't know she was black. I didn't know anything about her. So when, when we would be on in New York, people would go, oh, he's, he's a genius. He has a black woman. Like, I'm some kind of Machiavellian genius. He's got a black woman, and he can say whatever he wants about black Whoa, people. I'm like, so smart. Yeah, yeah, what a genius. And I'm like, what the fuck? People are demented. Wow. Weren't you told that you, could, that you should make fun of black people more when you were with Imus? That was one of the things he said to me. That was one of the daggers through my heart because I wanted to go on. This was a dream job. You know, I right. majored in broadcasting. I was a stand-up comic. I, you know, this was supposed to be the dream job. And, you know, it, and there were, there were good days. That was what was so psycho about it because there were good days. When we had fun and we were, had a flow, like, you know. Right. And then there were days when he would just snap and lose his mind. And you're like, does any, it, it was so surreal. Cause you're like, does anybody else think this is okay behavior? Like I saw him make grown men cry and he started to hate me because I wouldn't cry, you know, and I wouldn't back down and I wouldn't quit. And I refused. I would go in there every day with a smile on my face. The more mean he got, because I knew that clearly something wasn't okay with him. Like, you know, the expression hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. Like something had to, because obviously, like this, I'm not on here to bash him. Like, there's no good talking about somebody who's dead. I, I, I hope to God he's at peace because he clearly didn't have it while he was here. Because if he did, he wouldn't have treated people the way that he did. How did he make grown men cry? 
Oh, just, he would eviscerate them. Mm. I mean, I, I wasn't there when you were with him, but like he just he used he did use words as weapons. Like I'm I'm a big fan of free speech. Like I think we should be able to say what we need to say. Like that's the first amendment. But there are times you can be so cruel and embarrass people and strip them of their dignity. But then he had the Imus Ranch where he seemed that. to be helping people, I guess. Well, yeah, but he yeah, never went there. Hardly. Yeah, did you ever go to the Imus <laughs> Ranch? I did. Yeah. I did. I was there. Did it seem like there. a good deal? Yeah. I mean, did it seem like uh, it, people were being helped? It was. It was a legit deal. Like, right. The kids that were there were there being helped. They had, you know, they had staff. They had nurses. His wife was there. I mean, they ate dinner with him. Like right. that was true. That was true. You know what I mean? Like so, it was this weird juxtaposition of this like good and evil. I don't. Know I heard he like, rode around on that realized. ranch with like a gun and everything. He always had a gun. <laughs> he, was at a, at the he had a gun and a holster. He had a gun. And, well, listen, you know what? Here's the thing. I used to think he had a gun because he was like, you know, famous and he was worried about people trying to kill him. Then I realized there's people who probably had worked with him that was trying to kill him. <laughs> he had to bring that gun to work. Right. <laughs> what kind of gun? Like, did he take it out and show it to you? Um, he brandished it at me a couple of times, you oh, know, he mean he pulled his gun on you and said he was going to kill you. It was, I mean, it was one of those, like, I, I don't know if he thought he was joking. I've never been around. I mean, listen, I'm a Texas girl and I've still never been around a live gun or had a gun kind of pulled out at me, but it was like this nice kind of warning with this twisted, it was like a joker kind of thing to do. Oh, wow. you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> Sounds like a party. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But you know what? It's like working for Wyatt Earp. Come over here, Yeah, but anyway, like I don't know. I felt weird I, because, like Rob and we, we were talking over the vacation. Like when we heard he died, I, I got sad in a way. I guess maybe because just the mm-hmm. passage of time and he's part of our history. And yeah, I don't know. It was yeah. No, I get yeah, it. It I was get weird. It. You know. He was complex. It was good with bad. And he was a human being, which, you know, we're all fallible. And what I Except want to know is like, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody has an imus in their life. You know, they may not be like some really rich dude who's on the air, but people have to deal with bullies. And the idea is not to let them get you, not to let them take away your strength and your self worth um but to understand that they've got something going on that you're better than yeah i seem to be doing something wrong my staff bullies me <laughs> we have bullies <laughs> yeah. but they're all bullying howard they, yeah they yell at me they it is, it's, it's crazy oh my goodness all right thanks uh nice it talking nice to you talking to what you. are you doing now by the way you're in texas so I'm in, well, I'm in New York and Texas. I've traveled a lot. I am, um, I have a nonprofit organization called Frame that, uh, takes, uh, educational programming to promote free speech, inclusion, and social change to college and universities. And I have a new book coming out called You Can Be Perfect or You Can Be Happy. Hmm. You can have both, huh? Or you can she have said one it of the was other. an or. You oh, can be perfect oh. or you can be happy. Well, I'm, I, I chose perfect. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> All right, Kareth. Thank you for uh, calling in. Absolutely, you guys. You take care. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. She was hot, right? She was cute. Yeah, she sure sounds cute. Very, uh... Very but upbeat. can you imagine... Oh, my God. <laughs> Somebody pulling a gun on you. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, what did she do that... <laughs> but it was for fun. <laughs> oh, jeez. What is that about? 
I better take a break. I fuck up every morning because they want me to stay on schedule. And I don't seem to be able to do it. I know. Hmm. I don't and like I kept it. Saying, you know, Alec is coming. He's going to come on I know, time. I know. All right. Take a break, Fred. Oh. W. Oh, my God. Sour Shoes, uh, call, when he heard Imus died over the weekend, he started calling the offices Imus, and I did get a kick. He's got that voice down. It's not yeah. like a parody of Imus. It's like a, it's perfect. It's just his voice. And he even has the W. <laughs> Gary and I were talking earlier about how, like, when we, we used to watch Imus do his show, and it'd be like, he'd go, W. And then he'd put his hands up and point to the engineer. Right. He was so proud of that. Oh, yeah. W. And then that engineer better hit something. Hit something. <laughs> hit himself in the head. <laughs> but listen, to this is Sour Shoes over the weekend. Yeah. Oh. It is a 20 minutes past the hour. Quack, quack on the Elmer's about a program. Uh, General George E. Patton coming up after Charles McCord with the news. But first, somebody help me find my Daisy Jane, mama. America, W.L. B.C. <laughs> Sour Shoes. Sour Shoes even does the music. Yeah. All the shitty music we played in MBC. It was awful music. Yeah. He also did uh, Cliff Richard's We Don't Talk Anymore. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like another talk up. Yeah. It is a 20 minutes past the hour, baby. Quack, quack, almost in the morning. Uh, how's the talking cone, baby? Coming up last month's program, Henry Kissinger and General Georgie Patton. Right now, Cliff Richard, and we don't talk anymore, baby. Worked about with Mr. Good. WL. This is. You think your life was sweet. Oh, you used to think you were so complete. I can't believe you. His horrible legacy lives on. Yeah, I forgot about that. How's your donkey kong? How's your donkey kong? Yeah, the sour shoes had an incredible memory. <laughs> how's your donkey kong? That, that was the big thing for yeah. a while. Yeah. Oh, and it was supposed to be. Oh, did you hear what I? He said, "How's your donkey kong?" I'm like, wait till I get the uh, on the air there. <laughs> They're not gonna worry about donkey kong. I'm gargling a dude's semen. <laughs> you know what I mean? I go. Wait, it's time for that all to end. So proud of myself. Then, then Sour started calling in in his voice, his creepy baby voice, offering excuses as to why he missed Hollywood Squares. But oh, yeah. what was the rationale? He what claims was he the excuse. He claims he drove his car into a lake, which I, you know, I'm having a hard time believing. No offense, he's he's such a little weirdo. Because as as great as Sour Shoes is, and I, I've tried to you know hire him even, but he can't get here every day. He can't get here. He's driving his car into a lake. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> you see, that I can't deal with. I know. That's who he really is. That's the real sour. That's food. who he feels is living the inside real of him. him. Yeah, yeah. He's a baby. I'm okay now. Uh, I was in the. Oh, look. No hands. Whoa. Look out. So when he goes into Jackie, I'm fine. But when he puts on that baby voice, I'm like, I don't know. This dude's weird. His actual voice is the creepiest one of all. He 
when you see him do it, he just looks way too happy yeah. <laughs> to be doing it. Like he'll actually come up to me going, my mommy made me spaghetti and meatballs uh-huh. last night. <laughs> so good. And I'm like, dude. So we're not sure what happened when he missed Hollywood Squares. Like, uh, yeah. we don't know. We're not sure if any of it happened. We don't sure he if he ever left his house. He was lying in bed yeah. and didn't want to be here that day. What a... Yeah, the car slipped on the ice after getting bumped by the plow in the salter, and I went all the way down into Lake Baldwin, only a few feet into the water. And then I helped the tow driver pull out the five feet off the, off the slope. But I'm safe, and I just worked on the car this morning. I put a new wheel bearing on, and I pounded out the bumper with a sledgehammer. And the car, and I am doing great. I loved your call. Merry Christmas. I love you. That was the explanation why he didn't make it in for Hollywood Squares before we went on break. And we even, we sent uh, Sour an Uber that morning, but he refused to get in the no, car. No, he couldn't leave the car. No, it was weird. I want the tow driver's information, though. I, I'm not buying any right. of it. But, you know, who cares? What am I, I, you know, he was coming out of the goodness of his heart, but he also didn't show up. <laughs> so I can't yell at the guy. Right. What do you do? It's not his job. I know we've imist enough, but although many callers are calling in and going, they want more imist discussion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you like all this imist discussion, Jimmy? Yo, Howard, it's a new decade, brother. And one of the things I decided I was going to start doing is I wasn't going to keep my feelings inside. I was going to let it out. And I just want to say. Brother, I am proud of you and how you've handled this Don Imus situation. You know, there's a lot of mid-card jabronis out on the Internet. Oh, Howard's getting old. He's getting soft. The show's not funny anymore. Fuck that. You know, a lot of us actually grew up with the show and got sick of listening to, you know, vapid strippers and all that stuff going on. But I just want to tell you when it comes to Don Imus, when I heard he died, I was like, oh, man. Now we're going to have to be soft. We're going to have to be nice to this guy. Oh, geez, I almost almost don't even want to hear it. But I'm proud of you, brother. Here we are on day two. Are you a hosting uh, that scumbag? You, Jimmy, are you a professional wrestler? <laughs> <laughs> you, you kind of talk like one. Yeah, do, doesn't yeah. he? Like, hey, brother, all these jabronis are out there saying you gone soft. Hey, I'm, I'm going to go get that boy. All right, Jimmy, enough of you. <laughs> I heard a guy. Talk. All right. But I had a cap off the whole Imus thing. We did get a lot of email about how much people enjoyed us talking oh, really? about Imus. Yes, you know we we don't often get positives, as like this gentleman said. Uh, every day it's I suck, and you know my fans will alternately say that I blow <laughs> or I suck. But uh, this was uh, wow, Howard. Uh, really uh, enjoyed hearing you and Robin reminiscing. About Imus. Uh, listening to, listening to you reminded me that Imus was a racist, anti-Semitic, misogynistic hack. <laughs> you were my jam on Monday morning. It was jarring to hear the clips of Imus saying such terrible things to Howard and Robin. Howard, thanks for pointing out how much of an asshole Imus was. The obituary <laughs> was everything I wanted it to be. I would definitely say that it was a fair description of who Imus was. Goodbye, funny man. <laughs> Fred getting uh, kudos. <laughs> I love that Fred said, good riddance. Long live the Howard Stern show. Fuck Imus, he's dead. On with the show.
don't mince words. You know, and to my critics who say, oh, the show is not uh, funny, who say, first of all, the show changed. Thank you for saying that. I hope this show continues to yeah. change as long as I continue to do it. It should never be the same show over and over again. It's always going to change. That's also, what we did. That's what we do. That's what we did. That's what I did. We did. You. And it's you. But um, also, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be some kind of knee-jerk guy who's just going to be negative for the sake of being negative. If no. I feel positive about something, I would like to bring that to you, too. So that's it. But evidently, our I'm a obituary was what the fans needed for closure. But I suggest this uh, in your honor, Robin, and in Imus's honor, a little phony phone call. Robin calls an Internet radio show to talk about a secret affair she had with Imus. Oh. And... Uh, <laughs> The host gets very uncomfortable oh, with its boy. X-rated nature. I don't know mm. why. It is on the fucking internet. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> this guy's like, I got a G-rated show. I'm going, why? We got somebody calling in already. Hey, hey this is Average Joe. I don't know if you heard. You're in radio. Um, that uh, Don Imus guy died. Yeah. I didn't listen to Don. Um and I, I have heard him in excerpts and stuff, but I can't say I was a regular well, listener. Believe it or not, my wife, Robin, they actually had a uh, workplace uh, affair. Really? You know, she'd like to tell a story if she could come on the air and uh, not talk at all. To you about not it. at all. Hey, Robin. Hello. Hey, Robin. This is Average Joe. This is Robin Quivers. This might seem pretty strange to you. Okay. One Thursday, Don Imus pulled me into his lap as he sat on a kitchen chair and kissed me on the cheek. Then he kissed me on the lips. Oh, wow. <laughs> In well. time, I learned to tolerate Don Imus' kisses, then to really start enjoying them. That's amazing. Don Imus kissed me again, this time holding me closer, grinding his midsection into me. Um. I felt something hard pressing on me from inside his pants. Um... Well, that's amazing, Robin. I, I I appreciate you being so candid with us. Don and, uh, was mauling me, pawing at my breasts with his big ham hands and forcing his fat tongue well, down my throat. Robin, this this is a this is a PB show uh, or PG show. We're not going to go there. One Thursday, Don um, Imus stuck a finger in my vagina. Huh? I became convinced that now was the time to shed my virginity. The lucky man turned out to be a Don Imus. <sighs> well, um. That was uh, that was going way way out there. I I I don't even know what to say about that right now. That that kind of caught me off guard. I, that was uh. That was so cool to hear new listeners. Um, actually, we have another one. Let's see who we got here. Hey, this is Average Joe. Just one thing, real quick, because I don't know if who you am I talking this, to. But one time uh, before we were married, uh, me, her, and Don Imus got together. And uh, we recorded a sexual encounter. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Come on, man. Would you like me to play it for you? Okay, here you go. Here it is. Fuck uh, <sighs> me, Don Imus. Uh, I want you to explode. Uh, <sighs> oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, it. fuck that, that fucking cowboy hat. Sniff it. Me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, Don. <laughs> such a jerk. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I had to, had to end that one. I, I kind of doubt the validity of that story. Uh, the credibility factor just went way down. So, um, I would say Google that if you want more information. We'll see you next time.
I saw John. Oh, yeah? Yep. Johnny and Dorothea. How's he doing? Had a little chow with my man and his wife. Uh, he's great. I love that guy. Oh, man. You know what? I had a night. I, yeah, John and I got together. You know, I know John for since he started his career almost. Yeah, back in the 80s. Back in the 80s. And we were talking and hadn't seen each other. Hey, we want to eat dinner? I go, yeah, I'll fucking eat. Do we eat at 6 o'clock? He goes, I'll eat at fucking 5 o'clock. I go, okay, you're my <laughs> kind of guy. I'll do you one better. Yeah. <laughs> it was a negotiation. And I just remembered, and, and, and I was sitting there eating. All of a sudden, I look up. Who's, sit, who's standing there? Who? Sir Paul McCartney. Really? Yeah. And his you. And his beautiful wife. Where in the world do you hang out where you're with Bon Jovi and Paul? Uh, McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and, um, I was like, whoa, Paul, what's up? And, uh, yeah, John was, uh, John knows Paul real well, I guess. And, uh, you know, Paul was asking Beth, what's going on with the cats? You know, he's a real animal lover, yes. vegan, whole thing. And, uh, what's going on with the kitties? And, you know, you see Paul McCartney, you get all fucking excited. You don't know what to do. I was like, hmm. or what to say. Yeah. You don't know what to say. I don't even know what I said, but he sat down at a table with a bunch of people. And, uh, and then afterwards I, I say goodbye to him and he said, Hey, Howard, when I'm, I'm coming on the show tomorrow, I want to be interviewed again. <laughs> and it was, of course, it was the start of our vacation. Right. <laughs> I didn't even tell him we weren't on the index. I said, come on by. <laughs> So he might have been here. Oh, don't say that. Yeah. But he, so Beth goes, do you realize what Paul said? He said he wants to come on the show and be interviewed again. I go, he didn't say that. She goes, no, he absolutely just said that. I go, he doesn't mean it. She goes, why would he say it if he doesn't mean it? I go, because I don't know. I, when that guy starts talking, I get like uh, nervous or something. I don't know what he's saying because he's Paul McCartney, you know, and they're like, it's like my hero. But did you tell Gary to put in a call? No. I didn't. I just realized it's sitting here now that I oh. remembered that. And Beth had to convince me that. that she, I go, no, he doesn't mean that, honey. He's kidding around. She goes, well, no, he's you could always see if it's real. No, yeah, I don't know. You've <laughs> always said you want to have like a great definitive interview with him. Yeah, I want Paul to come in with a guitar and a piano and sit here. And let me talk to him. Or would you like the Billy Joel kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. I, I want it all. All right. Love that guy. All those fucking songs. Can you fucking believe how many good songs that guy has? It's incredible. Yep. You know. He can't even do all of the good songs. No. Not enough time. Like That's he's got to pick. So Beth said, he just said to you. And I go, no, he didn't. But he <laughs> did say it. She's right. <laughs> but I said, he's kidding. But you don't know that. No. So Gary could just make a friendly call. <clears throat> and John was telling me a story. I wonder if I could tell this. You know, you never know when you go to dinner with somebody. If they're talking off the record. Right. But he told me a great story about Paul McCartney. I don't think it's any big deal to tell it, but he was telling me, oh, fuck it. He was telling me that I thought this was amazing. So John just wrote a whole bunch of new songs and has a new album coming out. Uh-huh. And, uh, he was sitting in his house and he said, I, I just, I, I called Paul McCartney and I said, would you come on over and listen to the record and tell me what you think? Boy. And, right? Yeah. And I go, what happened? He goes, Paul came right over. 
and um, he listened to the whole record with me. I go, you kind of fucking That's kidding me. crazy. I said, I said, what do you do when Paul? I mean, I should have John in and let him tell this story. Yeah, but yeah, but, just the idea of sitting there while he's listening. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and yeah, I go, what do you do while Paul's listening? He goes, I listen with him. I got to get John in here. Do I feel, you, do you look over at him to see if he's, I mean, you know what? I asked all these questions, but it's really John's story. I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Like, like, I don't, doing I, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, let it, let him come in here. He'll come in here anyway. John will come in. Of course he will. Yeah. I can get him in here. I mean, I, he better come in. Well, anybody I know personally, I never ask them to come in. If they say to me, I want to come in, I let, you know, have him come in, but I never, I never put people on the spot. I understand that. But yeah. if Paul said he's ready to come in. Yeah. Paul goes, I'll be there tomorrow. And I, I was like, Oh shit. I hope he doesn't show up. We're not, I'm not going to be there, but I'm not going to tell him not to come. I could have Steve Nowicki interview him or something. <laughs> Whoever's here can interview him. But, yeah. So and I it, think it deserves a call. And his wife was real nice to me, too. You know, so that was pretty cool. I felt like I was really in showbiz, you know. It was nice. And then there was something else that happened to me, like showbiz related, but I don't remember it now. Oh. Can't write these things down. No, <laughs> I don't realize that they're important at the time. And then <laughs> I realize they make good stories for the radio. Uh, but there you go. Anyway, um, that was that. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing anyone was nice to me, too. Well, like Paul was, John's always going to be nice. John was nice, and, and Paul seemed genuinely happy to see me. Paul likes you. Yeah. He's always had a good time when he comes in here. Yeah. Laura Lee, you're on the air in Connecticut. Oh, my God. Hey, Is it Laura Lee or Laura Lie? Laura Lee. It's, it's Laura Lee. I talked to you guys before. How are you? Um, Howard, you were just talking about Mexico and the mosquitoes. Um. One of the teachers from my kid's school went to Cabo with her husband and two kids. And everyone with her came down with something called Dungy Fever. John G. <laughs> like fever? Dungy, I think. Oh, Dengue. You mean Dengue Fever. <laughs> Dungy. I knew I was going to say it wrong. So, um, I thought you only get dengue different. fever like that. There was an outbreak of dengue fever in uh, Florida years ago. I was think in the, like in the seventies, I remember, or maybe it was, yeah, it was like the seventies. Well, it's happening again, I guess, because the three of them, they're still sick and they've been home. This was over Christmas break and the three of them are like deathly ill. She was saying her husband was, she almost brought him to the emergency room. Like. Wow. Three days ago because yeah. he's still sick. He's like, it's like the flu. Well, when I killed that mosquito, I was like, oh, fuck, man. This this mosquito looks like a, I mean, he has too much blood in him. He looks like a disease-carrying mosquito. Yeah, and I didn't know, is that my blood or is that somebody else's blood? And I'm pretty oh, that sure. that freaks me out. Uh, it's, all, it's all messed up, and you know. Dengue like fevers. Like, like, isn't that how yeah. Beetlejuice was born? No. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Probably. Um, Thank you, Laura I, Lee. I thought about that. Thank you. Love you guys. Love you. Uh, I understand Alex here, Alec Baldwin. I should oh. I should probably break and uh, talk to him. Yes. 
I was going to tell you about some backstage things that happened on Hollyweird Squares when we played that, but I can do that after Alec leaves. You know? Yeah, that's what you call an evergreen. It's evergreen. <laughs> People will be excited to hear that. I'll keep you tuned in. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff. By the way, I, I, I did happen to see on the news that the Pope, some lady was being a real douche. And she, like, grabbed the Pope. Like, his job is to go around and shake people's hands. Right. He has to touch people. Yeah. But some lady, like, pulled him in. So, like, he smacked her. The Pope smacked her? Yeah, he smacked her around. Oh, like, I got to get that video. Like, he smacked her hand. He didn't smack. You know, he's like, hey, you fuck. <laughs> Probably was like, hey, you cunt. You know what I mean? Like, like she heard him. He's an old dude. He's, like, 80-something fucking years old. And he's, like, being nice and touching people's hands because they believe, like, they're touching God. Right. You know, that's a beautiful thing. I'm trying to get in on that, where people want to touch me. Oh, you could be like, remember I told you that there was this woman who hugs people? Yeah. She doesn't say anything. Right. She just hugs them. Well, that's the that's the whole racket the Pope's got going. <laughs> he's the closest thing to their imaginary God. And so he's kind of played it that like, hey, I actually speak to the imaginary guy up in the sky. And so when you touch me, you're kind of touching God. It's the closest you're ever going to get. So some woman got all carried away. She didn't like the Pope, like, pulling his hand away. So she started yanking on him. So he got right back down to reality and being a human being and kind of whacked her around a bit. I got to look for that video. I want to see that. But didn't he apologize to the Pope? I don't know why he's apologizing. She'd be like, you know what? People are fucking assholes. She'd be honest. Yeah, he, he said that. Uh, he's sorry he lost his cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know what? God lost his cool. The, the closest thing to God lost his cool. <laughs> God. Yeah, that's another thing I'll play for you after Alec Baldwin leaves. I'm going to play about uh, on on the Fo this uh, Fox special channel, not Fox News, but it's it's a adjacent to Fox News, where Ainsley Earhart, Earnhardt, and Sean Hannity are kind of making fun of me because I don't have. Uh, religion somehow <laughs> like i don't have jesus christ my life. i'm like it's like two people discussing the hobbit oh my god and saying we un we believe in the hobbit he doesn't believe in santa claus right he we believe in santa claus and he doesn't so he's spiritually <laughs> bankrupt it's kind of fun it's very funny so i can play that for you too all right we got a lot to get to but alec baldwin i love when alec's here he's always got a ton of shit on his mind that's my kind of guy. He's my kind of man. So we'll talk to him. But first, these words. Is this not the greatest song or what? It's pretty good. It's pretty damn great. Oh, my God. I, I've been uh, preparing for Alec Baldwin. What's been going on, Fred? How long have you been playing this? Let me take a look. No, not long at all. Maybe three minutes. Lou Reed. I uh, I told you I met I I didn't meet Lou Reed I don't I think Lou Reed didn't like me but I was on a vacation a hundred years ago and Lou Reed happened to be at the same place and I wanted to go up and tell him how much I love this song but I could tell I caught a vibe that like I don't think he was looking for me because I think I once said he looked like Joe Piscopo and he took offense by oh really yeah remember and then like we did some shows where Lou was in the same room and I started yelling at him from through through a megaphone to come over and talk to us yeah that's what I remember yeah but this song is just a beauty it's all about taking heroin 
Anyway, Alec Baldwin's here. I always love when Alec Baldwin comes in because he's just a good guest. He's fun. Let me see him. What a good-looking guy. What a good-looking man. Let's take a look at you. Let's look at your face. Let's just sit here and look at him for a while. Let me while. look at you for a while. Don't even say anything. Let me, let me just look at your movie stuff. What? You and I, look what we're doing. Look yeah, we're us. both growing scruff. Except it looks a lot better on you. Why is he growing scruff? Why is why are we both growing scruff, did you ask? No, why is he growing scruff? No, I'm saying Alec. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm Alec. doing a film. I leave next ah. week. And now I'm not so sure because it's in Puerto Rico. <laughs> it's, oh. uh, they yeah, have they're having an earthquake. There. Yeah. yeah. So you're thinking of like what, backing out? No, no, no. I just, I mean, to me, uh, the movie business is always the same where they'll say, you know, there's an earthquake and you call them up and they go, no, no, we're good. We're going to shoot. We're going to shoot. <laughs> they don't know anything. Yeah. They so don't you know. say, what happened? The leading man had his leg blown off <laughs> in, a, in a car accident. No, we're going to shoot though. He's going to be yeah. good. He's going to be ready. Have you ever backed out <clears> of a <throat> film because you're like, hey, this is bullshit. I'm not going to do this. Because uh, uh, either because of natural, you know, like it's in a dangerous country or like, you know, there's dengue fever. Or, the dungy fever. <laughs> dungy fever. Yeah. I don't want, I, I say that, man. I go, I draw the line at dungy fever, man. The hardest part of my job is trying to figure out what people are talking about. Like when they call in and I go, she goes, the dungy fever. And I go, the dungy yeah. fever. Do you mean dengue fever? Oh, the dungy fever is when you go to a party at someone's house and there's like a lot of stains on the carpet. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, no, but, but, but I've never backed out of a movie that I was locked and loaded but i backed out of a lot of films before we got started you know where they you said oh this doesn't sound right don't you subscribe i was watching the did you watch the golden globes i watched a little bit of it yeah no, like, like 10 minutes of it. i i actually enjoyed it i don't usually enjoy award shows but i thought ricky gervais was good and then i was watching the different speeches and and tom hanks he was uh he was pretty good when he was talking about acting and he was like you know first of all show up on time and i was thinking about you even when you do this dopey show of mine you're here a half hour early. You're yeah. always, is that your thing? You're always well, on time. It was like a magic carpet ride up 6th Avenue. Just now, there's no cars. I'm like, what am I doing? It was, I got in a cab. Isn't it great after Christmas? There's no I cars. Nobody, nobody, I got here in like five minutes and I live in the village. And then there's a certain point <clears throat> in New York where I, I don't know what happens. And then all the cars are back, but I don't know what happened. Like they, they disappear after Christmas. That I understand because there's a lot of tourists. But, but then people, all of a sudden the traffic's back. Well, people don't understand New York, which is that, you know, obviously ride share and Uber and all these things have multiplied the number of cars on the street. And I live downtown. And if I went to, let's say, Lincoln Center, because I do a lot of recording for the Philharmonic, and I get in my car and I would drive up there. And, you know, eventually it, it got to be like an hour right. to travel <laughs> from the village, right. from Washington Square to Lincoln Center. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And don't you always say to yourself, <clears throat> the fuck? It's three miles. It's not, it's not even yeah, three miles. It's, 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 it's like 10 you blocks. Think about it. you, it's you, crazy. You, you think about it. And it's becoming, you know, like LA. I always say, I don't want to live in LA. And my wife loves LA. She really, right. she, she would be very happy to live in LA. And I say to her, you don't understand that when you live there, we got four kids. Now, the curse would be, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse. One kid's playing the violin, one kid's playing soccer, one kid's in gymnastics, one kid's in like singing classes. Yeah. How do you manage? And all you're that? going to Santa Clarita, Chatsworth. Malibu, you know, you're, I said, you're going to be in a car all day long driving yeah, your Yeah, but person. you got enough dough, you can hire a bunch of people to <laughs> drive them all around, I guess. Well, I try Although not to look wife, it that way. You and your wife don't seem like, you, you seem pretty hands-on with those kids. I mean, unless you're Very, fooling me. Yeah, so, no. well, I'm, I'm, I'm fooling you. She's not fooling you. Do you think that's why you're going to go to Puerto Rico in the middle of an earthquake and shoot a film? Because you just get like you're in an apartment with 15 kids. 
I'm, I'm in the apartment. I'm like, I'm, I'm like on the phone. I'm like, how bad is the earthquake? How bad is, it? is that bad? Six five? Okay, that's not that bad. That's not that bad. That's not that bad. Yeah. There's an earthquake here right now. My one son just threw my other son off the couch. It's an earthquake. You're on the twelfth floor. <clears throat> I don't know how you're doing it. It's fantastic. I mean, God bless you. You're an amazing man. You but really you know are. something? When I was divorced, it's a, I, I lay this on the table. You know, when I was divorced the first time, and I had my daughter. I mean, I still like lie on on my bed and cry. Because you weren't, and a, I didn't have a family. Right. I didn't have, I didn't have a home. I, you know, I, I really was not my plan. You know, and it is a joke. You sit there and you pray, and you say, "Oh, so God, if ever you gave me another chance, I would be so grateful. I'd love to have another family." And God's like, "Really, really? Okay, okay. we'll All do right. it. All right, tough guy. Womb, and I got four kids. Are you gonna have a fifth? Probably. Jesus Christ. I probably, yeah. Look at you. <clears throat> like, nothing bothers you. You gotta have something to spend your money on, right? So. I always talk to my wife. I go, nothing bothers that Alec Baldwin. Nothing. He just, you know. It, do, he it, it does catch it. up to you. It does yeah. catch up to you. I do walk in the kitchen every morning now, and, and the, my sons, my son Leo, who's blonde and blue eyed, he's very, like, I'm looking, you know, he, who's his father, you know? Right. So, and he's like totally ripped. Yeah. He's like, he's ripped. ripped. How old is no, he? He's three years old. He's ripped. <laughs> So you, ever see boys, for, yeah. you ever see boys who have that Tarzan body? Yeah, because they like, don't, they, <clears throat> they, they just burn up so many calories. Well, also, they just have that kind of uh, physiognomy where they're very muscular when they, my son Leo's like Tarzan. Right. And he's running around, and I'm sitting there going, what am I going to do, man? What am I going to do? You're going to drop him in the jungle and let him go live there uh, with James. I, I am, I'm 62 <laughs> years old in April. And wow. I got four little kids. I don't know. Do you ever do the math? Do you ever sit there and go, you know, look, maybe I'll live a long life. Maybe I'll live till I'm 90 and that'll be, but that'll work out. Maybe just not. Fine. Maybe not. But it's just like, what the fuck? All what I know is that my friend said, I'm going to be at their commencement exercise for them. They graduate from college and be like, what? Did they call his name? They call Leo? I didn't hear anything. Hilaria? Do you worry about that? Do you think about that actively? I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Did you, let me ask you this timeline. When I turned 30, and I was depressed because I mean, to me, in my mind, this is very personal. 30 is like the end of your, you're like your real youth. Like you're, when you're in your twenties, you can file for bankruptcy in any area. Right. I, I, I cheated on my girlfriend. I slept with every woman in the Manhattan telephone directory. I did <laughs> right. bad things. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever I did, I did bad things. Right. And then you just sit there and go, Oh, I'm sorry. Right. I was in my twenties. You turn 30, that stops right. in, in my mind. Then you're in your thirties and you start getting going in your work and your career and figuring out really how to get it done right. You hit forty. I was elated. Right. I was as high as a kite when I was forty. I thought, Why? Wow. Because you had things figured out. <clears throat> I was beginning to understand my work, like how you do this for a living, because it was really a journey, you know. But I wasn't a naturally talented person that way, like DiCaprio. Is that right? Like you don't together. you don't think you were a bit of a savant or a prodigy with acting? I mean, in some things, but I think in terms of on camera dramatic acting and the economy it takes and the and, and the minimizing it takes is what you don't do. The Brandos and the Pacinos and people like that who are subtle and De Niro and so forth. It's, it, that's something is a gift you have, and the and the quicker you access that, the better. Like when you see De Niro when he was very very young, he was kind of a waifish boy in last tycoon even though it was a tough guy uh uh the baseball film he did so there are certain people who have natural ability brando yeah right they they, they're not so well thought out it's just they they intrinsically know how to act it's a simple like you say like to me and this is a cliche brando was brando because in the acting matrix it's like a rubik's cube and somebody handed it to him when he was 24 years old and he went you mean this? And he figured it and out. And he did it in like three seconds. I'm glad you said that because yeah. I was watching an old interview that Dick Cavett did with Brando right. just the other day. I, I go back and watch those old interviews. 
I watch Cavett all the time. All the time. And it turns out that those interviews are really good because you kind of got a sense of these people. And Brando, he says, Dick Cavett <clears> says, <throat> uh, ask him about acting. And, and, and Brando goes, it's nothing special. We all act. He goes, if you lie to your wife, you're acting. If you do this, that, and that yeah. thing. And, and Cavett goes, no, no, no. I'm talking about right. in a movie, you're playing another character. It's a different thing. And Brando insisted it wasn't different. <clears throat> now I realize why he was saying that. It comes so easy to him. It was nothing to him. He thinks it's just it part of being a human him. being. Yeah. It's not like playing the violin or the piano, but, 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 but the, right. uh, uh, the, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's, then I turned 40. When I turned 50, I didn't get out of bed for three days. Why? I was like, it was like a Mel Brooks movie. I'm like, they're going, no, oh God, no, no. Why? You know, because you were bummed out? <clears throat> yeah. yeah I mean, you're, 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 because you're like, you're seeing the end. You're definitely halfway through the movie. You know what I mean? It's like, and it had a big halfway. effect on you. Oh, it hit me like a wall, like a wall. When you say it hit you like a wall, like, like to the point that you were depressed. Yeah, I was, I was depressed for like a couple months where I was sitting there going, not me. I'm not going to be 50. What, what, what is that? You know what I mean? I See, I think <laughs> this, this happens to you because you're an actor and everything is so appearance based, like leading man in your twenties. And then you yeah. hit 30, you start to worry about that shit. Wait, yeah. like, like you're a good looking dude. Like, did you? I had my day. I had a weekend where I looked great. No, 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 no. When <laughs> you were 80s, grow- I got pictures, man. You should, where did he go? Like, when you were growing up. so good. Man. You, 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 when you, I told you, Miami Blue, I would have blown you. I mean, uh, <laughs> I remember you. I'm Colin Zander. Remember, I, you remember were I tried around. to remember get you? Remember you hanging out on the set? Remember I asked wow. you? Wow. Yeah, no, we're not on the air now, right? Because that'll ruin my entire <laughs> macho. I don't know, but I heard it. Yeah. You did? Uh, I thought we were in commercial. I didn't realize. No, but, but, but seriously, uh-huh. when you were like a kid growing up, did, did people, like, did people used to say, not just your mother, but people on the street would say, hey, he's got movie star good looks. Did people ever say no, that? No, no, because nobody in my world d- d- talked about that in terms of, uh, uh, that that was a possibility. I didn't grow up in a, in a world where the arts, you know, let alone movie stardom, TV stardom was something that was even considered. But when the, do you realize, like, you're physically handsome enough to be in the movie? Like, like, hey, I gotta, I gotta beat up on this thing because I'm, I'm like a really handsome guy. I mean, at some point you have to evaluate. Well, I mean, I can only think of like silly examples. You know, like you, you start acting. Right. And, and you do a scene and you're doing shows and you kiss the girl and they say cut and the girl keeps kissing you. <laughs> she doesn't stop. That's when and you know. That's when you kind of get an idea. You're like, wow, this is really, yeah. uh, yeah, I've never met a woman well. yet who just wanted to continue right. kissing me. They say cut and then they just keep going. Wow. That's I had when a few you know. Of those back in the day. And know? those are some good looking women. They were some pretty impressive women, yeah. yeah. And then when you start to go in auditions, as a man and as a male actor, do you start to size up the other actors who are there on auditions and say, hey, I'm better looking than this guy? And I never the- thought about that. You know, they, listen, there's always guys who are better than you, bigger than you, stronger than you, tougher than you, whatever. Uh, uh, I remember when I would go to auditions years ago, the people that you were conscious of, the people that you had your eye on, were the ones that were getting cast, you know, like like in the beginning, you'd be sitting in a room at a at a, at a casting call for a John Sayles movie uh, about the White Sox scandal, um, and the baseball film he did. And there is every actor you admire in Manhattan all sitting on benches in a hallway. There's Totoro, and there's this one. And you're not looking at the guy that's the handsome leading man. You're looking at Totoro. Yeah. Like he's going to get this job. Why? Because he's so quirky and different looking? No, he's just so talented. You know, yeah, he's but so I'll talented tell you original. But so much of it comes down to looks. Like, my wife and I were, like, just on Netflix the other day. We're looking to look at a movie, just to, just to pass the time and be together. And we we look at it, and we evaluate it by, hey, you know what? That's a, that's a good-looking man and woman. I want to watch them. 
There's something right. about that. It matters your appearance. Did you? Did, but I, I think you have to combine that with some talent. With with, with some uh, you know kind of glacé of talent. Like like if you look at uh, um, uh, Elizabeth Taylor with Montgomery Clift in Place in the Sun. And you see that famous sequence where he's shooting pool and she comes into the room and she goes, wow, after he hits the pool shot. And then they're introduced. And then they go off and have the love affair eventually, which is very tragic. And then they have this famous kiss that they have out on the balcony. And and it's probably the most famous kiss because you can't hold a camera that tight on two people unless those people are flawless. That's right. They got to be flawless. Yes. And he has two people in the same shot who are flawless. That's right. And you look at them and you go... Wow, <clears throat> these people are gorgeous. Now, if they weren't good actors, they were both they were also both fantastic actors, you know. And they play, yes. they play the emotion and the truth of the scene. You fall in love with them, you know. You're rooting for them. If the people don't have the talent, you're like, eh, you know, so what? I I see the opposite sometimes with with actors that um, I, I I know some of these actors. They're very good, but particularly I noticed this with women, and it's true of guys too. There's a handful of women who can truly be leading ladies. They have that, like Julia Roberts has that certain smile. She's the ultimate. The ultimate. She's the, the ultimate. Because it's not just the beauty and it's not just the talent. There's a humanism that comes through her. There's something. The warmth that the, comes through yes, her. Yes. Because a lot of them are a little frosty. And you see it on screen. Yeah. And there's so many women who are very capable actresses. And same with dudes. I was watching an interview with Burt Reynolds a hundred years ago and he was talking about some guy an actor who was so fucking good looking said, I couldn't stand him. I want to punch him in the face. Right. Because he was like, shit, I got to go up against this guy. Right. And here's Burt Reynolds, who's considered right. this handsome yeah. guy. Not at all. And he's sitting there What's going, he complaining about? Yeah, exactly. Who's he threatened by? When you had to do, like, when you see yourself on a big screen for the first time, okay? It's I, painful. You know, is it, though? Well, when you saw Adam Driver doing all this uh, commenting lately uh, about, you know, like he walked off of Terry Gross's show and, you know, he didn't want to hear his voice and, he doesn't watch yeah, what his was that stuff. all about why did he walk i up? guess he just has a severe case of what some people have which is you know the purpose of going to a movie is to be entertained yes i'm incapable of being entertained by myself so when i go to the movie premiere i walk the red carpet we take the pictures and then i don't watch the movie i go have dinner with my wife and then we come back go to the party and have a drink and go home you can't enjoy oh, I seeing can't your own stand watching myself it's painful because all you see is what you did wrong all right oh i could have done this better <clears throat> is it is that I been, said this tighter this slower this whatever but you've watched your work right i mean you but this is what all, another thing that is when you have that beautiful beautiful that because i want to talk about award season which is but when you have that really enviable and fantastic battery between a director and actors like when you see the irishman and i'm not on the set i don't know they might have been under certain financial pressures. I doubt it. I'm sure Netflix gave Marty all the money he needed to do things his way. And you can see those guys. I mean, they probably do everything. You know, they just do it till they, they're happy and they get it right. What do you think of the Irishman? <clears throat> you love it? I thought the Irishman was, uh, I, I don't have any fresh observations about that. I thought it was a very good movie. And I thought there's a lot of great things in it. And I thought it was long, but that didn't bother me. But I did think that it was really, I was very emotional. I got, got I had like a tear in my eye at the end because I sat in the theater and watched it at the Hamptons Film Festival. And my wife had to go into the city with the kids ahead of me. And I said, I'm going to stay and watch this movie because I really feel like I got to see it on a big screen. And I watched the film and uh, the, I thought, you were never going to see these guys do this again. This is it. Made you sad. That made me sad, man. It made me sad. Yeah. Think of all the pleasure. 
Think of all the moments. Because Scorsese, in his documentary about American film, says, if you remember the plot of a movie, it's not a great movie. You remember moments. And how many moments do we remember these guys? How many moments do you remember, you know, Pesci? <laughs> Those guys, I mean, you just cry. Yeah. You just cry. I, I called Joe. I called Joe, and I said, and I, and I almost did a project with him, so I knew his assistant. I knew the way to get to Joe. <clears throat> is he a, he, he's reclusive, right? I mean, this guy, you, you, don't, you don't see him anywhere. I mean, he's done a few interviews, but he's, he's pretty much reclusive. Well, I mean, a lot of these guys, you know, it's, I, I, I've always wanted to interview Hackman on my podcast. Right. A great actor. Because, oh, my God, I mean, how many great films and, a, and, a, and a, a, a amazing actor. So what happened when you called Pesci? I called his assistant, and they put Joe on the phone, and I said, man, I said, I can't tell you how beautiful you are in this movie. I said, you are great in this movie. I said, I hope it brings you everything you could possibly hope for. And he's like, yeah, thanks, Alex. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> Alex. He said, thanks a lot. It's really fantastic of you to call me. I really appreciate it. Is he, is he acting, or is he that who the guy really is? I, I get the feeling he might really, I don't know. I guess, of course, he's acting. Because you know what I think he is? I think he's a family man. I think he's a dad. He's like, whenever I hear him, he's like, he lives in New Jersey and he has a house and, 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 and like, he, and he's in LA. And he, from what I heard, I don't know him, that like he made a lot of his choices in his career about his family. When you watch <laughs> a thing like The Irishman and you're appreciating <coughs> Pesci and you're loving it and you're just watching Going his crazy. Going crazy. Are you learning? Are you learning something? Always do less. Always try to do less. What does that mean? Explain to me, because most of us do not know what the fuck you're talking you about. You have to ask yourself. I was just talking to somebody. It's boring, but I was asking somebody, talking to somebody the other day. The question you ask yourself is, how much of a performer is the character? Meaning, is the character himself someone who's very, are you Gleason? And you're playing Minnesota Fats, and you walk into the pool hall, and you're like, listen, kid, and you're very brassy. <clears throat> and you're very tough. Are you Lee J. Cobb? And you're smacking Brando on the back going, you know, let me tell you something, kid, rubbing his shoulders, talking like this, where the lines you're saying, you're practically singing the lines. You know what I mean? It's like, but I'm saying, or you're Duval, who does his first movie in To Kill a Mockingbird, and you don't have one line. You don't have one line. That's Boo Radley. You know, you just hit on something. You, and you kill, you put a knife in everyone's heart. You kill people with your talent. I always say Duval's the ultimate, not one line. And he guts you because he's so real. And you sit there and go, how much of the character is a performer? I do Motherless Brooklyn with Edward Norton. And I knew that the character I was playing, he was a very bossy, loud, you know, pushy guy. Yeah, we've met those people in real life. Bossy, pushy people. I think you're right. The majority of people I meet, I'm talking about real people right, now. Right. They're not so dynamic. You know, they're not like, hey, not. <clears throat> kid, get over here now. Why are you here? Why are you here at this desk? I mean, I don't want to say I have no answer, idea. But <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. I why. wonder myself sometimes. Yes. No, but I say, why are you here? And you've become this. I'm, 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 I always lay it on you all the time, but I, that's why I'm here because I love you. And you're this legend and you're this icon and you built this empire. And, and why is it? Because you're this demure little flower. No, <laughs> no. You know what I mean? You, 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 but I mean, people, you got to put it out there sometimes. But with, with acting, you always have to find out where is that key that you're playing in? Is the guy tender in the world? Is he, is he, is he, nervous does he feel afraid in the world so that's why or does he feel he has power does he feel that he's listened to does he talk over people or does he or does he think before he speaks you look at the behavior of the character and try to incorporate that into what you're doing you're so right because i'm thinking about de niro and the irishman the guy's a bit of a lummox 
you know, he's this big, burly kind of, he's not a talkative guy. He's no. not, he's not a sophisticated guy. No. He wouldn't be the guy. Hey, you get over there and I'll right. go, and I'll go kill this guy over here. That's Al. Right. That's Hoffa. That's Hoffa. The guy that's in charge. Big loud The, the guy that's in charge. Well, but the guy that's in charge is a guy, you got to play the guy that's in charge. Right. Whether you're MacArthur or Hoffa, you know, you have to, I mean, I've played parts where I sat there and go, I don't want to do this today. And you walk out there, you go, all right, men, listen up. We're going to go drop the bomb on the Japanese today. And God damn it, we better be ready. You know, you, 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 what, are you what am I going to do? Walk out there and go, okay, man. <laughs> I've got such a headache, first of all. I, right. could use a, I could use a double espresso. And what was I saying? Sorry, something about the Japanese. I, you know, like, you, know, you got to get with it and get but, into the key. But the strong, the silent type, the general who goes, we're going to drop the bomb today. Maybe he is one of those droll guys. But in the movies, there are men who, you know, uh, uh, Bruce Weber is, has been working on forever. I mean, he's been working forever on this documentary about Robert Mitchum. Bruce Weber, the photographer? The photographer, Bruce, yeah. who I love. Bruce Weber, who uh, uh, did this documentary. And I think the snag has been rights and the exorbitant cost to the studios for the for the gallery of clips he uses of, of uh, Robert Mitchum's Mitchum. career. Yeah. And uh, and he, the name of the movie is "Nice Girls Don't Stay for Breakfast," and uh, and Mitchum is such a ladies' man. He's there smoking and drinking. He's like in his eighties, yeah. and he's like, "Where are you from? Are you from uh, California?" <laughs> and he's just like flirting with every girl in the world, and that's what he's used to. He's Robert Mitchum, but with Mitchum, so is Mitchum a great actor? Well, because- Mitchum, but Mitchum is somebody who has that rare gift of the physical authority, and you don't have to push too hard. That's right. The guy shows up. His eyes, his facial symmetry, his body. The so way he, he was a great himself. actor because he could, was a he was, great actor because he was aware of his physical presence. Because he knew how to make the most of what he had. So, in other words, what you're saying, Victor is, Mature was a great actor, powerful. If Robert Mitchum was playing the general, he doesn't have to come in and say, "Man, I need you to do that," because he was so physically big and and powerful Tough. that he could just say, "Men, he's not going to go, all right, men." You know, and you were like, "Sure, buddy, you got it. <laughs> Whatever, you you. Whatever you want. Whatever you want." You know, but but it's like the, the different stuff. I mean, I'm, this is this is obvious. so bad. Actors don't consider. <laughs> in other words, bad actors. You're saying don't consider who the full person is. Bad they, actors are people I think who try to do something they shouldn't be doing. It's too much. Well, we, even if it's not, it's just they shouldn't be doing what they shouldn't be doing. You know, there's a part you sh- you know you you don't. So and, what do you do <clears throat> if you're in a movie with a bad actor who's doing too much? Do you pull him aside? Do you say to the director? Pacino you got- taught me about that. I said to my you know I interviewed Pacino right. For my cl- to graduate from school, I told you that story. Pacino, uh, I- I'm going to graduate from NYU 14 years after I leave school. 14 years later, they come to ask me for money. Right. They said we're going to we're on a fundraising tour. We're going to raise money, and my assistant is a kid from LA, Michael Vieira. He's a kid. He comes up to me. He goes, "Ask him for the degree." Said, What'd you say? He goes, "Ask him for the degree." They're shaking you down for the dough. Tell me you want the degree. I go. <laughs> You're a fucking genius. <laughs> I go back in the room. The head of the head of NYU development is there. Yeah. And I walk in. I go, well, listen, I don't want you guys to just give me the degree, but I want you to help me figure out how it go like an uh, independent study. So we say, you're going to write a paper. I love that you cared. I mean, why I wanted fuck- a real degree. You wanted a degree. I want okay. my degree. Yeah, well, yeah. I went to school for three and a half years. You are a successful guy. I want my, I want my fucking degree. You so I, so degree. I go there and I say, uh, they say, you're going to write a paper about, I said, I'm going to write a paper about the applicability of method acting training or real method actor to a 
person with a career in film and theater. And the only person that fit was Al because he kept going back to the theater and doing theater. So I contact him and he agrees to let me interview him while he's shooting Carlito's Way. Wow. So I, I drive from Yuma, Arizona to Tucson, fly from Tucson to Chicago, Chicago to New York. So you can get your degree. <clears throat> so I give it, I, that, I got my degree on that fucking trip. Right. Let me tell you. <laughs> yes. I get, I get to my apartment. What's amazing is, but, 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 but what's amazing is, you gave a shit so much about getting your degree, and here you are, this famous actor, super successful. I wanted my degree. And I wasn't quite sure how the acting thing was going to work out. And and, you did a oh, come on. And now you're, uh, you're running to Al Pacino to I'm get I'm begging. To I'm, on right. my, I'm groveling. So I get in the car. I go home. I take a nap for two hours. I go up to where he lives upstairs, up, up out of the city, and, uh, and I get there, and he's uh, uh, asleep because he was doing Carlito all night. And I was a little early, and he was a little late. So I'm sitting there in the house. And his buddies are there. There's like three or four guys there. And he's got like a house manager, a guy that works for him who brings them all like muffins and scones and omelets and fruit. Sounds and great. they're all sitting there going, remember that time that Al, when he came on there and he did that thing with the car, he said that thing about, and all they do is talk about theater, the old days. Are they all Al, theater actors? <clears throat> they're all theater writers, producers. Right. They're all Al's buddies. And they're like, I'll never forget. And then she came in and she lit the cigarette. And she lit the cigarette first and then said no. Or she said no and then lit the cigarette. And they're going on and on. And I'm sitting there wait, you know, waiting, waiting. And finally he comes out. But I said to him, what do you do when you're as gifted as you? And you're working on a film. I mean, you're a huge movie show, one of the greatest movie stars that ever lived. And you're doing a movie and the other people don't hit the ball back in the same way. And I'll never forget. He goes, Oh, I don't get involved in that at all, Alec. No, no, no. I just say, you know, Alec, everybody in the business is talented. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be in the business unless you were talented. He said, they say he has a talent for telling jokes. He has a talent for singing a song. Everybody's talented, Alec. They're all talented. Some of us are just more talented than other people. <laughs> but it doesn't answer the question. <clears throat> Anyways, you know, but I'm saying he's the sweetest guy that way where it's like, hey man, I'm paddling my canoe. I'm not going to get in there and say fire them or do whatever, you know. No, because he's a, you don't. He's a very cool guy. Because you don't want to be responsible for ending no. someone's career. You don't want to be a dick. But at the same point, if what you're describing to me but about. It takes the focus. What I learned from him is it takes the focus of what you're doing. You put the focus on you. You put the focus on you. So have you adapted that in your own ooh, career? Have you, ooh. or have you gone to directors and said, listen, come on, I'm doing, I'm working my ass off here and this fucker is <laughs> answering me and he's not even in the same room. We're not, I'm not even sure we're in no, the I same room. I go to the movie. director now and say, you want me to stay late? Cause I got four kids waiting. Here. You want to shoot yeah. tomorrow's work tonight? Yeah. No, no, but when I know what I, by the way, excellent Pacino voice. Yes. Yeah. Very good. You no, do no, all, no. all Pacinos, old Al and young Al, right? When you do young Al, you gotta get up here. I can't do it because I'm, my, my voice is shot. I got a cold, but you got to go up higher like this. He says to the black kid in, uh, it's always in Serpico. Yeah. When he says, we're going to go for a walk. We're going to take a walk. You and me without cuffs. You fuck me. I'm going to put one in your back. <laughs> I'm going to put one in your back. That's Serpico. And right. then he gets into hoo He goes down. Right. But anyway, uh, the, um, <clears throat> he is. I mean, I mean, he's obviously somebody, Bob, all those guys, I worship them. I've, I've said this a million times. I do, uh, um, Good Shepherd with Bob directing. It was tough the first couple of days because he'd walk up to you to direct you 
and you just go deaf. You see, all, I was you just talk- do, all you did was you just saw this. Raging and, bull. And, and this. Yeah. And, and, and he would talk for like 60 seconds, and I'd go, I- I'm sorry, Bob, could you repeat that? Because I couldn't hear a fucking word you were saying. <laughs> well, <laughs> because I, he was staring at you. When you were waiting to come in here, did you hear me talking about I, I ran into Paul McCartney the other yeah, night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and my wife had to tell me what Paul said, because I can't hear. He I said, know, know, Howard, I'll be there tomorrow. I want to be interviewed. And my, my wife yeah. said, do you hear what Paul just said? He wants to come in tomorrow and be interviewed. And I go, he didn't say that. She goes, no, he, he absolutely fucking just said that. Isn't that funny? I don't, I can't listen to when this. I did guy. the SNL and I first met him. Linda was alive and Linda McCartney on there because she goes, go up to him and talk to him. She goes, go up and talk to him like he's anybody else. That's what he wants. I looked at her like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> you goes, don't know him. Talk to him oh, like anybody, like he's anybody. Else. He wants, she doesn't want you to treat him that way. And you know, he is the ultimate. He's the ultimate in terms of the graciousness. Like everywhere he goes, he just, warm and he deflects people like can i take a picture or whatever and you know yeah, how does whatever. he do that because like i was just talking about the pope the pope's whole job is to really sit there and shake people's hands and like fucking hang <laughs> smack out them. and smack them <laughs> like, like even he gets upset you wonder, when, bad you wonder what the pope is like privately <laughs> like, like, whenever he's like in the vatican so they go i thought i told you i wanted the grapefruit juice bang <laughs> <laughs> what smack. the fuck is the matter with you uh, well i mean i just picture him with a big <clears throat> vat of hand sanitizer just sitting there bathing himself all fucking day when he gets away from all these the people poor pope he had a bad day man. he had a bad I day know it was rough. Like. He had a bad day. but paul mccartney he doesn't have a bad day it seems he's just kind of like hey how you doing <clears throat> Good to hey, see listen, you. That's right. You're you're you're, you're 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 the most famous entertainer on the planet, and you have all this respect. You know, I always read. I'll never forget. I always read that quote that they had when they uh, uh, about him. They had uh, the um, when the Beatles sold to Apple. Right. When the Beatles finally cut the deal with Apple. Uh, uh, Beatles. I'm going to put this in here. Apple. Are you Googling? Uh, New York Times. And the guy writes this quote. And uh, yeah, the article, which came out in, uh, um, in 2010, and he writes out of the Beatles finally sold their catalog <clears throat> uh, um, uh, to, uh, um, to, we're, to, to, uh, to Apple. Right. And uh, they had a quote. In this article, I'm going to find it for you right now. Bear with me one second. I'll uh, bear with you. Believe me. I'm, I know I'm it's really cool. Where oh, here it going? is. One of the last major holdouts against selling its music via digital downloads, the Beatles are the ultimate prize for any music company. The group has held on to blockbuster sales four decades after breaking up. It has sold more than 177 million albums in the United States alone, according to the Record Industry Association of America. And here it is. And held on to untouchable cultural prestige i mean the beatles are it i mean it's it that's it and no they're they're on their own planet and when you're around him and you see how well he handles that you're like i mean i don't need to tell you you know yeah no he's the sweetest guy in the world yeah he's so sweet but it's like wow and then he starts talking about music you realize you know we sat down with him one day and he's sitting there going you know we 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 did this song and then we went we recorded this and i said no let's try this and he's talking about like the guitar fingerings and you're going this is what these guys are about yeah they 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 know everything about playing music uh uh uh, uh you know uh what's, what's it you know producing music yeah, and, and paul likes <clears throat> talking about it i was shocked because when i had robert plant on the show and i wanted to talk to him about led zeppelin he doesn't want to talk about he it didn't no and Why i was, I was so is? disappointed i th- i don't know it was like it was weird and i couldn't let go of it I, I wouldn't say it was one of my better moments because 
I, I finally had Robert Plant, and I just wanted to know everything oh, Led Zeppelin. Yeah. I get the impression Jimmy Page is like Paul McCartney. He wants to talk about Led Zeppelin. Yeah. He, he's proud of it and wants to really talk about the process. Yeah, doesn't want to hide from it. No. From Paul will sit here and, and tell Plant you about doesn't every, wanna, didn't want no, to. No. He was it. just like, can we talk about my new record? I go, yeah, of course we can. I'm curious. But, but you know, Jesus Christ, what was it like when Led Zeppelin? We had Roger Daltrey on my podcast he's in this great. building. Yeah. He was doing a book tour. And he comes up my up my pocket. He said, "You know, the other blokes were singing about you know love and girls and uh, holding hands and such, and we wanted to be a blokes band. We want to be a guys band yeah. and sing songs that guys would want to sing together. They're in the pub or whatever it is. And you really, when they get into their genesis and they get into their thing, it's really really cool. Is it, but, it, go, go ahead, yeah. No, no, go. You, is it weird for you uh, asking people to do like you, you said? You you know you hung out with Paul McCartney and this and that, and you uh, asked Al Pacino if you could come interview him and all of that. I'm never normal when I'm around them. No. Yeah, but I'm always like I hate to ask people to do anything, and then I saw. Yeah. First of all, I, I couldn't even believe you agreed to be roasted. I yeah. I watched the roast it was funny as shit, but. Yeah. I mean, you took a lot of hits. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the only person on the roast, by the way, I think it's worth mentioning that everybody else in the room and the producers would come in. Now, the comics come and they have their own stuff too. Yeah. Cause they hit you and then, and they, they, they hit everybody. They hit each other. Yeah. So they spray the whole room. It's like a shit, it's like a, like a hose. Yeah. And they hose everybody down. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, uh, 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 but they would sit down and this is, some of the writers would say to me, so and so wants to know, it, know if you're cool with this line. And and we had a little bit of that back. Well, not a lot, but a little bit. And I'd say, ah, okay. But the only one who said verbatim every horrible thing that was handed to them was my daughter Ireland. Oh, oh my God! She, she they handed her a script, and she just you could just tell she put her golf shoes on and just she tap danced on my face. She crucified the fuck out of you. I mean, you know, Dad, she you called me everything. a pig. You called me this. She said know. every horrible thing about me. They they they, they told her. To. What was going through you? Uh, first of all, why did you agree? Okay, I know it was for charity, but you could you could give the same amount of money to charity. You're a wealthy man, and it's great to raise money for charity. But some things, you know, I'd rather just pay the fucking charity because, to me, I didn't really care. You didn't? <clears throat> well, we did. We I'm did, so thin skinned. I couldn't handle it. Well, we did a. Uh, um, I can't believe you said that you're so thin skinned. Oh, I am. You, are you really? I love dishing it out. Right, I'm, right. I'm great at it. Oh, but well, uh, you're epic at it. Don't say anything about me, <laughs> don't, though. Don't, don't go the other way. <laughs> yeah, no, but we, we we did one for 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 Vice, and Casey Patterson was the producer, and she's the loveliest woman. One of the loveliest women I've ever worked with in my life is Casey Patterson, who was producing for Spike, and she does a lot of other television. And it was more like, this is your life. You come in and there's people that, these are people you know. Right. These are friends and family and colleagues and, and most of them you know. And my God, I can't even express to you how uh, grateful I was and how blown away I was that De Niro came and Clinton came. How did you get I mean, to I hug Clinton and I go, what can I possibly do to repay you when he shows up at this thing? I, 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 was, I was overwhelmed, literally. Right. Now, <clears throat> you do Comedy Central, it's, that's not it. It's like Spade and all the, you know, those guys who could just like eviscerate you. They could just like chop Mickey you Glazer up. took you it's apart. Like, it's like Benihana. They're all going <laughs> to chop you up and fry you and serve you with a bowl of rice. Are you sitting <clears> there? <throat> I, I see you. You seem to be in good spirits and you're laughing, but are you acting laughing or are you saying this is just fucking brutal? I, I mean, I'm just counting the minutes till the fucking thing is over. And I really? Yeah. And De Niro was next to me, by the way. I'll never forget. <laughs> I'm over here and De Niro's in a chair like this. Like, and about 30 minutes, it is. we're only half an hour into it. <clears throat> and we're, we're a half an hour into this thing, which is two and a half hours long. It's so fucking long. And De Niro turns to me and goes, 
It's long. It's very long. It's very long. It's very long, right? It's long. Is it long? And I'm and I'm thinking to myself, you know. But but anyway, so you and go. Do you feel guilty when De Niro turns to you and says it's very long? Are you saying to yourself, what did I just ask? My I leaned into him and I said, I hope you know. And I told his office, this is not an ask from me. Right. I called Jane Rosenthal, his right hand. I mean, the Jane Rosenthal. And I said, Jane. Please tell Bob. I'm never going to call Bob and bother him. I said, please tell Bob. I'm not asking him to do this under no circumstances because it was supposed to be in New York and they changed it. Right. And oh, it goes to was LA. It, it, was it was in LA. LA. Okay. So, but, but the thing is, I'm sitting at Tony Bennett's benefit. Tony's with me, Danny, who I love and I love the his way son, that, Danny, his son, Danny, who I love the way Danny takes care of his dad and right. everything he's done for his dad, how close they are. And I'm there with Susan, Tony's wife. I'm there with uh, uh, Hadley, uh, Danny's wife. We're all at this table. And they have the cocktail party before the event, which is they're all going to go over to the garden to watch Billy Joel's show. Right. And Tony comes out and does a number. He does New York State of Mind with him. Right. So, and Billy is, you know, such a a, a, a sweet guy that way Tony walks on. So that's their, the tickets to Billy's show was their fundraiser. <clears throat> I'm sitting there and I'm looking at Tony and, uh, uh, and I and I thought to myself, I got to do this. They had called me and asked me to do the roast. And I said, I, I already did the one for Spike. I said, I, I'm not going to go out of my way to get roasted again. I'm just staring at Tony. And I go, fuck it. I'm going to do this. I'll get the million bucks. I'll work one day. I'll give the money to Tony. And I leaned into Danny. I go, I'm going to do the Comedy Central roast. I'm going to give your father the money. I go, don't say anything to him. I'm going to go do the thing. We're going to give your father a million bucks. And, uh, um, and Danny kind of talks like his father. Right. He's like, wow, man, that's a really, really great, what a great, great, great thing for you to do that. <laughs> and, 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 and so we, we, uh, we go to the show and we gave him a million bucks for the okay, school. Okay. But what, now De Niro decided to do it, I think, because he, he loves you, but also maybe he heard you're doing it for charity. So he said, yeah. okay, I'll sit there and I'll. De Niro is a sweet guy. Because De Niro took, kind man. De Niro took as much shit as <clears throat> you did. I mean, everything was De Niro is wearing the pens. De Niro, <laughs> De Niro's, De Niro's yeah. eating oatmeal for breakfast because he has no teeth. I mean, De Niro, De Niro's just getting pounded, but he seems to be a pretty good sport well, we, about we, it. We also said that backstage. I said, Someone said to me, how do you think he's doing? I go, well, let's face it, this is not what he's used to. <laughs> but, but isn't that he's pressure? He's used to walking onto a stage and people go nuts because he's the, one of the greatest actors that ever lived. But, but isn't that pressure for you? You're like, what did I get this guy yes. into? Oh my God. I leaned I, into him. I go, I can't tell me. I will host every interview segment of the Tribeca Film Festival next year for you. I'll do, I'll do the whole two weeks for you. Yeah, because I'm thinking, what a terrible, <laughs> th like, okay, Nikki Glazer's there because she wants to be on Comedy Central and she gets it and all that and so does the, the roast. I love Nikki Glazer, by the way. She's great. Terrific. Caroline Ray is one of my dearest friends. I love her. What love. did you mean? Cause Nikki tells a story. She was on here after the roast. What did she say? Yeah. She said, um, she leaned into was you. Was she kind or did she keep? No, she was kind. Me? No, no, no. She read a lot of the jokes she didn't do, which I always love. <laughs> <laughs> Which was great. I and she's terrific. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, she, but she said at one point, she said to you, Alec, you know, I'm single. Uh, you know, she's an attractive woman. She goes, I'm single. Um, you know, do you know anybody or something like that? And you looked at her dead serious and said, listen. Do not date anyone on this side of the dais. <laughs> yeah, 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 these Don't people. And who was on the side of the dais? De Niro and Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> and Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> and yeah, like, and in fact, don't date anybody on this, this side of I was I, there doing promos. It was the summer of last year. And as you, you, you know, because I see you out there occasionally, we're out there the whole summer. We move out there for the summer. My wife and the kids, we move out there. And right. we, we almost never go into the city. So they say to me, we need to do promos for the show. 
<clears throat> pardon me. So um, for, the, for the roast, for the roast. So yeah. they said we're going to go to the West Hampton Theater. All right. They lease out the West Hampton Theater for two days, the load in and shoot and the load out. And uh, we're going to shoot these uh, promo spots. And one of them, they show me. And then I knew we were on to something. Like, at Linkwitz, if you're going to really shove it up my ass, let's <laughs> let's make sure it's got a little, there's, there's got some nice texture to it. So right. They had the one where I go, uh, I do the mock uh, masterclass commercial. So I'm looking at the camera and I'm going, you know, uh, you know, improvisation is a, sometimes a wonderful and unusual way to get your way toward the core of a scene, the meaning of a scene that's been escaping you all this time. And uh, improvisation is really an essential part, I think, of acting. Hi, I'm Alec Baldwin, and this is my master class. Cut inside the classroom, like six actors there. And I go, okay, improv. I said, give me a situation. I said, I, I, I said, give me a year. They go, 1984. I go, great. I said, uh, give me a setting. They said, a hospital. I said, uh, I, I said, and what am I? They go, a doctor, patient. You're, you're, you're an OBGYN. <clears throat> and I said, well, okay, 1984, we're at a hospital, I'm an OBGYN, what am I doing? They said, you're delivering your wife, Ilaria. <laughs> and when they said that, That's good. I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. Oh, they, by the way, speaking Oh, by which, the way, and Ilaria took hits, right? Uh, even on her name. Took, Nikki Glazer goes, oh, what's her name again? Hilaria? Alar- what, what? Oh, it's stupid. You know, like everyone was just taking hits. But why did, how did Caitlyn Jenner end up? What do you got there? My wife wants to say hi to you. Oh, let me say. She should be running right now. If, if I'm not mistaken, she's running Run, around the room. Boy, she's are you not... running? No. You're, what are you doing? No, do me a favor. Put your sunglasses on. Are they there? Hi. You don't have them? Say hi. Where are they? Hi. Is she, is she where, naked? Where, where's your, is she naked? Yeah. Oh, no, not no. that again. Hey, say hi to your friend here. Hey, Alaria. How you doing? Hi, how are you? I, I'm doing well. You're, you're, your sunglasses. There you are. Look at you. I was she like, doesn't she look like a drug dealer's wife right there? Isn't it amazing? Yeah, she, she looks like she married to Pablo Escobar. She does. Right yes. She looks like she just got off the plane from Medellin. Didn't I'm, she? I'm talking to your husband, and uh, I'm just, you know, it, it is amazing. <laughs> That you're, you now I'm sorry I called you. <laughs> oh, Being married to Alec, I am. We are discussing the fact. I mean, a million different things. But even on that roast, I said to him, "I don't know how you accepted to do that roast. It was brutal, and even you got slammed, right? I mean, you didn't do anything wrong." No, I mean, it, I, he always goes back that he wants to give a lot of money away to charity, which is a really nice thing. But I have to say that maybe there's other ways that we can find that money to give to charity because uh, he was he was difficult to deal with around that time. Do you worry that Alec is? No. Do you worry that Alec is doing Saturday Night Live, multiple movies, doing comedy roasts because there's just too many kids at home and he has to get out of the house? <laughs> do you worry about that? Well, well, no, because he brings us with him everywhere. Oh, he does. Oh, that's a secret yeah. I didn't know. I didn't realize no, it. He's a, he, we try. He, he talks, he talks the talk, but he is, he's very codependent, Howard. Laurie, when you have a husband like Alec Baldwin, everyone wants him. Everyone wants a piece of him. Everyone's trying to get, you know, near him. How do you keep, or trying to handcuff him? Right. How do you, or handcuff him depending on the day? How do you keep the romance alive? You know what? We're really good at, he said to me one time, he said, you're my wife, but you're also my girlfriend. Ah. I feel like you and, you and Beth are really good at this as well. It's like, you know, you, you're constantly, together and you think of each other as as your as your girlfriend boyfriend so in other words when you're when you're on a date with alec and he takes you home and he's making love to you do you say to yourself oh my god i'm with alec baldwin one of our greatest actors one of the the, the, the one of the great leading men is, is, that, it, what, is that what i'm thinking during um 
What are you thinking during sex? No, no. When, when, when you're, while we're having sex, she's thinking, we better hurry. <laughs> I hear the baby screaming in the other room. No, no. I'm thinking, wow. He says his, when they say action, he just says his lines so well. And he um, and he delivers the no, goods, doesn't I wasn't he? Thinking that. Maybe I'll think that next time. Yes, and and by the way, I want to uh, uh, say to you, I'm a, I follow you on Instagram. Why are there no more yoga shots? That's my favorite. When you do oh, yoga, I will bring them back for you, Howard. Bring it back. When your wife does yoga, it I gotta be. Sound honest. like Woody Allen when we had dinner with Woody. <laughs> did he say something? I'll tell you that story. What did he say? He's sitting there. We're having dinner in Rome, and he goes, "So uh, you 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 do yoga, right? You, you can really bend yourself into all those positions, <laughs> right?" He, he liked. Was, it. He was elated. He was high. You love that, right, Alec? I mean, that is it. Who would imagine that one day you'd be married no, to a woman? She's very jealous. Who? Very jealous. Yeah, you are. Alec. Yeah. He, he is? Oh, yeah. She gets, she gets hit on all day long. Is that true? Pablo Escobar's wife gets hit on all day long. It's look at her. True. Look at her. What do you mean? Like when you're away from. All I have to say is I have four children, three dogs, and I'm married to Alec Baldwin, and they go running. Yeah, but do you. <laughs> in other words, when you're not around him, when you go out doing your daily routine, men are hitting on you. But are, are you, you telling Alec this? I'm not dumb to admit that in front of my, in front of my husband here. No, no. <laughs> I'm having you followed all the time anyway. No, not why are you so jealous at this point with four kids? Ilaria makes a good point. Why are you so jealous? Uh, I mean, I, not jealous. I just say, you know, the, the older man, younger woman thing, it does kind of get to you. You know what I mean? Right. And you a know? lot of these young when my wife, When my wife is cheating with me and talking on her phone to her boyfriend, eventually I'll be deaf anyway, so I won't be able to hear, so it'll be fine. Do you find it turns you on, Alec, to hear Ilaria's story? She, when she comes home and she says, listen, I just had an incident out there. It's terrible. This construction oh, no, worker. These, yeah. two, these two no, guys. No, I learned not to have those conversations with him. Because that could set him off. That's right. And then I'm in an Uber trying to kill somebody. Yeah, that's right. No, I just, yeah, exactly. No, I, I'm, hey, I'm a strong woman. I don't need any guy to stand up for me. <laughs> <laughs> you well, could you. You uh, on that on that note on the strong woman note i can't believe you're lying in bed with a faux fur coat on and your hoodie and your son look at this well, listen. Actually, emails. i'm really bad at emails and i was like actually answering emails for like the person i have like five thousand unread emails listen before he hangs up on you i want less photos of your kids more of you doing yoga that's number one <laughs> And number two, I'm, I think I have the exclusive here. You feel very satisfied sexually from Alec. Is that correct? 100%. There you go. He's absolutely amazing. Isn't that something? He's that good. Uh, you're the best. Honey. You're so kind. You're so kind. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like a government grant from you. All right. Here's the real question. <clears throat> Say goodbye to Howard. What is the one thing? What is the one thing, Laurie, that Alec does in bed better than any man on the planet that you have ever experienced? Imitates Trump. Howard, going back to, going back to what I've learned. Alec is the only man I've ever been with, right? Yeah. Oh. Look at I told her I wanted a virgin. No, nothing. Nothing happened. She never had sex with these other guys. So what he's doing is all new to you. It's all new. It's no. Every day. Every day. I'm going to tell him this story right now. We're going to we're gonna say goodbye to you. Blow him a kiss. Wait, Please. is it a story about me? Because you better be careful. I'm going to tell you a story about, about it. it. Bye, I love you so. I love you more than anything. No, I don't want to interrupt you. Go finish your email. You have 5,000 of them. I'll be very careful. Don't worry. I Don't listen. I love you, sir. I love you. So and believe me, I love you more than he does. <laughs> no, no, we would be, when I first met her, we'd be walking down the street and she lived in the East Village and we'd be walking down the street and she would, not a lot, but like a couple of times she was like, wait a second, be careful. This is my ex-boyfriend coming. You know, my ex-boyfriend, you know, Eduardo. And the guy would come <laughs> up with the guy was like a totally ripped underwear model. The guy looked like he could bounce a drop of sweat 10 feet off the right. air off this guy's ass. He's just perfect. You know what I mean? I'm going, he's like, uh, very nice to meet you, I like. And I'm like, you know, yeah, you too. Uh, I'm like, 
fuck me. <laughs> the guy's like 27 years old. Do you ever think she's Ready she to play shortstop for the Yankees. Do you ever think she ever Turn her in the corner. The next guy looks like, uh, you know, Casper Van Dyne. Did you ever? <laughs> fucking perfect, you know, chiseled, handsome. Casper Van Dyne. Yeah, but remember, what a yeah. super handsome guy. He Starship he Trooper. They, my, I just can't believe you said that. My, love, one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. Love. But, but, do you ever think she set you up? She probably had a bunch of good-looking guys meet you on the street right away. She, she paid them. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were extras. Them. Yeah, it's unbelievable. No, no, she dated. She was the yoga uh, priestess of the village, and she had a lot of guys in her class who oh, come yeah. in who were after. They yeah, were like, they, oh, they didn't want to I think yoga. I need you to adjust my hips just a little bit here when I do this. And she would. Um, uh, she had a lot of men in her class until she got married. Right, right. Coming. Good. Hey, look. So how I'm not you- kidding. We met her boyfriends on the street, and I'd be like, Fuck me. That's and I mean, and you got a temper. Listen, last time. No, you were no, here, not anymore. Well, no, no, I don't. Oh, yeah, you went to anger what management. Did you, do? you got you went, to, you went to anger management <laughs> class. And uh, I love that story. What, you is, what is this, Colbert we're on now? Yeah, I love that story. I do Colbert's show. Yeah. <clears throat> he sits me in the chair. He goes, Are you an angry person? <laughs> yeah. And I want to go, Well, when you annualize it over the arc of a year, I don't think I'm any more angry than you. No, I love that story <clears throat> you tell when you went to anger management and some guy got up and you just said, and then the guy goes, uh, they said, uh, he goes, yeah, I was in the store and I forget what it was exactly you said, but he goes, I was in the store and somebody broke the broom and I went to a fucking crazy. You know? yeah, yeah, and yeah. you go, Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not you, that bad. You're not that bad. Yeah. You said everyone in the anger management class was absolutely fucking insane. Yeah. I won't go into the stories, but yeah. there was a lot of cool stories. Yeah. A lot of informative. <laughs> no, but, but, but the thing is, is that, um, well, what I learned was yeah. like I'm in this litigation with this guy now, you know, the, the, but what's funny is, uh, you know, if you punch somebody, if you close fist, because I mean, you learn this when you go through the slow motion process of this. If you deck somebody in in New York City, you go to jail. That's right. You go to jail. Right. And you can get bailed out, and you can go to trial, and then you're going to get sentenced to something because I mean that's an assault. You could potentially kill harassment. someone. Right. Now, when you're in court, and they say to you, "Do you want to go to trial, and do you want to have to change your schedule and work?" I mean, my lawyer gave me what is. Good advice and bad advice. There's a good side and a bad side. You plead guilty to harassment. The DA, and I'll say this on the record, is a fucking asshole. Vance, who was the, who ran that operation, <clears throat> let Harvey Weinstein run and do whatever he wanted to do and gave him all the line he wanted. And then they're dicking with me about, you know, this altercation with this guy, his office. Wait, which altercation <clears throat> we're talking about? Where you, uh, where, well, they said that I punched this guy with the parking spot, which is bullshit. But you didn't so, punch him. Well, there's video cameras right. everywhere that prove that I don't punch him. I mean, it, 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 that's a stone cold fact. And you're still in court over this. Well, no, no, but well, that's oh. civil court. But my point is, is, is when you're in court and they're saying to you, would you like to come and have a trial to dispute the fact and go through all this mishigas about whether you hit this guy or do you want to plead guilty to harassment? Now, the moment you plead guilty to anything, that colors everything. Then he goes into civil court. Right. If I had, if I fought the charge and said I didn't punch him and that would have been proven by the videotapes, then you step back and the, uh, and it's over. When a moment I pleaded guilty to harassment, he goes to civil court and sues me for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. I, even though when he went to the hospital, he walked, they gave him a Tylenol. So what he you, went to the, he went to the hospital. Where are you to at? Be with examined. It? Are you still he's suing me right now civilly for a lot of money? Yeah, are you going to sue, counter sue him? Oh, I did, yeah. yeah you you yeah. counter sued? Yeah, because I, I sued him for defamation. He lied. And this is costing you? He a- lied and said that he, that I punched him and I'm suing him for lying that he said that because the videotapes prove otherwise. So what is he suing you for? <clears throat> Harassment. He's suing me for physical injury. He said that I physically injured him. And the well, we're, we're not in court yet, so I don't really know the specifics right. of what he's going to say. How, when but did the, this but, altercation happen? 
uh, months and months and months ago. I'm on the streets. And what's interesting is, and I always, see, people don't think, if you're some eighth-degree black belt shithead like Sean Hannity, who's the dumbest fucking asshole in all of human history, who's sitting there going, is just yapping about, you know, that, that I'm some violent offender. Hey, if I'd done something wrong, my car was there. The cops are going to take 10 or 15 minutes to come. I could have gotten the car. The guy didn't know who I was. I could have driven off. I stayed because I knew I didn't do anything wrong. Is I Sean stayed. Hannity an eighth degree black belt? He's an eighth degree black belt shithead. Yeah. Oh, in the oh, shithead department. In the shithead department. He's not yeah. an eighth degree no, black belt. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, he may, okay, he no, may no, be no. a black belt, I know, <laughs> but he's a definitely a black belt shithead. <laughs> so, 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 <clears throat> so, uh, in other words, you're still involved. You, you, you're in always. Well, no, but the thing I want to get off that because I want to talk about but a by war the way, season. You do make a good point though about about court. If you agree to just end the whole fucking. Do you have thing, bodyguards? Do I? Yeah. Sure. Right. So, have you ever ever gotten close to any kind of somebody attacking you, confronting yes. you, spitting on you, throwing yes. a drink on you? Yes. Right. So I'm sure you with because because it's interesting. You like Letterman, and we've said this before. There's that arc to the show. Yes. I remember I used to come here and do the show, and it was nude chicks, like, spinning plates on their nipples and stuff. You mean, right. it was insane. Yeah, where are those girls? The ins- yeah. <laughs> right. They were in a nursing home now. I can't, I can't find them. It was them. a long time ago. Right, yeah. They were in an old age home now, down, <laughs> yeah. Palm, down, in, down in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, right. I but I'm saying, they were... I'd have an accent in my pants if I did that now. <laughs> it's like Kenny Loggins. I did I did a show with him, and his daughter's there. She's his manager. Yeah. And I produced Kenny Loggins in a concert when I was in college, and I see his daughter there, and I go, my God, I'm such a fan of your dad's. I love your dad. And Kenny's a sweet guy. And I go, we would do the show in the college and the girls are throwing their room keys and their underwear on the stage and the daughter says oh they still do they still throw their underwear it's just a lot bigger the size <laughs> giant panties it's really much bigger the size but but but, yeah. but but the point is is that yeah what is the point but you you, you realize it's like I didn't want to live that life of getting in a big black SUV right. and having four linebackers no, in the you, NFL you with take, Nehru jackets no, and No, you headsets. take the subway still, right? You, you still, no, no don't you do don't. That. Oh, I thought you did. Oh, no, right? no, 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 we, we do with the kids from time to time. Right. But I, during the day, I have a car and driver. I can't get any work done on the subway. I well, I've said on. this to you in private when we've gotten together. You take the subway? No. no. Yeah. I, 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 of course not. It was a misery. The, the greatest thing about becoming, the greatest thing, the greatest thing about becoming famous. Do you chew your own food? No. <laughs> I have someone preach you. A, a, a mama bird. But I, but seriously, the, the greatest, the greatest thing that ever happened to me when I got, you know, a little bit famous and a, and a little bit of money. I said, I don't have to take that fucking subway anymore. I was down there with Robin and Fred, and we'd be, and we'd getting attacked, and people are screaming, and, 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 and they don't even know I'm famous. They're just fucking, they're crazy. I don't, why would I go down there? I don't want to go down I love down the there. subway. Take, I don't love it. We take the kids out to Coney Island a little while ago, and the kids love it. The kids go crazy. But, you know, but you're like, you're like, but you're like you. Letterman. Go ahead. You're no, finished. But I always told you, Alec, you're getting in trouble with these people on the street and uh, they get you when you come in and out of your apartment i'd say get a driver in a car and and, and i have and, a car and driver and what happened with that parking thing was i'm in my car right. my car Real and car. i'm loading the car you were driving and, and my driver who's oh. in my driver uh, in, is in a car or my company car and we've decided we're all going to take a lot of stuff out to the house I mean, you know what it's like yes you have an apartment in new york what do you have a house on long island for to store all your shit in <laughs> that's right so we just filled the basement with boxes of shit yeah or headphones you gave me 10 years ago right in my, in my swag bag <laughs> i got like 90 of those on a shelf Throw i have a out. howard stern shelf in my basement right but you but you, you we're going to go out there and somebody comes and says you want my spot and i go to take the spot and and, and as i go to take the spot this guy sneaks in but why is the driver the dealing with that 
I don't understand. It's a war zone. In we front don't of have your it place. worked out, Howard. You we do don't not. have it worked That's out. That's my point. I need to learn from you. And when you invite me over to your fucking house, <laughs> yes. which is like the Miami airport, by the way, as I've told you before, <laughs> right. with a fucking bowling alley in it. When I when you invite me over to your house again, and uh, we, we, we can sit down in one of your nine kitchens you have, your nine dining rooms. Right. You got like 11 dining rooms in the fucking house. When you invite me over to the house, we sit down. You can take me all through your system. You make it seem like I've been to your house and I see what's doing over there. It's this big space. Fred, what are you acting like you live in a shack somewhere? My house is like you're waiting for like Andy Griffith to come out with like a bamboo fishing pole I didn't and go see in the pond way. compared to your house. Really? Your house is... I, I, I didn't look at it that way. Howard, but... you, 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 you live in a beautiful home. Your home is beautiful. Well, thank you. Beautiful right? Thank you. But, but, but you know what you have? But, you have the home of a man and a woman and some cats. <laughs> <laughs> that's your home. Right. That's you have, it. You have a gigantic, beautiful drapery, yeah. carpets. That's thing. all I can My handle. house is a preschool. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, it's your a fucking your, preschool. Your house that's is it. crazy. There's shit everywhere that's right but but get back to this point you were oh so we were talking about the roast well how does how does uh caitlin jenner end up at your roast <clears throat> i didn't understand that. i thought she was very brave the to producers have a list of people right. like you're sitting there i mean i'm only half joking i'm like they're like who do you want to be on your roast i'm like can we get eli wallach can he come right let's have eli wallach sure let's have uh <laughs> let's have uh shelly winters come on my roast right. but you end who do up you with, want on your roast but I you end up let's with, have uh gore vidal on my roast but you end up and with jeff ross and and uh and, and caitlin they got their list did you jeff know ross and, caitlin, and jeff ross i love yes oh, I, he's oh, fantastic God, did you him. did you did you uh in other words when you heard <laughs> so caitlin jenner was showing up i mean do you know i know did you know bruce listen my daughter ireland went to school with with Kylie and Kendall Jenner. Oh, okay. And Kendall Jenner, who was this gangly, freckle-faced little kid running across this field, but you knew she was a beautiful girl. Right. You know, the, the symmetry and the coloring. and she, she was a gorgeous little kid, but she was a kid. She was like right. a goofy little kid running. And Bruce was the track coach. You're kidding. <clears throat> to the kids at the private school up in the valley. Can you imagine? <clears throat> and Bruce would get out of the car. Uh, he had a, his SUV and it would say 10 events was his uh, license plate. And I'm a deep admirer of Bruce. You watch the 30 for 30 on him. You watch the bio. You're like in tears. The guy's the, the guy, he's, he's it, you know, right. if you really, your hat comes off to his uh, accomplishments. And for me, I, you didn't see it coming. It wasn't, right. you, there wasn't an ounce of Caitlyn Jenner in Bruce. He'd shake your hand and practically rip your, your wrist off. Right. I'd say, what are you doing this weekend? I want to go golfing with Arnold. <laughs> and he had all his Republican buddies and everything. Right. And you didn't see, you didn't see any, you know, there were no earrings or lipstick or whatever. You must you have been more shocked any. than anybody on the fucking planet. I was absolutely floored. But when you're around him, her rather now, when you're around her, he's happy. He's happy. Right. Who, who gives a shit? Really How's care. the handshake? Is it? Still, still pretty powerful. Oh yeah, so he's he's still got the, the the tendons there in the forearm to rip your arm out of your socket. So when you so when so the the Comedy Central tells you right. Caitlyn Jenner is. I don't, I, you up. know what I do? Are you sitting? It's, it's the Pacino school. Yeah, I don't get involved. <laughs> you want to have <laughs> Count Chocula? Come on here. You want to have Yogi Bear? <laughs> come on here. I'm all right. You're making the million I'm dollars right. for charity. I'm getting a million dollars. But Tony, did anybody I there say ask. anything that offended you to the point that you turned to Comedy Central to so listen? You're not fucking airing that, or did you just let it go? Um, uh, sounds no, like everything was cool. Everything was cool. 
No, was I, there I, any time I that got you? I knew they were going to take the Empire State Building and shove it up my ass right. one brick at a time. You were such a good sport. So, in other words, there was nothing there that someone said where you said, Jesus Christ, I'm, I, I'm getting a little, this is just a little. No, no, no. But you know what I was amazed by? Seriously, you're there and you lock into a zone kind of, in, you know, uh, 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 neurologically where you're like, the content doesn't matter to me. They're going to bury me. Who's good? Right. Who's good. Right. Now, Nikki Glaser blew me away. She yes. got up there. She was like a skeet shooting person. She was like, Paul, Paul, and a she pro. shot. She is phenomenal. I would, I, I walked out of there going, I want to work with her. Right. Now, Caroline, I love. I've known Caroline for years. Ross, I've known for years. Right. Uh, 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 Chris Red, I do SNL with. There's a whole bunch of people I'm leaving out, but, you know, De Niro, who wouldn't, you know, you know w w work with Bob. De Niro was surprisingly <clears throat> good at roasting you, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but they prep you. There's really, really good people. Right. But the, the, uh, Nikki Glazer, I loved her. She's so talented. And she writes her own material. I mean, she's a talent. She's yeah. a, she's a big talent. She's tough. She's so coarse and so. Can you Rough. fill it? I got I got before we get to whatever the fuck you're coming in here for the award season. I, I want to get to. Award I said season. that about ninety minutes. Yeah, ago, I know, right? but, but I got to ask yeah. you something. I got a cake in the oven, so we're almost it's almost done. Tell me what is going on with Saturday Night Live. In in other words, I'm always shocked when you show up week after week, and I'll tell you why. I know yeah. you just shot like two movies, right? And smaller roles. I mean, it's smaller, a couple of okay, here, but 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 to show up to Saturday Night Live every week, not every week, once a month now. Oh, is it once a month? Once a, no, this season, once a month. Okay, but even that. Even we all agreed. It's, we got to lay it out a little bit. You, in other words, you've said in the past, Lorne convinced you to do it. Yeah. You weren't going to come back, and somehow he's... You know. Who is a person... Now, let me ask you this, to frame this. How much time do we have? Are we okay? I don't even know what time it is. Well, I, you got I get, all the time you want. Yeah, yeah, because well, I get well, lost well, in well, you. Well, 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 you. With you, it's like, you know, it's, yeah, it's like, I could, I'm I supposed could, to be in court right now <laughs> for jury duty. You don't I'm need to be I was on Howard. And they're like, oh, it's okay. The judge will understand. Wait a second. Do you think they're going to let... He was on Howard, everybody. Do you think they're going to let you on a jury? I don't think so. Yeah. No, I walk yeah, in there. The well, I take a magic marker and I put a swastika on my forehead when I walk in. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah, yeah. I go in the bathroom. I draw one on my forehead. I'm like, how's everybody doing? Everybody <laughs> want a coffee? So get back to this <clears throat> point. I just belched in your face. But let, oh, let me... let me Whatever you want. Baby. It's my show. Get back to this point. Saturday Night Live. You were, you were framing it. You do said, you have somebody in your life who even early on, but even now, especially when you're at, who you are, you're in this plateau, who counsels you? Who's the person that sits down... You know, who's your Maury Ballstein, you know, who, who well, sits down with you and says, don't do that. There's don't a, do, don't there's put a, that in the book. Who has your ear? Uh, the, the the person I go to the most on things like that is uh, my agent, Don Buckwald. I trust his. You trust Don. He has tremendous. He has input. He has. Oh, absolute input right. with me. Like, I, I will pay attention to what he says. Don't you know. do that. Do this. Don't do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he never says to me. Because you must be overwhelmed with offers of things to do. And yes. you say, I don't need the money. Yes. He has a very good handle on, hey, it's you're going to be miserable. You're going to be, it's too much. Yeah. Fuck it. Don't right. do it. Right. But I mean, I know with you, I mean, you've got a lot going on. You got mad. The Friday before, the Friday before um, uh, is the season premiere this year. Lauren calls me. Now, Lauren is one of my dear friends in this business. I love Lauren. I admire. What do you mean Lauren. he's a friend? I mean, like, oh, but I mean like a friend, like like um, uh, you know, he's a busy guy, so I'm not talking to him every week, right? But uh, Lauren is someone who Thanksgiving, if you know, now that I have kids, we used to have Thanksgiving with Lauren, you know, many years in a row, 
Oh, okay. So and these then, are and personal then, friends. Right. And, and, and then we had all these kids. I wouldn't put Lauren through that. So we go over and have dessert after we put our kids to bed. We said, we'll be there for dessert. Do you so have any... our kids and go to Lauren's for dessert. Are most of your friends in show business? Now, I imagine... No. no I would no, think no. they would be, and I'll tell you why. No. Because you're at a point in your career where a lot of your, you know, you know your interests and the things you like to hear about, and the things you like to talk about seem to be about not just the business, but, but people of accomplishment. Who's your best friend? My best friend, well, I'm taking, your my, best taking friend? my wife out no, of it. No, my wife. Who's your be- right. My wife is. My wife's my best friend. Yeah. And you want to know why my friendships with a lot of people in this business, I say this with no judgment. I say this without an ounce of judgment. That my, who my, my, well, a lot of the people I meet in this business, my friendships with them have not progressed. I'm 62 years old in April. Right. So over the many years, you know, your dance card gets full. I got some friends and I got my, now I have my wife and my kids. But you know, I want to know why those friendships didn't progress. I don't drink. And you don't drink. I don't drink. And when you don't drink, that cuts off half the continent to you. It is weird, half isn't it? Half the continent is gone. Because you'll go to a, I went to a party, I'll never forget, a famous actor of the highest order is, uh, is at a fundraising event with me. This is years ago in San Francisco. And we go to this event where there's these speakers and a conference and this panel and all this other stuff. And I was hosting. And this guy was there. And then they take everybody to this really swanky, you know, the drapery and the carpet and the leather. And we go to this beautiful room, uh, dining room, to have a private dinner hosted by the organization, <clears throat> the NGO that's doing it. And uh, it's like 40 people for dinner. And he leans over to me and goes, hey, you want to go in the bathroom with me? And he holds up a vial of cocaine. And I go, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm sober. I, 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 don't, I don't get high anymore. This is 20. I'm 35 years sober. Right. So this is 20 years ago. So I'm 15 years sober. And he looks over me and he's like, and literally the look in his eye, the disappointment he ah. had, he was like, oh, you're not one of them, are you? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, no. really? It was, it was like, oh. And, That's and, so and, undermining. And, and, I don't, and I don't get, but I don't get that reaction. <clears throat> but what I do is I have a nose for people who they want to go out drinking. And then after they're done drinking, they want to go do some more drinking. Yeah. And then after that, they want to do some more drinking. And God bless them, but like I just don't do that. Yeah, it's so funny. They, so there's, there's a whole yeah, now world that I, of now that I don't drink, it's funny. <clears throat> like when I was on vacation with two other guys that don't drink, like we all gravitated to one another. Like it's like we, we because we're not it's drinking, easier. it's, it's easier. just easier. When you're not drinking, it's like it's like speaking. It's like I don't speak French. You I ever mean, miss I, it? I you ever miss drinking? Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, I was one of those guys who'd be like, I mean, I always tell this joke. What is it? Can, a beer that you want? No, fuck that, a beer. Yeah. I, want, I want like six Canadian clubs and sodas and pour them all in one fish tank and give me a straw. <laughs> well, what do you miss about it? Like just the being out of your mind? No, 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 no. What do you miss? What I miss was the bullshit uh, that I told myself. Because in the beginning, before you cross over the line, I'd be, I, I was one of those guys that would drive up the uh, PCH and be in my car and go, man, look at that sunset. Here we are at Zuma Beach, the sun, L.A., the air feels so good. I got my music on. I'm like, it's, this is so great. This is the, everything God made in LA is so beautiful. And I'd say, wouldn't this even be nice if I smoked a big fat joint right now in the parking lot and drank myself a nice, you know, like a big, big thermos full of margaritas, <laughs> you know, give me a thermos full of margaritas and yeah. a joint the size of a flashlight. And that sunset will really start glowing. You and know? did it? Oh, I mean, absolutely! It was fun. Was yeah, I was high uh, uh, and and getting partying and. What was the thing <clears> that got you? Did you hit cocaine? Rock? It was in my book. I overdosed on cocaine. Yeah, I had that a heart attack your... when I was twenty six years old. Oh, it was a heart attack. Did you I snorted a line of cocaine to Saturn? 
Yeah. Then we did one big line on the rings of Saturn. Right. And then we came back with another line of Coke. And you had a, a heart attack. I had a heart attack when I was 26 years old in Oregon shooting you're, a TV show. You're lucky to be on the planet. It was a bad, bad, bad situation. That was your rock bottom. Uh, that was the beginning. And then so what do you do? You go to a meeting? I had a friend of mine get me into, into CA, but I kept drinking. And he said to me, you don't get it. I said, booze isn't my problem. And then I stopped. I said, cocaine was my problem. I, overdose. I didn't overdose on, on, on Canadian Club. Right. <clears throat> but as they say, my drinking increased when I stopped doing blow. So literally, if you know L.A., I'm living in Venice, and I don't want to be drunk in the, behind the wheel of a car, because that's a, and out there they yeah. take it very seriously. And so I would walk down to Market Street, where Tony Bill had that famous restaurant, 72 Market Street, West Beach Cafe. I'd walk to Market Street and sit in a bar, and I'm like, I'm a genius, see? <laughs> I got to figure it out. See? <clears throat> we got the Laker game on. I'm having a plate of pasta. I got the New York Times here, see? And I have six uh, scotches in a row, and I'm going to walk home. Will you still <laughs> go to a meeting? Do I go now? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure, you do? Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I used to go two, three times a week when I was at early sobriety. Ten years as early sobriety to me. So there was... I went all, well, my social life was built around it. Now that I'm married and I have the kids... So you, know. you still have days where you go, I need a meeting because I'm thinking about... I need a about meeting from my thinking, not because of my, my drinking. I don't, I, don't, I don't have any obsession to drink or... I'm never going to drink or take drugs again. Right. But the way I know that is that I'm going to deal with my, uh, my acceptances. You know what I mean? Like, like for example, I'm not only to do, I do this harsh segue, but like the business is stressful. The business is something. I did the movie Motherless Brooklyn with Edward and... The, Ed Norton directed it. Ed Norton directed So the award season is here... The top 20 lists comes out. Edward is nowhere on those lists. I mean, Motherless Brooklyn is completely ignored. Now, there are films. I can be honest. I don't even know. Motherless Brooklyn has been released. Motherless Brooklyn came out. Warner Brothers was the distributor. So, I mean, he had a lot of things. Just, just to encapsulate this, he had a lot of things going for him. A, a, a book that was very popular and people admired this book. Edward is a remarkably gifted man. Edward is a man who knows how to put together a movie and he had and to release a movie. He is a, he is a, a savant. I don't even want to say that. Edward is this startlingly uh, multi-talented man. So he co-writes, directs, produce. He and Warner's, they release the film and the film comes out and get, you know, gets kind of a tepid response. But it's not like from the every, critics a tepid response. Some very yeah. good responses and right. some so-so responses and some, you know, put down. Not a lot of put downs. Not a did lot. Did you of like negative. the movie? I loved it. I you loved, did. loved it. And remember, it is it is nearly impossible. It is virtually impossible for me to to do this and to speak on behalf of a film that I'm in. Right? Now, do I have a small part? I have a supporting role, but it's a pretty decent. I know you part. feel like a shithead going out and tell you, "Hey, this was a really yeah, good come movie. see the film." But right. Edward, now first of all, he calls me and he says. I got Willem Dafoe. I worship. And in my business, you got, you got to, you got to wrap your head around this. I fucking worship Willem Dafoe. Worship him. Great actor. He's one of the greatest actors alive. And he said to me, Willem's in the movie. Cherry Jones is in the movie. Cannavale's in the movie. He names all the people that, uh, uh, Gugu and Petha Raw, who plays the, the young leading lady in the movie. Stunning. And him. And I said, there, I go, Oh my God. I'm like, I'll, I'll pay you to be in the movie. Right. So we shoot the whole thing. I'm, I'm in and out of there over my scenes in two weeks. But my point is, is that the, I had thought when the movie came out that there were other films that were succeeding that had a kind of a vivid theatricality to them. Not everything is marriage story, which I love, which is raw and real. Beautifully done. 
beautifully done. I mean, Scarlett Johansson is fantastic. Exists on another planet in terms of her talent, and Driver is very, very talented as well. Bombback, uh, he was on my podcast. I said this movie puts him in the room with Nichols and Woody. I love and that Barry movie. Levinson. Marriage Story, fantastic. Bombback, great, great. Good. Well, I love, by the I way, love having this conversation. Yes, where we can say positive things about. But doesn't too, it so. doesn't it make the point that if you get your shit on Netflix, people will see it? If Ed Norton had gotten your movie Motherless Brooklyn on Netflix. We'd be talking that's about a very, it. That, that, that's a very important point you're making, which is that, you know, is, is that not only about being on Netflix, it's the, the money that Netflix has to spend to promote and sell their films. Netflix is going to spend, I, 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 I want to guess, in order to, for all of their promotion, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know the facts, and I'm somebody who's not that savvy about the business anymore. They must be spending close to $100 million to promote all of their products. And Netflix, because <clears throat> it's got everyone, everyone's got a subscription and everyone's eyeballs are on there right. and they have this great little right. thing they do. They let you discover. They're Netflix. They're Netflix. Yeah. That's why Ed Norton, real, it's the distrib, it's the distribution that he made Marriage Warners. Story he, too. He, he was with Warners and, 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 and I thought, you know, they did a good job. But the point is this, is that award season is coming. The Oscar balloting ends tomorrow for nominations. Tomorrow right. is the deadline. And I hope that people that hear this show won't forget in the supporting actor category, uh, um, uh, uh, Cherry Jones or in the supporting actors category or Willem. I hope they won't forget Ed for best actor. I hope they won't forget and where there's 10 best pictures. I won't think they won't forget best picture. Not that anyone's expecting them to win, right. but they won't forget them in terms of because there are 10 best pictures now because I think Motherless Brooklyn is a beautifully, beautifully done film. Yeah, beautifully done film. You know, it, and I'm not going to knock other films, but like, like I, I, I sit down. I wanted to take my voting very seriously this year, very seriously. So I sat down with with a box, right, filled with all my fucking uh, DVDs, my okay. screeners, and I you watch them. On the, well, I don't want to watch them on a, on a on a screen. I don't want links. I always want DVDs. Yes. And I sit in my media room and I put them on and I'm watching and I scan one. I'll go. I'll watch twenty minutes. And if it doesn't get me going, what did you watch that you were I don't disappointed? Wanna, I don't want to. Oh, I want I don't you want to. You know why I want I you can't. to? Because how can we get behind Motherless Brooklyn if we don't say there's a couple in there that are going to get nominated? That was a nice try, Howard. Very good. You're very good. <laughs> but but very am good. I not right? I mean, in other You're words, me. Joker <clears throat> is, I think, wonderful. You might not. I was offered a part in Joker and I turned it down. Why? I just didn't. It just didn't. Uh, uh, they wanted me to play a guy. I'll never forget. I talked to the whatever his name Todd is. Todd Phillips. Right. Okay. So I talked to him on the phone. I met him in New York. Yes. And they wanted me to play the guy who... Uh, is you saw the movie? Yes, I did not see the movie. Okay, and they said that uh, who's the guy that's Bruce Wayne's father that punches him in the face in the bathroom? Oh, uh, I don't know who the actor. Yeah, is, yeah, but yeah, a yeah. Scene there. So right. they want me to play that part. So right. it's a role that uh, <clears throat> it's, it's not that complicated. And I said to myself, right. I don't, I don't need the money, and I don't want to, you know, do this this part. And I said to the guy, I go, well, why don't you have it be like um, uh, you see little glints of like a chip off the old block? Like how is Bruce Wayne? Bruce Wayne? Maybe his father is kinder. Right. Maybe the kid's hysterical, and I'm looking at him going, son, you need to get some help. You know, I don't need to punch him. And, and, and we're sitting there, and Todd Phillips goes, no, 
I need you to punch him in the face. <laughs> and I go, okay. So I go home and I call up Asia. I go, tell him goodbye. I don't want to, I, I don't want to do that. Because, because Listen, Todd wasn't willing to. It doesn't really matter about what he was willing or not willing to do. No, the I movie goes on to, the movie goes on to make a shmillion dollars. So what do I know? Cause that's all people care about now. Right. It's all they care about. Right. I mean, yeah. you look at the content of a movie like that. I mean, how, what are they really trying to say? It's a business. Joaquin Phoenix yes. is someone who d does a certain kind of layered performance as a kind of dystopian, uh, and, and, and there's an intensity to all that that's going on that people are all really marveling at the manipulation of the weight, Christian Bale, all this kind of stuff where you're like one minute you're, you know, uh, uh, you're, 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 uh, uh, Dick Cheney and you got a bald cap on the next minute you're, uh, <laughs> fucking Gandhi walking down, you know, whatever you're in a wheelchair somewhere, whatever, all that's great. But, uh, you know, to me, I, 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 I look at that and I go, <clears throat> I, I, I walk away from movies like that and I go, it's like Chinese food. So is the problem I'm like, that... Okay, what's next? But, is, but Marriage but wait Story... wait a second. Is, marriage Story is a movie I watch where I sit there. I was so overwhelmed at the Hamptons Film Festival, and I've said this many times on the air, so forgive me, but Bombeck was there doing a Q&A, and when I went up, I could barely talk to him. I was almost going to cry. I, I said, I yes. can't find the words to tell you how much this meant to me, this movie. I felt <laughs> the same way about that movie. You've I have been divorced. Yes, I have been divorced. And I and thought it hit you like a rock. Like a rock. And I thought uh, Scarlett Johansson was incredibly oh. brilliant in it. And I thought oh. that uh, what she sees the woman that who played Colin the lawyer. Jost, I'll never get. Right. Oh, oh, I always stop say it. that to oh, that's so Whenever I see him, I go, what right. she sees in you, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> what does she see in you? You're handsome. You're funny. You have a job. Poor Colin. What the fuck is she doing with you? I love him. I love him. And I look at him like... You, oh, you hit the jackpot. I mean, like, what is, what is your, what, did like some leprechaun come up and like. He really, he really did. She is yeah, something else. She's like the most stunning actress. But I get from Laura you, Dern plays the. Laura, Laura Dern. Dern. Now, Laura wait Dern. now, wait a second. Now, wait a second. Now, let me tell you something. <clears throat> I see his movie and I had said before uh, publicly, I said, it's like someone followed me around during my divorce and videotaped the whole thing <laughs> and did reenactment. <laughs> re right. Yes. I said, Ray Liotta. I said, to think of all the menacing, awful characters. I said, this is the scariest character. This is the greatest character he ever played. He's the greatest character he ever played. He scared the fucking shit out of me. He was terrific. He was amazing. I didn't recognize him at first. He was amazing. That's Ray Liotta. Laura Dern is amazing. Yes. But here's what I sense from you. That you are saying You're like a shrink. No, here's what I sense from you. I'm getting from you. No, you're saying it. You're trying to be a diplomat. But here's the point you're making about Joker. And here you were offered a partner and all that. And you get it. You're saying that the rest of us, in a way, because we're not trained actors, we're looking at things like people who lose weight, we're looking at over-the-top performances, and we're not getting nuance. And you're trying to tell us that a movie like this uh, uh, motherless... Um, um, Brooklyn. Brooklyn has performances that are more nuanced. No, what, what I think is, that's, I think that's unfair, because, and I want to be very careful. Joker is a movie in which you take a guy who has the admiration of the entire community. Everybody that's in that room when he won, they all think he's got the recipe. He's a very talented. He's done a lot of quirky roles, yes. a lot of very complicated roles. He's done a lot of complicated performance. They view him as a real artist. And then, and it's almost impossible to do this, to take that person and their artistry and embed it in a movie that makes hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. And so, and so <clears throat> that, you know, my hat's off to them to, to, to have a movie that made that much money. 
with him playing, doing his thing, which is a very complex thing. <clears throat> Good for them. But um, what I'm saying is what I think what you said, which I hadn't considered is very astute is that the, the, the Netflix is the colossus that bestrides the globe now. That's right. And, and all of us are kind of in their shadow trying to figure out how to promote ourselves against their machinery. And, I wouldn't have, and good for them. I wouldn't have seen Marriage Story, but it was on my Netflix. My wife and I are sitting there. Finally, I have a free moment. And let's look for, oh, this looks like we've I heard saw about the it. report that my friend Scott Burns did with uh, Adam Driver. We saw the report. Very smart film. You know who was great in that movie? Because you think about, you think about that. We talked about the disposition of actors. We talked about Duval as, uh, uh, we talked about Duval into kill a mockingbird ted levine who's the who's the, the 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 monster in silence of the lambs he puts the lotion in the basket he plays the psychotic damaged guy he plays the head of the cia or some big intelligence guy in the report scott burns's movie he's fantastic He's gleaming. He has so much and authority. Is, is your point about voting? Ted Levine is a great actor. No, let me, let me just say this. I'm watching these movies. The report. I watched The Lighthouse. Robert Pattinson. Let me tell you something. He go. You always watch these young guys, and you wait for them to click. They do a movie. They do a movie. They do a movie. And then they decide. You know something? I, I don't care about what kind of collar I'm wearing on my shirt with my tuck. You know, he's always the handsome guy. He's fucking phenomenal in the lighthouse, Robert Pattinson. He's phenomenal. So he, him and Willem. So he goes to another level. He earned your respect. You what? No, but what, what you're always looking for for young actors is for them to keep going, keep going. They're is they're like they're flying higher, higher. Pattinson is stunning in the lighthouse. I saw a uh, uh, lighthouse uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. We'll end with this because I don't want to beat this whole thing to death. Let me tell you something. I love Pesci in uh, Irishman. And was convinced that he was going to win it all. He's so subtle. I mean, he just, it's so in the pocket and tight and beautiful. And you just love me so good. But then I watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and I see Brad Pitt yeah. and I go, he's fucking great in this movie. Brad when Pitt. he won, yeah. I was so happy. For, first of all, he is the greatest guy you've ever met in your life. Has he been on the show many times? No, I've never, I've never met him. No. I mean, He's no. ever been on the show? Never. He's the nicest fucking guy you've well, ever here's, met. Well, here's, here's the thing. That speech he gave was probably the best speech of the night. Yeah. Because it was so authentic. Yeah. The guy was just like, hey, I'm saying hi to my parents in the Ozarks and uh, all my, this. My, my daughter in Ireland and I, I go, I'm, I'm at the SAGs or the Golden Globes years ago, like 10 years ago. And, you know, Ireland is like 14 or 15 years old. And we were backstage and there's Brad in the green room. And he says, hey, and he's nice to everybody. Right. And it's not about like, are you a big enough star for me to talk to? Or are you my friend? He sees me like, hey, buddy. I said, hey, Brad. He goes, hey, Alec, how you doing? I said, Brad, this is my daughter, Ireland. And he's like, hey, Ireland, how are you? Very nice to meet you, Shakespeare. And my daughter's like, this is like pissing her pants and shitting her pants. And he's like, as nice as can be. He is. The uh, loveliest yeah. guy you've ever met in this business. I've got those kind of looks too, and like women have that kind of reaction. It's yeah. so great. Like, they can barely speak. And what can in you my do? But just yeah. say, you yeah. know, how are you? It's so and great. Be kind. Just be gracious. Did yeah. you ever weigh in on uh, this whole thing Scorsese said about uh, Scorsese uh, says about uh, Marvel that uh, it's not cinema the superhero? Movies. I thought that was a little pretentious. I mean, come on, super. I think I told Robert Downey Jr. this. I think his performance as Tony Stark in Iron Man. I don't know if you've ever seen any of those movies. But I think the guy does a fantastic, but fully the, realized. But, but you're inclined toward those movies. There's some people who see those True. movies. It's it's like. Do you I, see them as crap? No, no, no. I don't see. I, I don't see them. 
I'm, I'm not. I am not a Marvel. Why? It's just not my thing. But the, well, how do you know it's not your thing? I watched one of them, and I'm like, you know, uh, uh, a lot of that computer generated stuff and machinery. Uh, it's just Did you read comic books as a kid? I mean, well, to me, horror and violence and things and things that chill me. It's much more story driven and emotional. When so you're John with- Hurt is on the table, and the alien comes splitting out of his fucking <laughs> abdomen. I go, okay, here we go. Here we go. So you're, you're with Marty Scorsese. No, I mean, when, me, me, meaning I, I don't, I, I don't think Marty meant to condemn those movies. He just said I, it's not <clears> cinema. I think he was trying to say that that uh, it's it's not it's not for him. Right, <laughs> it's not for him. <laughs> Look at you. It's not for him. I Look mean, at I mean, you. And, and I don't. You, you can't dismiss, uh, uh, you know, his 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 opinions. I mean, one time I go see Marty. We were going to go do the Aviator. I had to go meet him about something at his office on Fifty Seventh Street. And I go see him. This is a million years ago. And I'm in his office and, uh, there's a room. I think, I think eventually they moved out of there. Cicalia is his company and they moved out of this building, but there was a room, uh, like a, like a, like a storage room, like a decent sized room, like, like this, this compartment you're in, probably like, you know, like five times that. Right. And, uh, these guys were in there and it's all racks, racks of DVDs and VHS and machines cross transferring material he's into digitizing digit- he's digitized i didn't know that he's digit and, I, and I, I said i said i lean into this woman and i go i go what's going on in there what are they doing in there she goes we're doing all the transfers the digitizing transfers he's trying to save the old movies before well, I they see decay. him that day i go what do you watch i said what do you watch he goes right now right now the movies i'm watching now the movies i'm watching now the movies i'm watching now the movies are now now right now the movies i'm watching now uh, from Afghanistan, I'm into Afghani films. I'm watching all the Afghani films. Like they're coming in, they're pouring into the office. All the Afghani films, I'm transferring them, I'm digitizing them, and I'm watching all the Afghanistani films. I can get my hands on. See, and I'm sitting there going, "Look at this fucking guy." Well, he's that's like, why uh, he's a great filmmaker. You know, the great painters are people who study all of the paintings of the past. So you pick up nuance. You 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 start to understand their style, how they work the brush, how they work color, and you become. I also a, think you don't want to see anybody that's doing anything you're doing. Well, I like think keep, uh, keep your keep, keep your vista over here, and like I don't need to watch people, other people who are doing like gangster films. Right, right? go ahead. I, I got my own uh, thing about that. But 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 to go back to this award season thing, and that is, I do hope people will when you sit down and do your and do your ballot, well, whatever you do. Don't How do many what, people vote? What, what I want to say, whatever you do, don't do what the fucking entertainment press is telling you to All do. All right, that's a good message. The entertainment Be- press is a bunch of idiotic lemmings. In other words... In my business, you only talk to them because you're contractually forced to talk to them. Now, there are people in the entertainment press who are smart, thoughtful, you know. I mean, there's writers who write reviews who I actually admire their writing. I think Anthony Lane in The New Yorker is a really wonderful writer. He may shove it up my ass every now and then, but I think he's a very, very good writer. So you think, in other words, in order Tony to get... Tony Scott in The Times. In order to get the award season correctly, that people who are in the industry who have this privilege of voting on films, they should use their intellect and what they know about acting and not get convinced or sort of Make swayed by box office. mind. Right. Watch the film or you know what you do? Scan it. Take a film, put the DV in or the link, and you watch 20 minutes. And then you skip ahead and watch. If you can't watch the whole thing, scan the 10 films you've been told are, 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 are really the best films. Do you think, do you think people do not watch the films and then just vote because they like I know um, for a fact that somebody who was one of the most powerful producers in Hollywood years ago told me that he would control a block of votes. Because a lot of people, especially archival members, members who were in the academy, who, who their academy membership is the only 
connection they still have to the business. They don't produce anymore or write. Maybe they try. They don't act. They are like an, the elder statesmen, and there's a lot of them out there. There's a lot. There's there's hundreds and hundreds like of, vampires. <clears throat> well, no, I, no, I'm. <clears throat> I don't want to say it as a put down, but what they would do is they'd call this guy, and they go, Bob, it's uh, Wayne Tucker here. The guy was like the script supervisor on, uh, you know, uh, Psycho. Yeah. Hasn't made a movie since 1962. <laughs> He's on the phone with the guy going, now, Bob, uh, what do you like out there? I can't have it at chest see everything. He's out there in Los Angeles, as they say. Uh, and uh, what do you like out there, Bob? What's, what's, what, what are the big pictures you're liking? And this guy like coached him what to vote for. He would move a block of votes. Well, toward these and the reason a bit of that out there. my audience might uh, not be considering this, but I am. Uh, why this is important to you is because if somebody does get that kind of attention on award season, that can make the difference and the movie can make money. I hosted the Oscars 10 years ago with Steve Martin. And you, and you guys were fantastic. I thought we had together. a good show. I thought, uh, you had a, been more than a good show. I thought show. we had a good show. And more importantly, the ratings went up 15% from the year before. Right. And the next year they went down 15% after we did the show. That is very we did true. a very old school show. And I, and I don't take any credit for that. It's Steve. No, because two Steve of you together done, were very funny. Steve had done the show before. But let me just say this. I have a lot of fondness for the Academy. The Academy has a very important function in the business. I'm very proud to be a member of the Academy. I think the Oscars are starting to kind of wobble a little bit in, in terms of their mission to show. They're not that important. And well, but, 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 but I think, and something has to be done. And what I want to say to people is take it seriously. I'm sitting home the last three nights in a row watching, you know, uh, and, and over the holidays, I watch four or five. I'm watching as many films as I can before I vote today. Should they weed out? Some of these alter cockers who are from 1962 and haven't made a film since Psycho, no. uh, or should they weed them out of the voting no. and get some guys like you who are absolutely committed? To no, they've earned their place in it. When I hosted the Oscars, I always say this: I'd be on stage, and they and we'd have a long break. We look at the show run, and the next thing coming out was a song and dance, and an award presented by somebody else. So I'd have like 20 minutes to go to the bathroom. I'd run down the stairs into the house. I'd go give some. I'd say, "Oh, there's." Bill so-and-so, my friend, give him a kiss. There's Bill Macy. Go give him a kiss. <clears throat> Run to the bathroom. They had a little bathroom adjacent for me and a uh, dressing room for me and Steve. So we didn't have to go too far. I went out there and you're in the hallway. There's a guy going, Mr. Baldwin, my name is, uh, my name is Chuck Tyler, Taylor. And I want to say thank you very much for your service to the Academy. I was the stunt coordinator on She Wore a Yellow Ribbon. <laughs> I'd be like, holy wow. fuck. <laughs> you know, Half an hour later, Mr. Baldwin, my name is Muriel Hathaway, and I was the costume, associate costume designer on North by Northwest. <coughs> and for these people who were part of Hollywood, well, Hollywood was Hollywood. Jimmy Kahn did my podcast, and I said, Jimmy, look at your career. Look at the things you got to do. Look at your life. He goes, yeah, he goes, it's never going to be that way again, Alec. He, that was it. It is never going to be that way again. And, he, and he's right. It's a different world because media is just everywhere. You used to have to sit down. When I was a kid, we stood in line at the Bar Harbor Theater in Nassau to go get a ticket to go see The Godfather. Yes. And, and we lied about our age. I was 14 or whatever the fuck I was. And I'm like, I'm 20, see? What's it to you? <laughs> yeah. Give me the fucking ticket, see? Yeah. And we were like, oh, with, and they gave you the ticket. They want to sell tickets. And we'd go there. And if that was sold out, we went to the Pequa Theater, which was another theater in my town. And if that so, was sold out, we went to the Amityville Theater. And my point is, you strange yourself to have an appointment with, with these people. And that's what made it special. 
You could only see Pacino on a screen with a bag of popcorn. We're going to go for a walk. You and me. Without cuffs. You fuck me. I'm going to put one in your back. And we'd be sitting there going, I'm going to put one in your back. In your back. In your back. You'd watch that movie like you were going to church. Right. And th- and now, media's everywhere like fucking mints on your pillow in the hotel. You know what I mean? It's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Well, you make a good point. I don't know what... Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't for know 20 minutes you know, I never even got Please to... Please don't forget <laughs> you know, Ed's movie. Yeah, but Watch I, Motherless, Motherless Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I, I love you, Ed. I love you. I love I that. Never I, love got, that. I still don't understand how the fuck you're making time for this Saturday Night Live, but we'll save it. We'll save it for another time. He, real quickly, so, fr- so that Friday before he calls me, he goes, yeah. I, go, I said, Lauren... I love you. You know I love you. I said, please don't ask me to do it. I can't fucking do this again. It makes me gag. I want to throw up every day. Thinking about it. And he goes, you don't understand. He just said the phrase. He goes, you don't understand. I go, okay. What don't I understand? He goes, how much this means to people. How important this is. This is so important. And I thought and I took a breath. And I go, okay, I'll come and do it once a month. Let me say one more thing. Do you go to rehearsals? If the sketch is something complicated, if it's me at a podium, someone can stand there and read the cue cards, whatever. If it's me doing a scene, like a lot of it's very but, easy. But no, no rehearsal in most times? In other words, you can't... Uh, you Usually, rehearsals are Friday night, right. and sometimes they do the monologue last, so they want me to rehearse at 11 o'clock at night. And I'll say to them, no, meaning, but I will come in. And it also depends on the host. When Eddie came, I said, I'll do whatever you want. It's Eddie. Right. When Will Farrell came, I said, I'll do whatever you want. It's Will. If it's people that I know and admire, I make myself more available uh, for the rehearsal Friday. But Saturday, I'm in there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon writing. Oh, writing. Well, we're, we're, we're meaning they're giving me things, and I'll say, I don't want to say that or change oh, that really? word. No, Jeez, not a lot. This is a big time commitment. No, I mean, not really, but, but, but my point is, is that... The show is better, and I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for this, but the show's better when I'm not on it because that cold opening, it forces them to get more muscular in the writing, and they've written some really great cold openings that don't have Trump. When Trump comes on, it's everybody's disgust with Trump. It's antagonizing Trump. It's everybody's wanting to vent their horrible feelings about Trump. And it's very monochromatic in that way. And it can, and get, in the way, it can get in the way of the comedy, you're saying. Meaning, meaning it's, it, 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 uh, sometimes it can be very funny. Are you distressed about <clears throat> the situation in Iran right now? Um, Are you so distressed that you can't even find the words to express <laughs> your amount of distress? I want to be careful what I say. Because it's like... Well, because you might. Well, because be- Clinton started uh, attacking somebody when he was impeached. That's a, that, that's on the table. Right. Everyone spit that out there on the internet. Clinton did something a variant of this. Here's the thing: we used to have what they called rules of engagement in war. You want a battlefield? You had a gun in your hand. You're in a tank. You're in a plane. You're in war. All bets are off. And if someone put a bomb in a bunker where Eisenhower was and killed Eisenhower, that's not cool. Right. You know, these guys aren't, you know, the, the, the people who are in offices and we, we don't, we're not going to, that's terrorism. And so to take out this guy this way who wasn't in war and to kill him with a drone at an airport, that's not normally our style. We don't do that. And the problem is that, is it, is it, as typically with Trump, Trump embodies an America, which is like a drunk in a bar and they're picking a fight with everybody. And the United States has a pretty good fight record. They've won, but they've lost some, too. When we lost, we had our excuses. We had our explanations, Vietnam, whatever. But the point is, right now in the world, it's like, how many places can we have fights with? 
How many people can we find? We're broke. We don't have any money. We're, 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 we're printing money. The, the country's trillions of dollars in debt. Are we at war <clears throat> with Iran now? Would you say it's an act of war without uh, congressional approval? I think as far as I think as far as Iran is concerned, are we yes, not? Yes, we are at war. To drone this guy in an airport and whack this guy like some mafia thing. And they will come uh, back and then we will go after them is what it seems like. Well, I mean, like. I think that they're going to do things. I don't think anything's going to happen over here. But I think since 9-11, we've got this place pretty tightened up now. Right. You know, but but I I, I could be wrong, but I, I hope so. But I think that over there, I, I you know something, I I just am tired at my age of seeing young men and women sent over there to die, and to have their body parts blown off, and to have a horrible life, no life or a horrible life ahead of them because of the ignorance of people. Remember, the problem in America is that the American people are by and large very decent, hardworking, and very very. Uh, uh, um, I think aware people for the most part. I mean, there's a lot of them that aren't, but, and the government is run by these maniacs and the chasm between the two. That's the crisis in this country. So you, there's nothing you can do to stop them. So you, you don't care. McConnell doesn't care what you want. McConnell doesn't give a shit. You say to McConnell, you're going to have witnesses in the trial, right? You have a real trial. Fuck you. No. And there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing, nothing. Nothing. The American people have lost control of their government completely. The relationship between the two is completely severed. Come over here and sit on my lap. <laughs> All right, look, <clears throat> don't go filming. Are you going to invite me over your house next summer? Yeah, yeah next summer. I'm I invited invite. somebody. I'm going to just say this. I invite you'll appreciate this. Uh -huh. Do you get invited all the time? Occasionally. You do. I, I, mean, I know he's a superstar. And superstars <laughs> always sit there with their, their staff and a list. They're like, what do you think? Who should we see? Should we push Gwyneth with Paul? You are d should we have describing the opposite of my life. <laughs> should we shoot Gwyneth next to McCartney? What should we do? I don't have that. And he, should we should, uh, That's your buddy, Lauren. Should we Lauren. sit Seinfeld next to? How dare you? Uh, That's uh, your buddy, Lauren. Paulie Shore? I mean, Paulie Shore? Yeah, I'd probably get thrown out depending on who's coming. So, so Robin I, was invited, but Paulie Shore somebody, showed up. I invite, I invite somebody who's very well known. I won't say who it is to come to my party. Uh, we're having a dinner party, and I invite them over. And 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 she says to me, "Oh no, no, we can't go." She goes, we're, "We have we have an engagement. We're going to Howard's for dinner." And she goes, "You weren't invited to Howard's dinner, just like that." Really? And I was like, Did that and, happen? And I went, I went. No, I wow. wasn't. Oh. oh my God! Listen, I would have you over any time. I don't know what happened. That house, I clean your pool at that house. I just see you're very busy. That's why I don't bother you. I you're... could go in that house and go to dinner with you and then not leave and hide out. No one would he know. He wouldn't know. It's like, Sunset Boulevard. it's like Sunset Boulevard. Listen to me. You've said you're a Norma lot. You're Norman Desmond. You're Norman Desmond. Norman. You're Norman Desmond. Norman Desmond. I'm Howard Desmond. <laughs> Listen, you've said a lot. In fact, you've talked now for close to two hours. I mean, I'm in love with you. Well. Same way. You when you're trying? on a date with someone and you're in love with them, doesn't the time? Who can, time, time, care about time? We could the candle has burned all the way down into the bottle of Matus. Let's do something all where over the tablecloth. We take 15 hours and get it all out, then we never have to see each other again. We'll just get every bit of conversation. Be out. like an interrogation. Yeah, that's right. We'll, do, we'll we'll take off with those two guys. We'll do my dinner with Norman. Norman Desmond. We <laughs> learned Norman. you're an NYU graduate now. Yep. That you went and you earned. got a degree. That got was degree. very impressive. I got my degree. You got it. <laughs> you, Talking to you. No, who? That's right. You did. I got my degree. And I just want to say, uh, 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 I got a show I'm doing. I start next. I can't talk too much about it. Go Dr. Ahead. Death. 
Dr. Hmm. Death is based Jamie on a Dor- true story. Based on a podcast, Laura Beale. She is the producer and a journalist. Uh, you are not Dr. Death. You are one of Jamie the doctors. Jamie Dornan is Dr. Death. You're one of the doctors. I'm a genius, see? Yeah. I get the guy who's the start of Fifty Shades of Grey. He's going to bring all his fans in there. And then I just step in with the scrubs and go, oh, and say something pithy. How many? What, what, you've been offered Jamie this, Dornan is the lead. You haven't started shooting this yet. We start shooting in March. Okay. And 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 you're preparing already, or you don't even need that much prep. I, well, I have some questions to ask. We may go down to Dallas to talk to some people for a little bit. Well, maybe we'll see. Right. I'm waiting. Where for are more you shooting this one? Puerto Rico. New York. No, no, he's actually Puerto shooting Rico. it. He he wants to get out of the house so bad. He's shooting it in Iran. <laughs> <laughs> we're shooting at the Iranian at, at the Baghdad airport, and then we and, and then we're going to get some B-roll in Syria. <laughs> All right, listen to me. Doctor Death, Jamie Dorden, Christian Slater. Ooh. Right. No, there's no release date. There's nothing. I have no information. NBC sent me a text this morning. They were like, "Don't say anything." Let Ralph ask Dr. you a question, real quick. Ralph. Can we take some questions, just real quick. Ralph, okay, what is the quick question? Hey, hey, quick, quickly, and also watch Iron Man, Alec. It's a great movie. Favreau's the first one. It's just a great That's movie. Right. Oh, a yeah, great yeah, give it a chance. Movie. I agree with uh, Ralph, and um, you know he's a critic. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, he's busy so with award season. Stop it. Yeah, he's busy fast forwarding yeah. through <laughs> awards and, 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 and <laughs> movies. Speaking of awards, so quickly, the was nominated for six six awards, Golden Globes. It won none. They, they're talk, be, Are they being snubbed? Is Netflix? Is it fair that they release them at home? Should they be with the Oscars? I get the impression Alec is not that impressed with Irishman. No, that's true. I loved Irishman. I loved. I, I, loved I think it. you loved. like Pesci's performance. No, I love Bob. I loved Al. I mean, I, loved, I loved Irishman. I, just, I thought. I thought. But the really. So were the they? Arcing emotional. No, well, I don't think they were not. Uh, it was it was legit. Well, you're talking about the Golden Globes. Yes, the, the Golden Globes are a bunch of people who it's not like the Golden Globes are a bunch of people who do what they have to do. Right. They're an organization that's kind of hat in hand to people there. So you don't take they it have seriously. to curry favor. Right. I, I wouldn't go that far, but I used to not take it seriously. They've got to spread them around. Okay. Gotcha. I think that they have some choices. They they've got difficult choices to make. Doesn't it seem like it was about three days ago we FaceTimed Alaria? Like that's yeah. I, I, mean, know. I, I was like, supposed to be a jury duty at ten o'clock. No, no you're, you're yeah. done. You're going to jail. But the judge, I just texted the judge. The judge was like, "It's Howard. Don't worry." We learned you <laughs> took Alaria, your wife's virginity. That was a, that was mind blowing. Isn't it funny how when I do this show, I swear to God, I could be with a guy who's like sweeping the streets, the guy that's putting the schmear on my bagel. I could be with a guy in a limo, and they're all the same at the sound. They all say the same to me every time. They're like, "Alec, Alec, love John Howard." Howard. 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 They all said, love John Howard. Anyway, look for Alec Baldwin in Dr. Death coming soon. One of these days. To NBC streaming service Peacock. Everyone's got a streaming service. It's hard to know where to go see the Peacock. That's important. That is important. It's important. Uh, also, look, vote for if you're an Academy voter, which I'm watch I'm, Motherless Brooklyn, the screener. Mo- I think there's something in there. Ed there's Norton. some beautiful set design. Right. There's some beautiful cinematography. I'm going to look at it. Award. I'm not and a I voter, but say, I will Edward look. is. A masterful filmmaker. I love you, Edward. There it is. I love there you it both is. equally. I love you and him. I love Howard and Edward <laughs> the same. <laughs> Anything you've said it all, right? Uh, no, I think but you I got it all out. No, but I got to go interview Kelly O'Hara right now for my podcast. Oh, then, okay. Then listen, you got things. To I do. love you more than I love you too. Thank you, Alec. We'll be back right after these words. All right. I feel like a lot of people want to talk to us. We have to get to news and we have to end up uh, finishing uh, close to 11 o'clock. I don't know how to jam it all in. Tomorrow I have a day where I'm going to do everything that I couldn't get to today. Sure. Including play. Yes. Tomorrow, <laughs> you better tune in early because I'm going to go through. You're what- just going to just 
It hit one thing after the other. What happened backstage at Holly Weird Squares? I'm going to uh, get to all the phone calls. I'm going to get to an entire year in review. Don't even ask what tomorrow's show is going to be like. <laughs> I've been preparing it over vacation. People thought I was on vacation. I was preparing for Wednesday's show. And that's that. Real quick, Chad, go ahead. I'll give everybody a couple of seconds. Go ahead, Chad. In Florida. Hey, man, I just wanted to wanted to thank you guys for that conversation you just had about Iran and the situation. It was in the Marines for eight years. And when the presidents make some unpopular decisions, everybody talks shit. You and Alec had a great conversation. You talked about, you know, the repercussions. You talked about the thought that had to go into it. And clearly are concerned with what our country's getting into. And it wasn't smack talk, man. And that goes a long way Absolutely. for a lot of the people that have well, asked for service. What he was talking about is, is his concern for servicemen. That, you know, it, it, the, the reality is a lot of guys are going to die. But not only that, yeah. Howard, that uh, the government is doing one thing and they're not uh, taking into account the will of the people. And I used to say that about other countries that, you know, you, we're killing those people, but they're not the government. And now we're becoming those countries. Apples, you're on the air in Colorado. Hey, now, Howard. Great hey now. interview today. Thank you. Um, did, did you see the Hollywood Reporter uh, article? Yes. At, uh, with uh, Betty Thomas? I did. I, I actually listened to her interview. They they had her on some sort of Hollywood Reporter. What's this all uh, about? That's what I meant. Betty Thomas, the headline was, Private Parts Director Betty Thomas recalls having a crush on Howard Stern. Oh. We would have been a hot couple. Well, I'm going to tell you, I I, I listened to it, and and Betty was talking about things about the movie Private Parts, which I think is almost 25 years old now. At least. At least. It's got to be. And uh, she was saying things I didn't even know. The most, forget about having a crush on me. She said that when it came down to it and she was casting for Pig Virus, she had this wonderful choice to make between Paul Giamatti who ended up with the part. And uh, who's the blonde-haired guy? Philip Seymour Hoffman. So, yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Wow. Who is another fabulous actor, no longer with Love us. Love Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I didn't know that because I was in on the, the casting somewhat, and I just remember uh, watching the auditions of uh, Paul Giamatti and thinking he was great. I never, I never saw the uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman stuff, uh-huh. so I didn't even know that. And one of the revelations was that she uh, feels that the two of us would have been a good couple. She had. Uh, she was in a, a relationship then. Yeah, so was I. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's but, a must, <laughs> uh, you know what it is when I put on that fartman costume, I'm irresistible to women. <laughs> but uh, you know, I know what Betty's talking about. When we were making that movie, I did fall in love with her. And when I say fall in love, I don't mean a romantic love or anything. But it is sort of like a romantic thing. I guess it's what Alec Baldwin's talking about when you get. How many people in their life get to make a movie? But there's such a collaboration between the actor and the director. And in my case, because the movie was about me, Betty and I were really, it was like a... Well, you were together every day for a long, Every day long on the phone and, it, and, and talking through every scene and what it might be like if we did this or that. It was a cosmic connection. It was a, one of the deepest connections I've ever had with a person for four or five months. And... You know, wow, it's intoxicating. I can't even tell you. Plus, you're getting that you, service. You get, you yeah. Ever, I mean, not that you would ever cheat on your wife or anything like that, but did you ever have a moment where you were like, 
man, I could see this, you know, we're having drinks or we're talking about the movie and maybe I could see me going to her hotel room or something like that. No, no, it wasn't like that, but it really wasn't. It was just, I loved this woman. I still do. I, I, there's some, there's just something, even if I was, I haven't seen her in years, but if I saw her, it would be a fun, it would just be, it would be so, I'd be so fond of seeing her. Yeah. Uh, It's hard. It's hard. Can we get her in the studio for an interview? For, for Betty? I bet, well, Betty, yeah. listen, when we did the movie, Betty was in the studio, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it would be relevant now. Maybe uh, we'll see. We would love it. All right. Apple. Maybe on the 50th anniversary. Hey, of She hey, said Howard, a bunch of things had, in there that I actually didn't agree with, or I, I they're, they're, they're not my memory of, um, she told a story. I have no idea what she's talking about. She told, she tells a story where she turned to me as a director and said, I think, you could show more honesty here or something. You know, she gave me some sort of note. And she says, I said to her, like, oh, admit I eat baked potatoes in the bathroom. And I was listening to the story and I went, do you eat baked potatoes in the bathroom? I've never eaten a baked potato in my, <laughs> and I, 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 I think I understand. I'm not an actor, but I certainly understand when a director says show more honesty, that it's an emotional note. But she claims that <laughs> I gave her that ridiculous answer. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, maybe that's true, but I don't. I don't recall. But you don't like actually that. do it. Uh, you don't no. recall that. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't recall that. But uh, but making that movie was a pure joy. It truly was. And I'm, uh, one regret I do have is that I've never had time to act again. I I, I don't want to make the time. Well, as Alex said, you're acting every day. You're acting every day. Well, actually, Marlon Brando said that. Or or maybe De Niro. I don't even remember. <laughs> was it uh, Marlon Brando? Yeah, it was Marlon Brando okay. talking to um. Cabot. Yeah. All right, Apples, thanks. Hey, Howard, thanks so much. Hey, can I say something real quick? Um, my dog passed away yesterday, and that's one of the, one of the hardest things anybody can do. The worst. Do. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how you can how you do that pet rescue, man. If you have to see those cats come in and you get attached to them. Cause oh, man. I, I love that dog, man. That was, man. We that was love our, I tell you, I think about my dog still to this day. I was looking at a picture Bianca. of... Uh, well, you know, when, when Adam Sandler was up here with his uh, with his bulldog, I was like, oh, man, I miss Bianca. Yeah. She was the best. And I my, think about Bianca a lot. Yeah, and my wife and I talk about Bianca all the time. And I got a big tattoo on my arm, so I can't forget about her. I see it every day, Bianca. She Sometimes was the best. I'll see something bulldog, and I'll say, oh, I don't know if that would be a good idea to get that. You know, some cute little figure or something. Yeah. Well, I advise you, Apples, if you're going to put your dog's name on your arm, just be prepared to be, like, a little bit sad every day. Oh God! Is it? it I mean, do, do you regret that decision ever? No, I mean, like, I don't. Even talking now, Howard likes to I, be sad. I break yeah, crying. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm okay Howard with being sad. It's the only time I feel anything. <laughs> Thanks, apples. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Hey, bye. Yeah. Yeah, losing your dog. Oh, that's the worst. But losing any pet. Yeah. I mean, oh, my cat. Attached. I said to my cat Walter the other day. I talked to him. I I spend ten to fifteen minutes a day talking to him. Heard that's good for your cat. I brush him. I talked to him. I said, Walter, he's like 13 now. I said, you cannot fucking leave me. I will be so pissed. How are you feeling? Are you okay? What can I do? Don't overeat. I know Beth over, she, she feeds you too much. I, you got to just turn you gotta, down. You can't do that. Why are you doing that? Walter, you got to skip a few meals. <laughs> I talked to him like that. And Beth walks in the room and she goes, who are you talking to? I go, I'm talking to Walter. 
She thinks I'm nuts. But she also, I think, thinks it's charming. Who knows? I checked in with her the other day. So you still love me? Are you sure? She goes, yeah. I said, okay. Well, what if she had said, I'm not sure? I would have sucked. <laughs> and then I would have probably said, like, hey, is there anything I can do to keep your interest? <laughs> and if not, I understand. Oh, you. Yeah, Betty, in this interview, uh, getting back to Private Parts, the um, movie, she said she was pretty sure she hated me before meeting me. And then she walked in the room. And she came here. She, Ivan said, look, if you're going to do the movie, you have to go meet with Howard. And she was like, oh, I do? And he was like, well, <laughs> How yeah. How is he going to direct you and never meet you? Yeah, he goes, well, he's got final approval. Yeah, you, you got to go meet him. She was like, oh, then forget it. And he said, no, 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 go meet him. And uh, she was waiting for me. We were doing the show, wrapping up, and uh, she was waiting for me in the green room. And we were doing something disgusting. And uh, Oh, God. Yeah. And, and then I walked in, and I walked over and shook her hand. And she claims I was so nervous I was shaking. And that charmed her. I don't remember it like that, but I do remember wanting to. I really wanted her to direct. I had seen the movie Late Shift. Uh-huh. And I knew that she'd be the right director for this film. I just knew it. And if I, and if she didn't direct it, it just would have sucked. Not that the movie might have sucked, but, but she needed to be the director. Ivan knew it. I knew it. So I, I was nervous in the sense that I really wanted her to do the movie. Well, you can't be aware of everything. Maybe you were shaking a little bit. Yeah, I probably had to pee. That's why I was shaking. <laughs> you know, I have to pee, right? I always have to pee during this show, but... I don't like to get up off my chair and break the connection I have. I find I like to like be in the moment. If I go pee, it takes me out of it. So I'm still holding it in. Just be aware of that, Robin, what I give up for the show. Okay. Robin, I'm going to play a little song about you. Do we have do we have things that I need to talk about? Yeah, but you it, it wouldn't be your news without some sort of tribute. So here's the tribute to you. Sucking Robin's two tits. Okay. Robin's brown tits. Yeah. That's where I'll be. Come suck on Robin's big tits with me. Absolutely. I have big pendulous breasts. Nothing could be oh finer my God, this is keep going. than her vagina. <laughs> That's where I'll be. It's a joke thing. I know. Here. This was set in by uh, Titty Tim. Titty Tim. <laughs> Everybody run as fast as you can and jump it's in my going. pussy. Wow. Really? Wow. <laughs> when did you say that? I don't know how they got that one. Titty Tim uh, sent that in. I miss Tiny Tim. He was a great guest. He was. I was thinking about him not too long ago. I don't know why. But I was thinking, wow, I wonder what Tiny Tim would be like now. Oh, let's say um, Happy New Year to Jeff the Drunk real quick because he gets upset. Hey, Jeff. Oh, not there. That's weird. Well, don't say we didn't pick up on you. Hey, did I do something wrong? Oh, I see why. I got it. What? Oh, there, Jeff. There's Jeff. Hey. Hey, Howard. <laughs> yeah. What's up, buddy? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. That was a good interview with Alec. Oh, he's great. I mean, this guy, and whenever he oh. calls and says he wants to come in, I just say, come in, because... Uh, I, I, he does such great impressions, you know. When yeah. he was sitting there, he can drop into a Pacino, or Tony a Pesci, Bennett. or a Bennett. Yeah, 
It's awesome. He's wonderful. He really does a good in. Yeah, I've actually sat with him off the air, and he'll start telling me a story, and then he does like 50 voices, and I'm like, <laughs> Jesus, is this guy showing off how talented he is or what? Uh, you know, the one thing, I, I because he was such a good-looking guy, at the beginning of his career, he never really did much comedy. Right. And he's so funny. So I wondered when he knew he was funny. Anyway, Happy New Year, Jeff. Yeah, he does a, a good Trump. Right. Yes, he does. And um, I was thinking, you know, his brothers act as well. Yes. But um, I don't think they should have followed in his footsteps. Why not? They got a pretty good life. Steven had a pretty no, good no, run in the movies. So did Billy. He's like a... A number one, and they're like number yeah, but four. they had a pretty good run. I mean, Daniel Daniel's actually a really good actor. Um, uh, Billy Baldwin had a great career. So did Stephen. I mean, Stephen uh, was in a great movie, The Usual but, Suspect. Yeah, they don't they they didn't have the success that uh, Alec has. Right. Well, I'm just saying he's the best. Yeah. Out of, all. of all the Baldwins. <laughs> out of all four Baldwins, he's the number one Baldwin. All right, Jeff, making a point. Thank you, Jeff, and we look forward to your calls. Yeah, yeah what's up, Ralph? Well, speaking of number one, I think, you know, you have a lot of great regular guests like Spade and, you know, whoever else. But Alex got to be the best. He's the best. He comes in, his attitude, he, he his openness, his perspective. I mean, that interview was funny to insightful. He loves you, so he just comes and does it. It's just great. I could yeah. listen to you guys do another two hours. I'll it's tell just- you the truth. I wasn't kidding. I mean, I would sit with that guy because I have. I, I mean, I've had him over my home and. He'll just sit and tell stories, and he's even more, uh, you know, he, he's even more loose. Because he does impressions uh, with the stories. Yeah, are- no, he, <laughs> and he does everyone. And, and, and I tell you, it's like I just sit there and shut up and let him talk. It's, it's just endlessly fascinating. Yeah, yeah, he's just great. I mean, I can just listen back to that. Yeah. Really great stuff. All right, Ralph. Number one. There you go. Number and he's right. He, by the way, he's right about the Joker. That's so overrated, and he, oh. he won't win Best Actor for an Oscar. All right. Don't want to bet money on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll bet you, Robin. Who do you think's going to win then? I don't know. We don't know what's nominated. But if he gets, if if, if Phoenix is gotten uh, the nominations out already. Well, like Alex said, it was the, no the the nominations for the Oscars. Yeah, I thought they had come out. They haven't come no, out yet. They haven't. No, that's why no, Alex. Talking to, he, yeah, Alex. Oh, that's right. I thought they were voting. Yeah, but uh, I don't know, man. Uh, Alec made a good point about you know he listen he understands acting, but I don't know. I he was not yeah, like knocking could, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's performance. No, but right, he was saying we're caught up in the you know because it's more of an outrageous part over the top and a lot of. Physical physicality, losing the weight. No, he said this. This was a guy who does a certain type of acting, and then to make a hundred million dollars or more, right, right. You don't usually get those two together. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know, man. I I loved uh, his performance. I love the Joker. Yeah, Yeah. I love the movie. You look at like he was. He was sort of saying like Adam Driver. I mean, you look at like Marriage Story. Like you guys were saying, such a great movie, and it's so nuanced and believable, and you just kind of buy into these two people's lives. The Joker is just like I don't know. It's just like pounding you over the head with the same thing for two hours. All right, All right. Well, I, listen, I gotta go. 
I mean, I, I want to end on time. I'm, I'm not blowing you off, dude, but I, I got to go. I, because I know. Go. go. I got Thank 20 you. minutes, and I want to do the news, and I want to go home. Got a fucking headache. You know. Why do you always have a headache? Because I doing a four-hour show is, uh, you know, I'm not the, I'm not 30 anymore. Do you really have a headache, or is this I just something you say? I said I have a headache. <laughs> Whether it's true or not is irrelevant. <laughs> now, Alec did impressions, Robin, of the following people. Okay. Joe Pesci. Yes. Lee J. Cobb. Roger oh, Daltrey. Oh, my God, that's right. Al Pacino, Woody Allen, Tony Bennett, Martin Scorsese. James Conn and Lorne Michaels. I, mean, yes. I, I thought they were all, that was And Scorsese good. was right on the money. Right on the money. There you go. Donnie Wahlberg. Donnie Wahlberg. Now you're talking. He's one of these people who knows what to do. I don't know. How do people know what to do? You're saying Donnie knows what to do? Yeah. Or so, Mark knows what to do. Who? Mark. Mark who? Wahlberg. No, Donnie. You're saying Donnie knows what to do? Donnie knows what to do. I'm talking about being a human being. Oh. I'm not talking about Well, I don't know anything about career. that. I'm out of this discussion already. <laughs> His wife, Jenny McCarthy, tweeted, you know, like, she's so excited. They went out to an IHOP. Right. On, like, New Year's Eve and uh, to... Wish the waiter a happy new year. The waiter at IHOP, they wanted to wish him a happy new year? They yeah. knew him? No, they didn't know him. They oh. were just there. Okay. They got a waiter. It's New Year's. What does he do? Gave him a big tip. $78 tab. Go ahead. What's the tip? If he wanted to make the newspaper, a thousand bucks. 2020. Oh, $2,020? Yeah. Wow. That's nice. That's beautiful. And then I'm reading on, and it says he once also found a fan a kidney match. Wow. Hey, I appreciate my fans, but I'm not, uh, you know, I can't find you a kidney. (laughs) No offense. You're going to have to do that one on your own. So, yeah, he's he's one of those guys that uh, is very impressive as a human being. I mean, one time I blew Bobo. I love my fans. Uh, I mean, this isn't on, is it? Yes, I can hear everything. Oh, I never blew Bobo. <laughs> <laughs> A new Imagine gadget that. could be the answer when you're out of toilet paper. Uh, sorry about that. Out of toilet paper. Would you just have a hiccup? Or I you had bounced? a hiccup. It's cute when you have the hiccups. Charmin has created a robot. To wipe your ass? That delivers a fresh roll straight to the bathroom. What? It connects to a cell phone. Yeah. So simply alert the roll bot when you need it. And the toilet paper producer unveil the device at the Consumer Electronics Show that's going on now in Las Vegas. It also showed off a sensor that reveals if a bathroom is stinky before you step in. Right. For now, the gadgets are only available to those attending the show. But you could get the uh, Rollbot, is what they're calling it. Rollbot. And uh, this other gadget that'll tell you if it stinks in the bathroom before you go in. I'm pretty cool about that. You know, for some reason, my duty doesn't smell. To you. No, I, I mean, I'm telling you, like, I can open, leave the door open afterwards and there's no odor. 
Are you sure? No. Yeah. Who have, have you tested this on? Fred. <laughs> Who bad. else? He loves you. Not bad. I go, Fred, come in here and test. I want to do a test. You know, this is something we sometimes have tape up. Did you see that uh, Sarah Gilbert and Linda Perry are splitting up? They made yeah. that announcement over I'm very upset. the break. They've been together for five years, I think, and have shared a child. But I guess the uh, romance has gone out of that relationship. And so even though they still love and care about each other and will continue to co-parent, they will no longer be together. Sarah Gilbert's a lesbian? (sighs) I didn't know that. What? (laughs) Stop it. You know what? You know what was really kind of funny? I was watching those Golden Globes and uh, Kate McKinnon came out and talked about being a lesbian. And Beth said to me, I didn't know she was a lesbian. And oh, I said, I've known that. Yeah. No, I said, that's that's she's pretty out there with that. But then like um, Ralph was telling me yesterday, he he was like kind of shocked that she uh, he thought she was coming out on TV. I said, no, I think she's yeah. been out there for a while. Yeah. She just doesn't make a big deal about it. Well, what I did was I went back when to when Sarah was announcing her engagement to Linda back in 2013. To yeah. see what she was saying about Linda Perry then. I wonder what, wonder what those two did in bed together. What Look. women do, I guess. So steamy. What do you think? Like play with each other's titties for an hour. <laughs> Super steamy. <laughs> right? Hey, uh, can I smell your sweaty Because supposed to be like all sensitive. Right. Oh, like she just caressed my nipples like a butterfly. <laughs> Everything's soft. Everything's soft, so delicate. Soft, soft. Men are so rough with our nipples. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't even care about your nipples, to be quite frank. I don't even spend five seconds on your titties. I'm right into the vagina. Right on those sensitive nipples, my friend. I don't even care about your tits. Well, what a shame. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll kiss them and I'll rub them for a couple of seconds. But I, can't, I don't have all day. i got to get back to work. Well, let's but, listen to the good old days. Okay. You think they 69, those two? Or did? I think they did. Probably. I think that'd be fun if I was a lesbian. I'd like want someone sitting on my face and then like at the same time that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like at the same time I'm sitting on their face, they could sit <laughs> on my face with my vagina. Oh, would you eat my vagina? Ah, pussy. Suddenly the people picnicking next to us pull out string in- instruments from under the blanket <laughs> and walk over and they start. Oh, so playing. Sarah proposed, and she. No, it sounds like Linda proposed. Oh, and you mean people at the picnic? She took her to a picnic, and then they 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 whipped out instruments. Right, because she had arranged wow. for musicians to be there. Yeah, I saw Linda more in the male role. If the you know, if you want to go by traditional roles, <laughs> I saw Linda as being like the more masculine. Love song with the guy that is playing guitar and singing and then she goes to her backpack and she pulls out some t-shirts and the first t-shirt says will and then she puts on another t-shirt that says you marry me and the last one's a question mark and then she goes to her backpack and she gets a ring and i'm like well yeah after that spectacle i mean now (laughs) see women are better than men at this yeah that was quite a quite a proposal different Costume changes. <laughs> Linda, the cellist, uh, handed the cello to Linda and she rubbed my vagina with it <laughs> and entered me with the cello. I wonder what those two were up to. I always wonder what people are doing in bed. I kind of hand, I got a handle on what a man and a woman are doing. But- 69! 
know what every man and woman are doing. That's true. I mean, I, Ronnie. You didn't know his... Ronnie was getting pegged. No, I had no idea he was getting <laughs> shit up his ass. I, I it's still fucking. But what do you mean? Blows, what's wrong with me? Blows my mind. <laughs> but I could see Linda Perry putting a strap on on and really? entering uh, Sarah Gilbert. You didn't think they were such hardcore lesbians? No strap on. I think that Linda Perry was using her finger and tongue. And Sarah said, I need something more. <laughs> and she got up on all fours and Linda Perry put a penis on and uh, actually uh, entered. Really? So I believe that that is what happened. <laughs> At least in my mind. Okay. I thought this was interesting. There were a lot of parties around the Golden Globes. And I guess uh, there was sort of a reunion of Nirvana. And they had a lot of different people singing. I think Beck did most of the singing for uh, Kurt Cobain when uh, Dave Grohl took to the drums and other oh, yeah. band members were playing. And Chris Novoselic no was there. Novoselic was there. Chris <laughs> Novoselic was there. I'm not sure he was but. there. Yes, I guess he was. Yeah, he was there, and then somebody who uh, also played guitar with them came and joined them. Cool. And then, like I said, Beck and a couple of other people were taking over the singing duties. But uh, one of the people taking over singing duties was Violet Grohl, who sang Heart Shaped Box. Yeah, it's Dave Grohl's daughter. One, one. Need a better mix. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was watching some documentary on the internet. It was Dave Grohl. He was making an album in his garage. And then he had Chris Navasalala come in <laughs> and replace the uh, bass player on one song. And uh, it, it, it made me nostalgic. It was kind of cool to see those two guys working together mm -hmm. again. I like that. Well, you missed this concert. Who's Sarah Gilbert going to date now? I mean... Or she could date anyone. And I don't feel satisfied with your story there. Like, what broke those two up? What, what did, well, who got tired of who? I need more. <laughs> I think I'm that fascinated. Here's what my take is. Good. That, now you know, Sarah said that she had to stop doing the talk. Right. Because she needed to spend more time with her family. Right. So it's, things were shitty back then. Yeah. Plus, she that was doing was the that first TV show. Indication, you know, she wasn't spending a lot of time at home. But she was doing the new Roseanne show too. Right. She. Right. That's why she was quitting the talk. She didn't want to quit the Roseanne show. I say Sarah's got somebody already. Really? That's right. I'm, I mean, I'm making this stuff up. I mean, go with me. Yeah. That's right, Robin. I keep trying to find out what you know. I don't know anything <laughs> about anything. I know you know. Yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know, but I feel Sarah Gilbert has got somebody. All right. we. I'm sure it'll be out soon if that's the case. I can't wait to see who it is. Think it'll be another famous person? Yeah, and I would like that. I would like Linda Perry to come on the show and tell me what Sarah Gilbert did to her in the bedroom. <laughs> I'm sure she's about. She's running down the hall now. Oh, she's probably on the phone now, trying to get through. Been seeing a lot of stuff about Australia, and like I was watching this woman doing some kind of news report from Australia, and that accent really is something different. 
forget the word. I got to look. I'm going to bring it in tomorrow. She said a word. I was like, how the fuck did Australians start saying that word that way? How did we start talking this way? Well, we talk normal, Robin. No, we came from. No, this language came from England. We have a wonderful way of talking. Everybody else. They talk that way. How did we start talking this way? I'm going to find this word. It's wild. And how did the Canadians start saying out, 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 <laughs> boot and a boot? boot. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a very odd accent. <laughs> they should get rid of that. Uh, and even the New Zealanders, who aren't far from the uh, Australians, have a little bit of a different sound. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of daughters, you know Pat Sajak, he is now back on the job after having had surgery, but they're still running shows where uh, Vanna White was substituting for him. And uh, on Monday's show, they had a special letter turner, Maggie Sajak, Pat's Ma. daughter, stepped in no kidding. to help out. Yeah, one seven. Maggie say, Jack. You know, I could do this even better hosting the show with the say, Jack. Everyone, please welcome Pat's daughter, Maggie say, Jack. First of all, how's Pat? He's doing well. From the perspective of his daughter, it was a scary experience. I'm not going to lie, but he's doing great. And I know he's so excited to be back next week. Is she hot like Vanna? She's very pretty. Oh, yeah? Yeah. We'll be back. To, we'll be glad to. Twenty-five have, years old. Mm-hmm. Have him back as well. Yes. And Ralph watches that show because you know he has time and uh, Wheel of Fortune. And he said Vanna was kind of a train wreck doing it. We played a little bit, and it didn't mm-hmm. sound like she should be in Pat's chair or wherever he he goes. He so be over there by the letter board. This Maggie Sajak. I mean. Turning letters is a pretty tough job. Uh, did she have the gift? I mean, was she good natural? <laughs> she didn't at it? turn over one wrong letter, from what wow. I understand. So she's really good at it. <laughs> do you think that's in the blood, or that's something she learned? You know, maybe she could do Pat's job too. Maybe she can do both. Yeah, we'll have to see. I got to see a couple of those episodes. <laughs> well, you better Vanna tune White. in quick because, like I said, Pat is back at work. Yeah, a hundred years ago, I met Vanna White on on that show, and she was pretty nice to me. And Pat Sajak was a fuck. <laughs> he wouldn't yeah, appear with me. Yeah, we even had Vanna White on our show. Oh, did we? Yeah, once when we were out in L.A. doing one of those, you know, the big room shows oh, yeah. where the people would be sure it was going riveting. from radio station to radio station. I'm sure it was riveting. Did she do an Al Pacino impression? No, <laughs> no. I don't think she told any good stories. <laughs> But anyway, or had I any mean, impression. she was very nice. To she me. was very sweet. And uh, Pat, I, I appeared at the end of Wheel of Fortune. I was promoting something. I don't know what it was. The movie, the book, something. And uh, Pat was like, fuck, I'm not. Fuck. He, he just he disappeared. He just left. Yeah, well, I guess I don't know if that was before or after he had that run as a talk show host. Remember that? He yeah. once had a late night talk show. Yeah, I think we busted his balls yeah, pretty, pretty good. Bad. Yeah, pretty yeah. bad. I get it. He didn't light the world on fire as a talk show host. Oh, look at this. Pat Sajak's daughter went to Princeton. No wonder she didn't make any mistakes flipping those letters. That's a pretty good school. That is a good school. Yeah, I think you can major in letter flipping over there. Uh, anything else, Robin? Jet Blue. Jet Blue, yes, the airline. 
they're announcing that they will be carbon neutral on all domestic flights by July of this year. Fred, that might merit another kazoo. Oh. There you go. Double, double shot. <laughs> what the are they? Carbon negative? The first woo, woo. of its kind for any U.S. based airline. Nice. So when Greta Thunberg comes back to the United States, she could actually fly JetBlue. Right. Oh, so, oh, all right, I get it. Fine. It's a thing for the climate. That's awesome. So they're going to be carbon neutral. That's the sound of happiness. <laughs> also in the news, Howard, you know how every few years they add a new sport to the Olympics? Yeah, what'd they add? Guess what's coming? Chess? Break dancing. Oh, good. That just lifts my spirit. <laughs> Isn't Break it a little... dancing is... To become an official sport for the first time in the 2024 Olympics in Paris. Didn't they come and go already? I mean, uh, breakdancing? Really? I mean, isn't that something that has... I. What do I know? Yeah. I just know that there are people competing, I guess. And uh, this guy named Richard Cologne of the Bronx, who was also known as Crazy Legs. Oh, Crazy Legs Cologne, yeah. <laughs> I think he was a letter turner on Wheel of Fortune. He's hopeful that cultural integrity and his, the history of breakdancing is respected at the game. I don't know. This might be the point where I go, the Olympics are getting really stupid. <laughs> breakdancing. I thought curling was bad, but mm. now we've got breakdancing as a sport. I'd probably watch that. Things getting uh, testy in the Middle East. Chevron is evacuating all of its American workers from Iraq following that airstrike that killed uh, General Zod. Uh, Sol uh, Salami. Uh, General Salami. Uh, uh, General Salami. Just say General Salami. It's funny. <laughs> General Salami. <laughs> yeah, and it's easier to say. <laughs> well, yeah, they're they're waiting to see what kind of situation is going on over there. I understand that um, oil prices dropped a little bit. They're waiting to see how Iran responds to uh, this attack before, you know, they will uh, take definitive moves. You could see what's going to happen with oil prices. A lot of people don't know this. General Salami was a uh, breakdance expert. Did you know that? <laughs> he was going to be in the Olympics. I did not know that. You know who else is good at breakdancing? Fred. <laughs> really? Yeah, he's going to, uh, he's going to, he won a bronze medal and uh, he did uh, Gangnam style. He did a, a routine. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. With I PC didn't even Carver. know there were breakdancing competitions. Yeah, Fred. Uh, Fred's is got gold medals. Bronze. 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 Oh. Yeah, he just whips out that piece of cardboard and he goes to town. <laughs> You're not one of the, he He didn't upgrade to linoleum when he started making no, money. I'm old school. Old school. <laughs> old school. Oh, he loved I, it. I love the guys who would come with their own floor. I remember Fred was, uh, he started doing this routine. When he first started, he wasn't that good at it. And he was spinning on his head. <laughs> and he had a horrible neck injury. Oh, dear. Yeah. Look at, look at where uh, break dancing has gone now, Fred. Keep All going, Fred. Fred is uh, balancing himself on his right shoulder. I give him a 10. Now, just imagine, Howard, you go to a funeral. <laughs> yeah. And you wind up dead. 
Oh, no. That's what happened in in Iran at the funeral of this uh, Soleimani guy. <laughs> Forty people, they say, have yeah. died in the crowds, the crush of the crowds that showed up God. to demonstrate in the streets. And uh, over, you know, almost 200 people were injured. Here is some of the music. <laughs> from the funeral procession. Yeah, I mean, Iran scares the shit out of me. I remember, like, when that Ayatollah died. Oh, the, yeah, the they dropped guy. his body. Remember oh, that? Yeah, Dro- I, does, it fell out of the, the coffin. The coffin. They, were, they were going berserk in the streets, <laughs> and then people end up dead, and people are crushing one another. And it's like, you know, not even the Imus funeral caused that much chaos. <laughs> I mean, who is it in America that could have a funeral like that? I yeah. hope no one. Yeah. I want people to be stampeded to death at my funeral. <laughs> I put you in charge of that. All right, I'll yeah. try to cause something. I would like people to be that crazy when I die. That Do they... you want us to be ha- carrying your body at the time? Yes, through the streets, right. <laughs> like Mussolini. <laughs> Didn't Mussolini, they, they dragged him through the street and cut off his penis and shoved it in well, his Well, I don't think that was a funeral. Right. <laughs> I think that was the assassination of Mussolini. What am I playing here? One three. One three. This is, uh, this is some music, music from... Music from, so we can get the atmosphere. Awesome. I want this played at my Glad to see their, funeral. Glad to see their music uh, has, has uh, kind Advanced. of... Yeah, like, like everything changed when we got the Beatles. Like in Iran, they, they fucking hate their people so badly, they won't let them change at all. Like, this shit was being played when the, when the Shah was in power. It sounds like a, a snake should be coming out of a basket. Yeah, yeah. What's this? I guess that's the singing. Nothing's changed. Like if you if you go through the ears here in the United States, even for funeral music, it's changed. Well, that's why I always say, why are these people asking for nuclear bombs? Keep the bows and arrows. You're still singing the way you thought with tools. Well, they would be doing that, but they got oil money, and now all of a sudden, it's, it's confused. They're living like people who should have bows and arrows, <laughs> but they have oil money. They're like the Beverly Hillbillies, the Iranians. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. like, like the Beverly Hillbillies were fine. They were living in the fucking, eating possum stew. They didn't even know what a pool table was. They didn't know what a swimming pool was. Yeah. They, you know, they didn't understand. Then they hit oil. They moved to Beverly Hills. Uh, you know, Miss Jane is taking care of their money along with Mr. Dreyfus. Drysdale. Drysdale. And, and and all of a sudden, you know, they're in society. They, they think their swimming pool is a cement pond. Right. That's the cement pond. So they're throwing things in there. They're raising animals in their Beverly Hills mansion. And like Iran hit oil. And they're like, oh, my God, we hit oil. We need a nuclear weapon. Yeah, right now we get nuclear. You were supposed to have bows and arrows. <laughs> You're not supposed to have a nuclear weapon. That's why all this fucking shit's going down. That's my point. And music, they're like, fuck it. We, we just stick them with the same music. The music will stay the same, but we're upgrading our weapons. You know the words to this song? What are they? America, we're going to kill you. Death to America. Death to America. America will die. And everything would have been fine if they never got oil. Or electronics. Yeah, or electricity. Yeah, if they couldn't hear what we were up to. They'd be perfectly happy. Yeah. Like nuclear weapons have been around a really long time. They still haven't really fully figured out how to get one. Even with all their money. Well, we're doing everything we can to keep them from getting them, by the way. 
By the way, this guy is their Elvis. This is this is their guy, Frank Sinatra. Right. <laughs> it's weird. This is what my song sounded like that I produced with Mark Ronson. <laughs> <laughs> They gotta upgrade the music over there. They gotta allow a little bit of fucking modern society to come in. Well, no. you know what's interesting? They banned uh, in most of the the Soviet Union at the time. They banned the Beatles. They banned mm -hmm. all rock and roll. Right. All you could listen to was like classical music. And then you get stuck with this shit. Like you say, like snakes are coming out of baskets all over Iran. <laughs> I wonder, like, like, you know, you you read about these countries. They're throwing gay people off a roof. They're, you know, they're stoning women, stoning women to death. They they don't let anybody drive. They won't let women get an education. I mean, can you imagine? Of course they are. They got to listen to this shit. <laughs> what do you think we should do today? <laughs> Fuck the gay people. We are miserable here. Everyone. Let's take this guy up on the roof and throw him off. Let's dress our women in cloth covering their faces and complete bodies. Great Iranian accent, by the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm like Alec Baldwin with the impressions. <laughs> Isn't this great music? Great music to kill Jews to. This is what they play when they're plotting well, against... Yeah, they did say yeah. that uh, there were two countries... That were, you know, people were screaming about during this whole thing. And it was the United States and Israel. Yeah. WNBC. <laughs> like, instead of, like, even, like, it just shows you how miserable it is over in that part of the world. Like, no wonder they're just concentrating on the Jews. They, they don't know who to blame for their misery. Listen to what the shit they're listening to. Go on the internet and listen to all the great music we're exposed to here in America. And this is what the fucking shit they're listening to. <laughs> You gotta listen to this shit all day. Have you ever gotten into a cab and this is <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's like, hey, you're in America. You don't have to listen to this anymore. <laughs> this guy actually is like the number one artist in Iran. He is, his first album was Burn Jews Alive, which went to number one immediately. <laughs> Just based on the name. They want to kill all the Jews. Like, who do you blame? Like, they got to find someone to blame for this misery. Because right. if this is their music, imagine what their fucking house looks like. And no porn. They can't beat off to anything but fucking like, like you have to close your eyes and pretend like you could see something. Well, you have never seen a woman except right. the slits, uh, you know, of her eyes you're, or something. You're beating off to someone's eyebrow because <laughs> you, you happen to see an eyebrow. <laughs> and you're listening to this music. That's your life. No wonder they want to kill us. They're fucking miserable. Why? Of course they want to go to heaven and get 72 virgins. But the music has not progressed. We're listening to Sgt. Pepper and they're listening to this shit. They're listening to, you know, you know it, it hasn't changed. They've never heard the greatest artist of all time, no. Kanye West. Never. <laughs> Although, if I can be a critic here, a little bit of overuse on the echo. <laughs> right? Like, I think that's a crutch. And, and you know, maybe...
Maybe a few more instruments, that drum. Yeah, what what are these instruments even? (laughs) I hear a drum, that I recognize. (laughs) But what is the other, what other shit to go? It sounds like they're shaking something. Yeah, Yeah, I hear something shaking. (laughs) Honestly, this sounds, no offense, I mean, I don't mean to offend anyone's culture, but this sounds like a lot of whining to me. (laughs) Like, ah, America sucks. And we hate Jesus. And you know this song was written on stone tablets. I mean, <laughs> this is, they, they got to upgrade. And, and, and you know, there's no recording studio for this. This is literally recorded in a cave. You've heard of garage bands. This is the cave band. Cave band. Can someone tell those bats in the background to shut up? <laughs> I'm trying to record here. Ah, like this is their Macarena. And oh, yeah. So, this is this is a, a an amazing rendition. Yeah. This is their Hey Jude. This is everything. <laughs> this is their amazing grace, yeah. you know. <laughs> what a career this guy must be having. He probably thinks he's like, like, and Randy's number one, but like, oh, yeah. it's like, if, I, if only I could get to America. You know what he says? I got to get to America where nobody knows me so I can relax. Well, you don't know the full story. I'm making a movie. I optioned this guy's, the rights really? to this guy's life story. He did make it to America <laughs> and he, and he went over to, I think he went to Sony, he went to Tommy Mottola's oh, office, yeah? came over. Yes. This was in the eighties. And, uh, he, uh, he walked in, they gave him an audition. He went, ha! <laughs> they threw him right out and that was the end of him. Uh... Yeah. You know, like like these instruments. Like they're not even instruments man has been like this is the like, men threw these away. Yeah, like, and like got guitars. This was like this was this song was recorded when they used the horn of a woolly mammoth <laughs> right. in order to sing through. Yeah, they've got that horn that has no keys on it. I did get an Uber the other day. I heard a guy playing this. <laughs> like, hey, that's pretty good. Who is that? Yeah. Little known fact, uh, Yoko Ono took voice lessons from this guy. I know a guy who fucked his camel to this. <laughs> but that's what you should be on. Not a, You shouldn't be in a ah! car. You should be on a camel when you play music like that. Here, Fred, see if you can do uh, Robin duetting with this guy. Oh, oh. Ah! There you go. I like it. <laughs> it's not done. Okay. You know what this guy said? They interviewed him. He says, the best songs are written in 15 minutes. He says, I'm in the shower. It comes to me and boom, that's it. I hear this music. I run for the hills. I know I'm in trouble. I got about another hour in me on this music if you want it. Wow. I knew it would get you all worked up. It describes, my goodness. It describes why we're in the bind we're in. Yeah.
where it describes why, because if the music's that backward, if they're still listening to this shit in 2020. And they're dressing right. the way they did. The people are repressed uh, and they're miserable. years ago. And they're angry. They're angry with America and our opulence. You know this guy's name? It's uh, Muhammad Springsteen. <laughs> Marianne from Brooklyn wants to duet with this song. Oh, you interested? Okay. All right, Marianne, here we go. Love you too. Happy New Year, Mary. So much to talk about. How I had a dream. Tomorrow. She shot 2020s her year. Uh, Robin, anything else you, if you yes, keep introducing uh, these why topics. Why are we you know. involved in all of this? Well, the president says America's a lot safer now. One, four. He was their real military leader. He's a terrorist. He was designated a terrorist by President Obama. And then Obama did nothing about it except give them $150 billion. And he gave them all this money. He never wanted. He loves to put down Obama. I know. Everything's Obama's Get over fault. It. Just move forward. Obama, Obama, Obama. to do anything about it and he should have been taken out a long time ago and we had a shot at it and we took him out and we're a lot safer now because of it all right there you go well a former cia director john brennan says while he's not mourning the death of this guy he does have concerns about what might happen next one nine I agree that we need to do things to deter Iran from carrying out these attacks that kill Americans. But the question is whether it was a wise decision and whether or not this is going to help us in terms of deterring the Iranians. And we don't know because we've got to uh, wait and see how it all shakes out. We don't know how this is going to end. Harvey Weinstein. Oh, by the way, at a rally on Friday, I guess President Trump. Uh, had dinner or something with Rush Limbaugh? Yeah, he, yeah, Rush Limbaugh was at Mar-a-Lago golfing okay. or something with okay. uh, Trump. And, um, so at a rally in Miami on Friday, the president let slip something that Rush, neither Rush nor his company was ready to reveal. One six. We've done this without the media. So we had one party totally against us, and their partner is the fake news. Right? And we won. But we have great people. Rush just signed another four-year contract. He just wants four more years, okay? Rush, Sean Hannity, Laura, a lot of great people. There you go. So uh, the president, don't give the, tell the president a secret. <laughs> was it actually really a secret or you think yeah they weren't ready to uh, announce because it's so top secret well you know how these things are everybody well, i don't know that every uh i has been dotted every t had been crossed yeah but rush was telling him you know the deal was done and that they were gonna be back russia's got for a great four more uh, years he's got a great situation he's down in florida and he does that show by himself in the house so he's got like he didn't 
he can do it from anywhere. And he sits there and he blabs away and, uh, you know, people love him. So why not renew, right? Well, I don't know how what his situation is. I, I saw a picture of him in the paper the with Trump and he looks like he lost a bunch of weight. So I see that as an indication of like maybe he's happier or something. Oh, you do? I mean, what? listen, what am I going to do? See that as a sign of unhappiness? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. And Harvey Weinstein, they'll be starting to uh, pick a jury for uh, Harvey and his trial here in New York. I think Alec Baldwin's going to be on that jury. I think so. That's what I was saying, that yeah. you might get picked for the Harvey Weinstein jury. That's the rumor, yeah. <laughs> and uh, while he was in court yesterday, Los Angeles leveled some new charges against him about uh, a, uh, an alleged rape that happened there. Uh, a few years ago. So that charge will be facing him too. Weinstein accuser actress Rose McGowan shares a word for victims of assault. 111. I thank those testifying for standing, not just for themselves, but for all of us who will never have even one day in court. So she thinks that they are being strong for all of uh, Harvey Weinstein's victims. And finally this morning, Judge Judy's on a tour. You know, she was on the Bill Marshall. Yeah, I have tickets. Talking about her love of Michael Bloomberg and her uh, backing of his run for the presidency. Um, and so... Now she was on The View. She's uh, carrying on this public campaign for Michael Bloomberg, 114. I think that to define Mike Bloomberg as just another rich guy is one of the greatest injustices of this political campaign. That I think she's in love with Mike Bloomberg. What is going on there? I think they're I think he's banging with her. <laughs> I think he's I think he's Mike Bloomberg it to her. I think he's giving it to her very hard. And she's putting a strap on. She can't stop talking about it. She's him. in love, even to the risk of her own career. That's right. She's Wherein, putting it all on the because line. Because Mike Bloomberg is the only one of the candidates who has experience governing and managing and successful. And if he's successful and happened to have made money being successful, that, folks, is the American dream. Yeah, I'm with her on that. I like my I agree. I think all of these yeah. attacks that he's just another rich guy, I think that's a pretty shallow attack. Yeah, I do too. I think he, he was a really good mayor. He's proven. If you're going to millionaires and billionaires to fund your campaign, why can't a guy with the millions and billions run? There you go. I'm with you on that. And that's what's happening. Oh, I want to more Iranian music. <laughs> you can still have that. We still got it racked up. Right, anyway, uh, thank you. We'll see you tomorrow. I have a lot to get to tomorrow. Strap one on because I am going to be on fire tomorrow. That's right. Steven. Taking Sanders. off at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. sharp.